felt a great disturbance in the force, as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. I fear something terrible has happened. Make sure to check out the video version of this podcast at youtube.com slash game of microphones. See everything you're missing. your dragons and draw your swords it's game of microphones with sir duncan the fearsome and lady rachel of house fox Well met, lost heroes and dreamers of broken dreams, and welcome to Game of Microphones. I'm Lord Sterling, Sir Duncan, the Entertained. And I'm Lady Rachel of House Fox, the Empress of Empanadas. (laughs) Nice one. (laughs) I love empanadas. I made empanadas for dinner tonight. (laughs) Killer. Damn, now I'm all jealous. And this is episode 118. On this episode, we're covering the penultimate episode of Game of Thrones, Season 8, Episode 5, The Bells. And in case you're not already aware, this is from the perspective of someone who's current on the show. That means you've seen up through Season 8, Episode 5. If not, there's still time to be murdered in cold blood by the woman who claims she wants to save you from oppression, disintegrated into dust by dragonfire quicker than your hopes for a happy ending. So you don't have to hear these spoilers. Warning. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Holy fuck. Right? Oh my god. That was insane. Dave and I couldn't fall asleep last night. I don't blame you. Um, We were wired for like at least a solid hour. Man. It felt like we were coming home from like a... Like a Warriors game or like a basketball game or something. Just on, on just, an adrenaline high. Yeah. And I like wanted to watch it again, but I was like, oh my God, if I do that, I'm going to be up all night long. <laughs> Dude, holy <laughs> shit. We thought that the battle at Winterfell was intense. Um, I mean, in terms of chaos of the battle, it was probably more intense, but in terms of the emotional weight of what was going on, this yeah. episode takes the cake. Yeah, it was, um, I can't say that I'm terribly surprised that Danny finally snapped. Um, I was hoping that she would turn out to be who she was 
turning out to be. But when we look at the past seasons and the series as a whole, it's kind of been right in front of us this entire time. She's definitely been flirting with with it, but I, w- I don't think she's done anything before this that actually crosses the line into madness. You know, like when she... No, she's talked about it, though, and she's had people there to check her impulses. Yeah. And those people are either dead or turned on her at this point so there's except for Tyrion, but she feels betrayed by Tyrion too and i think he's turned on her now as well yeah i i mean i so there's like in her time of greatest need for that gut check there's nobody there to do it that's so sad So she flung off the handle and fuck (laughs) fuck (laughs) it's horrible i was I was hoping when she was, I mean, I know we'll get into this a little bit more in a little bit, but I was hoping when her and Cersei were having the stare down across the entire King's Landing when Danny took off, I was hoping that she was just going to go straight for the Red Keep. Right. Yeah. At first, I thought the same thing. Like, oh, great. She's going over to accept and Cersei's she surrender. burning like innocent people. And I was just like, oh, fuck. She snapped. Like, what is happening here? Yeah. Yeah. What a done. tragedy. I mean... It is too bad. Such a tragedy. This character who, from the beginning, was oppressed herself and has broken her own bonds as well as people around her to improve the living circumstances uh, and life of so many people. And then to just lose everything in the process. And, and I mean, I, I mean, she hasn't lost everything. I mean, there's still a lot of living people, but she lost her best friend. She lost, you know, her entire family, except for... She the, lost you know. what love she did have, too. I mean, right. it may not have been a lot. I think but that was the tipping point, you know? It was like, John... John would have just had sex with her. We could have avoided this whole carnage. <laughs> well, you know, to put it simply, yeah, but it's it it's just that it goes final deeper. devastating emotional blow of losing who you think is your soulmate, you know, that mm. just made her feel hopeless and desperate. I know, you know, some of the most like hopeless points in my existence have been as a result of losing a relationship like that or something like that. So it makes perfect sense that that's the trigger point that, that would send someone over the edge, you know, (laughs) someone that danced close to it. Yeah, exactly. For a long time. Exactly. Who's, who's has a hereditary history of madness, (laughs) you know, like the Joker said, sometimes it just takes a little push. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It, It just took that little, that last little straw to land just right to snap her into, I, I don't even know what to call it. Tyranny, psychoticness, madness. It's, um, it was very emotional to see all of that character development kind of get erased and blown up in our faces. Big time. But as I was watching it, I said to Dave, I can't believe this is happening. And he goes, Yeah, but if you think about it, you know, it, we've kind of known that she's had this. In her, it's been constantly suppressed, kind of put in front of us, like maybe not her actions, but things that have been said by other people, history of her family. So if you look at it after the initial shock wears off, you, you really, you can be surprised, but 
it, it was right in front of us the whole time. Definitely. And I mean, they, they told it to us straight up at the beginning of the episode, right before it started. They have the previously on thing. And yeah. it's just showing a zoomed up shot of Danny, right? And the whole, the whole time it's basically saying like, it's giving us all of these things that are telling us the same thing. At a certain point, you know, what if there's someone else, someone better? At a certain point, you choose who you, a person you believe in and you fight for that person. And Varys says, even if you know it's a mistake... And then uh, then it cuts to Cersei. Every time a Targaryen is born, the gods flip a coin. And even, you know, Barristan Selmy being quoted, the Mad King gave, gave his enemies the justice he thought they deserved. Tyrion saying children are not their fathers, defending her, you know, still defending her. But Olena saying, be a dragon. and Be a dragon, yeah. yeah. And, you know, this co- this conflict inside of her is Jorah is saying, you have a gentle heart, you know. And But then again, she's hearing Viserys, you don't want to wake the dragon, do you? You know, and it's <laughs> like, oh, my God. They woke the dragon. Cersei they woke, woke the dragon. The dragon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus. It's hardcore. Holy it was so shit. ruthless. So ruthless. It was just, yeah. I mean, I know we'll get into the battle, but yeah. my God. I I mean, I was like rooting for her. I was like, do it, do it. Go after her. Fuck the bells. Like, go after Cersei. Blow her head off. Like, let's end this shit. And then she flew off and I was all excited. And then I saw all these people and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I couldn't no, believe no, no, no. it. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> what the hell? Dude, that was so ballsy. So yeah, ballsy but she even to do said it. it. She said, "Let it be fear that I'm, yeah. I'm gonna burn this city to the ground." Totally. I mean, ballsy on the on HBO's part, just to clarify that. Yeah, as a directorial decision to to follow oh, through with this, like, wow, 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 <laughs> wow. damn, yeah. so crazy. So let's. So uh, do you? Yeah, let's hop into our number fives yeah, here. I'm guessing. I had a hard time. Yeah, I'm guessing that we both have the same number five because it's. You know, just the right way to start out this episode, I think. The the spider? The itsy bitsy <laughs> spider. <laughs> okay. Yeah, my number five starts at the beginning and it kind of goes through her conversation with Tyrion and then the execution. Same here. Yeah, mine starts with Varys writing letters. I think... I think he was trying to poison her. Yes, absolutely. Little girl comes in. <laughs> she won't eat. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll, we'll try, try tomorrow. Again. We'll try again. It's supper, you know? Oh, it's supper, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. He's totally trying to have Danny poisoned. Somebody pointed that yeah. out in the La- La- Live uh, show last night. And oh, really? Yeah, nice. I was yeah. like, dude. I haven't had a chance to listen to that yet. But. So slick, yeah. And, I mean, he was telling all in his letter, too. Uh, from what I could make out, the parts that it showed legibly were... Is not the only Targaryen left. Rhaegar and Lyanna, blank. Mm-hmm. Their, their son lives still, hidden by Eddard Stark. His name, blank. He is the true heir to the Iron Throne. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Who knows how many of copies of that he, got, he wrote and got to send before being busted because probably a few because when he's when he did get busted there was only one he was only writing one at the time mm-hmm. and so i think what he probably was doing is 
writing some, sending them off, writing some more, writing some more, sending them off, because that way if he was to get caught, at least some of them had already gotten out. Yeah. Write a couple, send them. Like for all we know, he may have been writing one and sending it just to make sure that he never had more than one on him and that Mm -hmm. make sure that everyone he writes gets out, you know, like as soon as you write one, you're like, do I risk sitting here and waiting and potentially being caught or do I send this immediately and then go write another one. And then you have the same dilemma. (laughs) We saw him writing one when little Martha, Martha came in. And so we knew that that one existed. And then he was writing another one when gray worm came in and he burned that one much later too, because this was the time for him to go see John and like do this whole thing. And And that little girl was in the, he was guarding her in the crypts up at Winterfell. Oh, that was one of those Mm -hmm. kids from up there. Oh man. Yeah. So when Sansa and Tyrion come running around and Varys is sitting there with like elderly. Yeah. Yeah. um, Martha is sitting right next to Varys and he's like holding on to her. Oh my God. So, this is like a special girl to him yeah i mean obviously he's collecting little birds again Mm -hmm. and now he has her and but i mean i instantly got that they were trying to poison her because he's sitting there like sending out ravens that john's the true heir to the iron throne and they're talking about eating and she's not eating and he seemed disappointed in that and we know that while varus may care for danny to an extent um I don't think he really cared about her like eating. No, (laughs) no. He basically told Tyrion last episode. Tyrion was like, well, what happens to her when they were discussing? We're going to fucking kill her. Yeah, basically. He's like, you know what happens, And poison is a woman's weapon, but it's also a eunuch's weapon as well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) Totally. Definitely. So he kind of like sends her off back to the kitchen. and She was a little afraid because the soldiers were watching her and he just kind of reassures her, you know, like, well, that's their job. Just, you know, hurry back to the kitchens. Just remember the greater the risk, the greater the reward. Mm -hmm. Speaking of rewards, when he ends up being busted a little later on, he takes off his rings and leaves them in a cup on his on his desk. I think that's to reward his little birds. Yeah, I think it's just little prizes for his little birds. Like, sorry, I'm I'm gone, but I'm leaving you what I can. Basically, got it. I mean, that was my guess. You know. Yeah, I, to, I would say I, I can't think of anything else that it would be. He looks down. He's like, I'm not going to need these much longer. Better might as well leave them here for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. The greater the risk, the greater the reward. Oh, so you know, as much as Varys and is not getting along with Danny, they do have one thing in common. Which is they'll they'll use their their children to <laughs> kill people. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of fucked up. He's sending this little girl to poison Danny, and it's also, I mean, fucked up from Dan, like for Danny to be using her children, you know, her dragons to murder people in cold blood as well. So something that it's they true. do have in common. It's not your Man. average mother-child relationship to have your you know children uh, slaughter people. No, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's not at all. Um, so my next part of my number five is actually Varys talking to John. As Tyrion lurks from above watching. Yes, because this is just blatant 
treason at this Blatant point. treason. And this is like, <laughs> really, the, this, this doesn't make much sense. From like a writing perspective, I have to throw a little bit of criticism here because Varys is like the master of disguise and intrigue and sneakiness. And he's sitting, he's doing this like so stupidly out in the open and having like having telegraphed his moves to people like Tyrion, who he knows aren't fully on his side. Like this is so sloppy, way too sloppy for the spider. You know what I mean? Right out in the I think open. He just doesn't have anything left to lose. I don't think Varys is expecting to survive the tur- like the turnover of Danny. Right. So this is just like a last ditch desperation I move think he, because it's like there's just no time because he knows her motive and he knows that she's right. planning on burning King's Landing and it's it's he doesn't have time for the the sly little games he wants right. played. He's with just got he just got to get his little bug in John's ear before he gets to Danny. And before their mm-hmm. plan moves forward, I guess. So, I, yeah. yeah, I guess he's just desperate and <laughs> making moves as quickly as he can. Oh, man, I it sucks so bad. So he's there to meet John. And, you know, the first thing he asks, John asks, how is Danny? And mm-hmm. various kind of gives her the 411. You know, she's been alone this whole time. She's not eating any food. Um you know, and John's like, well, she should not be alone right now. Like, her dragon just died. Her best friend just got beheaded. Right. Not helping. She's already felt alone. And Varys picks up on it. Well, you're worried for her. I admire your empathy because that's a great thing for a king to have. Yeah, empathy. empathy. <laughs> you know, and yeah. John is kind of like not getting it at this point. He's like, aren't you worried too? Yeah. <laughs> like, about her? Like, what the fuck is, is that statement? You know, I'm worried for all of us. They say every time a Targaryen is born, the gods toss a coin and the world holds its breath. It's like, oh my God. Intense. Whew. Man. We already thought we kind of knew how Danny's coin landed, but clearly, you know, a lot of us missed the signs. I, I was a little bit weary of this episode. I was so caught off guard last episode with um, the happiness at the beginning that my guard was really up for for this episode. And I, I just had this terrible feeling that Danny, we weren't really going to like Danny very much at the end of this. Well, you pretty much nailed that. sadly i mean i did not want to be right in that but i just had this weird feeling of someone we love has got to do something terrible it's game of thrones and there's two episodes left like my money is the one that has the fire breathing dragon (laughs) it's probably gonna misuse her her power so brutal man i was hoping that it wasn't going to happen but i just had this weird this weird feeling about it going into it so you know john kind of calls varus out you know we're not i'm not really much for riddles and varus basically throws it out there like i said we know what she's about to do like you know that she's about ready to like wreak havoc on this major city Mm. and john john just looks at him because that's her decision to make she is our our queen. queen And then Varys with more riddles. <laughs> you know, will men decide where the power resides, whether or not they know it? 
what do you and want? John <laughs> like, figured it out at this? that. Yeah, I think he finally figured it out right there because he looks pissed when he says, what do you want? Because I think he knows the answer. Yeah, he knows what he wants. I agree. All oh. I've ever wanted, the right ruler on the Iron Throne. He's like, fuck. John's face. He knows. And he thinks about it, too. The only people that he told, Sansa and Arya. And the connection is clear. Sansa, Tyrion, Varys, you know, yep. <laughs> totally yeah. clear. It's crazy, though. And I mean, knows. we got to give Varys credit. He has been nothing if not consistent the whole time we've known him, that he wants the he cares about the realm. He wants the right ruler on the Iron Throne. He has been very truthful. Totally. And he, in fairness to Varys, he went to Danny, like she asked, said, you're making a mistake. She decided to not listen to him. So he went about his business as Varys has always done. Mm -hmm. Take care of the realm. So I, I can't fault Varys very much for doing what he's trying to do because he he held his word to Danny. He went to her and told her, "Yep, this is wrong. You're, what you're doing is wrong. This is not what is good for the people." Clearly, <laughs> now that they're all like burned to a bacony crisp, but you know, at the same time, I feel I, in a weird way, I feel sorry for Danny. I felt like she was driven to this. Yeah, point. I mean, it's super, super sad what happened with her. Yeah, I mean, I, I know everyone's felt low and everyone's felt alone. And we have to keep in mind that Danny's lineage and heritage and genetics, you know, she has a, a tick about her. And you throw a giant, massive dragon <laughs> in the mix. And yeah, I mean, at least know, John has half be. Stark blood to you know, to even out even his temperament out a little, a little bit. bit, make the coin toss a little bit less, uh, you know, change the odds a little more heavy on the heads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. Not the tails. Uh. So, um, you know, John says, I do not want the throne. And Varys is just frustrated. He's just like, damn it. I have, I've known more Kings and Queens than any man living. I've heard what they say to crowds and I've seen what they do in the shadows. And I've basically done whatever they've asked me to do, no matter how horrible it has been. You know, but I'll tell you what, you will rule wisely and she will. And John just cuts him off. She is my queen. She is my queen. <laughs> it, done with uh, this conversation. Such a Barris. powerful, you know monologue by Varys so it's true like he's he's been there done that he's met the kings he's heard what they talk about and how their attitudes are everybody from Cersei to Eris and you know maybe even before that uh, I think Eris was where he started but I mean god damn like he's seen all these people these people like these royal figures and he knows that John is the best one yet that he, you know, aside from maybe Rhaegar. he's even seen other Targaryens. That's what I mean, I mean yeah. It's not just, he's seen the the decent ones, he's seen the terrible ones, he's seen the non-Targaryens yep. too. And he and saw the value in John even before he knew he was a Targaryen. That's true. That is absolutely true. Think about this, the, the name, the spider is so fitting for Varys because 
his spidey senses are off the charts. Like he yeah. knew before anybody else that Danny was going to go wild. He he sees the value in John even before knowing he's a Targaryen. Um, <laughs> while everybody else is still figuring it out, he steps ahead with his spidey sense on point. <laughs> his little fingers are out. He's like, <laughs> oh, hidden inside power. of his uh, his <laughs> sleeves doing that. Oh, yeah, his his big sleeves. Yeah, so then we cut up to the uh, painted table room and Tyrion is there and he goes in and your grace. <laughs> oh my God. It sucks to be Tyrion here. I know, because oh. he knows that he's betraying Varys. And that but... he's already betrayed her. It's his fault that this has yeah. happened. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's he's he sees this happening from above, clearly is able to tell what just transpired with what Varys has told him and John's reaction to to what whatever Varys said. It's pretty clear what happened, you know, and he's presented with a choice. Either he's got to betray a longtime friend who saved his life from King's Landing or his queen who saved his life from slavery, who I mean, these are two people who he respects and who he's. He's got a, it's, it's one of these impossible choices that Jamie has talked about, you know, like where does, where does your, what oath takes precedent? If you're, if you're, if you're sworn to protect your family and your king, but your king orders you to kill your father, like, what do you do? You know? Yeah. Type thing. And it's a, it's a hard place to be in for sure. Yeah. And I mean, it just, I think it just comes down to the point where, like we said, nothing that Danny did before this episode crossed that line. Even if she had talked about no. crossing the line, she'd never done it. I think if, that if she had crossed the line, Tyrion may not have chosen to betray Varys. It may have been the reverse, but she hadn't done anything yet, actually done anything that, sure. that warranted a betrayal. So. And it kind of goes back to what um, Varys was ta and Tyrion were talking about treason. It's one thing to think about those acts than to act upon right. those acts, you know, like. Yeah, totally. And it's just Varys' spidey treason. sense that's motivated him. Like it's his spidey sense is just so powerful. He knows, you know, but he just knows yeah. before anybody else. And Tyrion can't just know without the proof, without having seen her cross the line. Totally. Yeah, so. She looks a hot mess. She looks so fucked. Her hair is all fucked she up. She looks like a woods she, witch. I know. She has like... She, this is so horrible for me to say. She looks <laughs> like a new mom. <laughs> <laughs> your hair is all fucked up. Your bags have under your eyes. You're not eating because you're friggin' exhausted. And you just look tired. And she has like... I mean, clearly she hasn't been eating. She almost looks like thinner. Like her face is all kind of like shrunken in her cheeks and Ugh. her her eyes are all sunken she in. She is in rough shape. Yeah. And oh, she already knows. Man. She goes, someone has betrayed me. And Tyrion's like, well, yeah. <laughs> Jon Snow. Right, dude. She's like all ready to, to blame Jon. And this is this is a bad sign because the Mad King was known to be ultra paranoid about people around him conspiring against him. So the fact mm -hmm. that her mind is racing about this and she's clearly losing speed, like losing sleep and um, her grip and that she's worrying about people conspiring against her and Jon Snow, who she loves betraying her. Um, 
it kind of shows us that she's already experiencing this type of irrational thought process that is known to exist in the Mad King. You know, these irrational yeah. fears. Um, we know John wouldn't have betrayed her. You know, she should know that. Like, Yeah. It's, it's hard, though, because if I remember, I'm going to have to watch this whole season again. But when she begged him... He really never told, like, agreed to not tell his sister. Yeah, he never so, agreed to that. Kind of, so I think that's been in her mind. I think she kind of already knew that he was going to tell them no matter what. So when when this all started kind of unfolding, she already kind of knew because he never really gave her, okay, I won't tell them. But she considers that a betrayal. How is that a betrayal? It's it's not right. in my opinion. She, if anything, she's betrayed him. She's betrayed her own family by refusing to acknowledge him as a legitimate person and telling him to suppress his identity. That's the betrayal. I agree. I I feel that what John it's his secret. It's not her secret. And he deserves to do with it with what he wants to do with it. And he agreed to her that he does not want the throne, that it's hers, that he'll support her claim, but I'm going to tell my family, right. my true lineage. They he owe, has he owes every them right. The truth. Yeah. And he has every right to do it. It's his secret. It's not hers. It's not only I his mean, secret, it's his identity. Like it's, that's true. It's who he even, is. even more so. Yeah. Like, it's one thing oh to to agree to keep something secret. You know, it's another thing to agree to disown your own identity, which is fucked to even ask somebody to do. Yeah. So he calls Varys out. He goes, it was Varys. And Danny knew it. You know, he knows the truth about John. Well, yeah, he does. Because, because you. he told him. It's like, uh, yeah. Oh, shit. Didn't think that one through. I was like, oh, fuck. He is in dangerous. He, he is in danger, man. He is in danger. I thought when we went down to the beach, I thought she was going to burn them both. Yeah. I wasn't sure that it was going to be just Varys. Oh, my God. That would have been crazy if that had happened. <laughs> just Varys, not Lord Varys. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just Varys. Huh. He's not technically a lord. Technically, she yeah. She calls him lord, though. She goes, Lord Varys. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. I but it was just Varys that got burned, not Tyrion. Yep. I was thinking, imagine how crazy, it, like, whether or not Jon is accepting Varys' help, you know, Varys is already working for him. So sending out the letters, exposing the truth. <laughs> You know. Like trying to prom promulgate him or trying to push him forth as a leader. So he's like already <laughs> doing work for John, basically. Um, I was just thinking, like, imagine how different things could have been if if Varys had known the truth earlier. Like if he had just been slightly better at his job and find, found out the truth or deduced it all this time ago, instead of taking Tyrion to Danny, he may have decided to take Tyrion to John. And Absolutely. imagine how different things would have played out if if Daenerys didn't have the support of Varys, the spider, on like on her journey uh, and everything. Like she definitely would not be in 
Westeros at this moment. Yeah. Yeah, we we kind of glossed over the part where Varys says, I don't know how Danny's coin has landed yet, but I'm quite certain about yours. And mm-hmm. that to me was really intense to see Varys throwing down for real, like on somebody's side, you know, like the whole time he said, like, all I want is the right, you know, I, I want to, I'm loyal to the realm. I'm loyal to the realm. He's picked a person at this point. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, he had picked Daenerys to to some extent, but he was never fully committed. It seems now, but he seems like I'm certain about about Jon Snow. He says, you know, like that's pretty wild. Yeah, it's, yep. He's he's putting his money where his mouth is this time. Yep. And so, um, you know, Tyrion tries to reason here. He's like, "Well, I'm glad Sansa told me." You know, because I'm your hand and we need to be aware of these types of things. And so does Varys. He's the master of whispers. Like, he has to be aware of the shit, too. Right. Totally. But then she kind of calls him back out on it. You spoke to him first without consulting me and asking my permission. It's like, oops. (laughs) Yeah, that was a mistake. Yeah, he doesn't even (laughs) try to, like, deny it or anything. It was a mistake, he says. (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> fuck. And this is kind of a mind fuck here. She's like, well, why do you think Sansa told you? What do you think that she hoped to gain? She trusts and me. And like, well, she trusts me. You know, yeah, she trusts you. She trusted you to spread secrets that could destroy me. And Tyrion's like, he's like, oh, good point. <laughs> and you did not let her down. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. It's so true. He got played like a fiddle. Yeah, he sure did. And now he kind of backtracks here and he's like, well, if I failed you, I'm really sorry. Like, please forgive me. You are my queen. Yeah. Basically. And he's like, our intentions were good. Like, even if we fucked up, like, we want the same thing, you know. All, we want a better world yeah, for all of us. Varies just as much as anybody, you know. And I'm noticing at this point, she looks super disheveled and just mad. Yeah, uh, she turns good. around like her freaking eye sockets look like 10 feet into her brain. I mean, they're. Yeah, totally. All, all like, you know, shadowed she and everything. She looks so sad and pale it and sucks. frail. It and sucks. We're so used to seeing her so like powerful and beautiful and strong. Put together and, and composed. She looks so weak here. Just defeated. She, yeah, she looks like she does when she was walk like dra- being dragged in the the Kalasar by the calls when she was captured, you know, and like her hair is a mess. She looks worse than that to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She totally looks worse than that to I'm, me. I just mean like her the level of unkemptness. <laughs> oh yeah, but but yeah, yeah she's, she here. She's like all sunken in and like yeah. And one side bad. of her hair was more like fucked up than the other. Like she's <laughs> yeah. been laying in bed all day. <laughs> Yeah, it sucks. And uh, that, like you said, she turns to him at this point and they're like glaring at each other and, you know, and he realizes that he's fucked, he fucked up and he's like, but it doesn't matter now. Yeah. And she agrees. No, nope, it does doesn't not. matter now. And think that's a quote. It's a theme that we've been getting repeatedly for a couple seasons now since mm-hmm. Sandor, you know, found the body of the old man and the and his daughter at that house. Right. And it doesn't matter. And um, Beric asks, what do you think happened? Doesn't matter. Now, we've heard Cersei say it doesn't matter now. We've heard all these people say it in different circumstances. And we get it three times, at least in this episode. We get yeah, it here sure do. with, you know, Tyrion and Dan- Danny both saying it. That's one of the three occasions um, that I've noticed. They both agree it doesn't matter. You know, what's done is done. 
It's fucked up and super, super eerie music starts to play here as Danny goes back to her place at the at the, the window of the map room and starts staring out, gazing out into nothingness essentially. <laughs> and just yeah. she's just in, in her own she's world, alone. man. Yeah, it's horrible. So then we cut to the beach and it's oh. nighttime. First we cut back to Varys's chamber. Oh, that's as, right. Yeah. As the Gestapo comes his... to scoop him up. Yeah. I mean, I get this point, it's not really fair to call them Gestapo because she hasn't crossed the line yet. So it's more like Varys has committed treason and got busted. So, I mean, it is what it is, right? He sure did get busted. He's just sitting there, not even looking as they enter the doorway and one group of eunuchs comes to scoop up another eunuch. (laughs) The Grey Worm looks so, he like saunters in and like, like postures. Like, oh, it's fucked. It's bad, man. And uh, yeah, like you said, then it cuts to the beach, like you said, and Varys is being led out and he's standing there and ends up face to face with Danny and John. And he's kind of looking back at the and forth between the two of them. And he's, I think he's trying to figure out exactly how he got busted, you know, and he's probably mad at like, maybe mad at John thinking that John told, told him, Danny. Told her. But I think I think that Tyrion doesn't want him to have the wrong idea about what exactly happened. I liked that he owned up to it. I think he, their friendship deserved that transparency. Yeah, and I mean, he they respect each other, and like, Tyr- Varys was in- integral in saving his life when he was spirited away from King's Landing after being con- convicted and sentenced to death for the murder of Joffrey by his father and sister. <laughs> <laughs> so fucked up. So, I mean, like he owes Varys the truth as well. You know, like John said that he owes his family the truth. Tyrion owes Varys the truth, I would say. And he comes up to him and tells him it was me. And uh, Varys is shot, taken aback, but understands, you know, because they both, they respect each other. They openly talked about how they were Having differences of opinion, choices. yeah, and making their own choices, and they each made their own choice. And as horrible as it is seeing these two friends being separated in this way and having had to, you know, end up on opposite teams, essentially, it was comforting to see that they didn't go out angry at each other, that they both understood each other's perspectives and respected each other in the end. You know? Even says he goes. I hope I deserve this. I truly do. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, and I've, I've, you know, I. Everybody knows I like, my, I like conspiracy <laughs> theories and stuff like that. And I've been known to say I hope I'm wrong <laughs> before about various things as well. So I can understand his perspective. He was not wrong, though. Yeah, sadly, he was not wrong. But you know, as and Tyrion reaches out and touches him and makes did you see the look on Varys's face yeah and and uh, this is one thing that we learned from the the game revealed behind the scenes thing is that on one of the takes conleth hill had the, this shocked look on his face when he looked down as he was touched and he said that basically Varys has never been you know touched before like this is not a common occurrence for him it was just during during one of the numerous takes where Conleth Hill had had that shocked reaction, and um, mm-hmm. it, I I really liked the the decision to use that in the show. I thought it was very good because he's he's another one of those people that has lived sort of like an isolated existence, 
to a large he, yeah, extent. Yeah, he's never been touched before is what he said in the yeah in the video. I mean, you know, that's not entirely true. He held hands with Martha in this episode and he's had... Uh, I think he had, he's touched people before, but I don't think anyone's physically touched him on, you know, like made the connection themselves. Well, remember when he was in the whorehouse at Littlefinger's with Roz and she reached down in between his legs and that oh, only then right. she realized that he was the spider. That's right. That is right. So I that's mean true. like he has been been touched, but it's it's more like metaphorical, I think, that he's like he lives a really isolated existence, a spy, you know, by by nature. Your your guard's always up, you don't let people in, you're always acting or lying or you know what I mean, like sneaking. So mm-hmm. to have like a real connection with Tyrion, um, I think is it's been an important part of Varys's life. And uh, it was nice that that didn't end, even though they ended up sort of on opposite teams. I mean, it, it was good seeing them go, go out still having respect for each other. And I appreciated that a lot. Um, the poignant last, last line between the two of them. Goodbye, old friend, right? Mm. Yeah. Is that what so it was? Sad. Yeah. Goodbye, old friend. Yeah. Really sad. I agree. And then we get Danny. She steps forward and she goes, Lord Varys, oh. I, Daenerys of House Targaryen, first of my name, breaker of chains and mother of dragons. And boom, there's Drogon. Oh, God. <laughs> A lot of times they use darkness. I think I mentioned in the live show, too, to cover up. You know, to make it, it it's hard like in to have um to cover up bad CGI or things that are make hard to make look realistic. He looked, he looked so amazing. So good. Oh man, I was super impressed it was by so this. So creepy. I was like, Oh my god, yeah, I know. there's a dragon back there. Princess Sarah also really liked this uh this shot of Drogon leaning mm. in. Like she said the graphics were pristine, I believe. Yeah. That's a good word for yeah. it, that's for sure. Very Definitely. And she's so blase and casual. Dracaris. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Dracaris. Boom. Bye bye, Varys. And, yeah, and the look on his face in horror as. Barbecued spiders. Drogon climbs right over the top. Barbecued spiders. <laughs> uh, the itsy bitsy spider uh, landed on Dragonstone. <laughs> They're crispies. <laughs> yeah, super crispy. Super, super crispy. Oh, and yeah, Drogon climbs all the way over and then cocks back his head like Viserion tried to do with Jon, but (laughs) roasts him. Brutal, man. Yeah, crazy. So brutal. So that was some of your number five too, right? Yeah, and I think it's also worth noting there, we, we see... Tyrion through the flames and he's looking really nervous uh, and we see John reacting to Danny he, burning. He doesn't look very pleased Yeah, he does us. not look thrilled. He looks nervous as, as well um, and the quote popped through my head, man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. Mm. And I don't know, if having, is having your own child murder somebody for you, is that considered swinging the sword? Is your, is your child, can it, can it also <laughs> double as your sword? <laughs> I think I think Drogon in this sense does double as the sword. <laughs> she uses him as her weapon. She doesn't carry a weapon. Drogon is her weapon. Yeah. It's just a really big weapon. I mean, weapon he's a dragon, versus- right? But it's still kind of twisted. It is you know, kind of twisted. Yeah, you- <laughs> using your kids like that. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. messed up. 
that's all I have to pretty much add in there for my number five as well. Anything else you can think of? No, that's it. What's your number four? My number four is Jamie and Cersei. Oh, damn. Yeah. And as horrible as everything is regarding them, like their whole relationship and everything that's resulted from it and everything, it was like one moment of kind of like beauty in amidst all of this horror is is them connecting again and dying together just as jamie had predicted we entered this world together we'll leave it together he said to somebody right i don't remember who he said that to but um you know he spent so much of his time on this show just trying to get back to cersei you know and this episode is like a microcosm of that right he had to escape from prison when he was captured after the battle at whispering wood he threatened to destroy all of River Run and Trebuchet babies over the wall so he could get oh back God. to Cersei just because he wanted to get back to this her. This is another story arc that, like, kind of like Danny in a way that just collapsed back in on itself. Yeah, yeah, it's so tragic. And, uh, yeah. Like, you can't change a leopard's spots, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. No matter feeling. how hard she tried, she couldn't circumvent her fire and blood instincts and the same with Jamie. I mean, and if, if he and Cersei are Targaryens also secret Targaryens seems like we'll never know, <laughs> at least not in the yeah, show, I don't think but so. this would fit for that, for him as well. You know, just like these Targaryens just can't escape their bloodthirsty, incestuous urges. <laughs> um, it's, it's crazy, man. Um, so th- yeah, like I mentioned, he's trying to get back to where he's, he enters the city and he's he's hooded walking through he pulls off his his glove and the whole time he's just trying to get back to the red keep first he gets blocked outside the gates for the red keep when they close him and he's waving his golden hand trying to get the guards attention but to no avail so he's 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 like, soldier. Yeah, yeah, soldier. (laughs) And nobody's looking. Everybody's waving their hands. He's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. So he tries to find another way. Somehow he ends up getting into the Red Keep. But um, he, oh, through that bottom gate, that secret door. Yeah, he sees the little, the dinghy that's there for him. Yeah, he's like, oh, man. So we'll, we'll talk more about the Euron fight later on. But he gets, he, you know, he's stabbed up a little bit and ends up getting into the red keep and walks all the way up there and it's right as cersei is entering the map room and she's all alone which is where he left her yeah exactly really good catch there yeah amazing um full circle mm-hmm. and so the tower is like falling apart and cersei is alone at this point too having been abandoned by the mountain <laughs> who actually thought for himself <laughs> for once yeah, that was that was crazy. Yeah, again with him, he just couldn't escape his Clegane like ness. That's just inside him. He has to fight Sandor. You know, just like, it's his core. All the it hit really home for him too. So I don't know. It's just kind of funny, but uh, I thought it sort of mirrored how alone Danny is. That Cersei also was just completely alone up there in the in the Red Keep, just all by herself. You know, isolated. Trying to make her way down. Yeah, Yeah. and she's like, she's off balance and like off kilter and 
I think it's moving because oh, yeah. all the chandeliers and yeah. stuff are like shaking. And you can and- see the, the floor cracks as it's starting to split. The tower is shaking, but her composure is just gone at this point too. Mostly gone um, since Kyburn got her to finally leave that, that balcony where she was. Um, and so she walks in to the map room and Jamie stumbles in. And what an overwhelming moment as they're, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? super powerful as they see each other again and as much as i dislike cersei you get i got a little emotional when they saw each other again totally and so like i said her composure is mostly gone but she really breaks down when she sees jamie and starts oh yeah sobbing (laughs) and they they rush to each other and hug and she's crying and for once in her life cersei cares about somebody other than herself as she realizes no, that she's like you're hurt yeah he's fucked <laughs> euron thinks he got him you know and if the tower hadn't collapsed on his head he probably would have <laughs> right yeah yeah but yeah for once cersei's you know cared caring about somebody else and uh it cuts away but next we see them he he's got her down in the dungeons almost all the way out but it's just too late there's too much of the of the keep has collapsed and they're blocked in around the base um because danny was just like like she's she's bombing the city she basically is starting around the outskirts of the city and just firebombing her way closer and closer to the red keep just line by line systematically, which is even more it, fucked up. It looked up. like she was going down the roads. Yeah. Like, cause all of a sudden she would kind of turn it and it wasn't just like going back and forth. She wasn't like sweeping. She was kind of like following the, the roads. Yeah. And, um, I obviously have no idea what it's like to be in a building that's collapsing, but, being that we're in earthquake country, um, that's always a big fear out here. Good and point. it um it's a scary thought to be in a in a high in a high building like that. And you know, the the rumbling sound that they captured is really, really reminiscent of what it does sound like like from an earthquake, even in like a house. Mm, man. Um like the earth kind of makes noise it's hard to explain and it kind of has like this low like rumbling sound right. and i think they really captured that There's and the whole science um, of it seismography yeah i don't and know if that's what's also, called i think that's what's called <laughs> sadly enough and i hate bringing up um the twin towers but it had this eerie like feel to it that kind of reminded me of watching because i was a junior in high school when yeah i was a the freshman. twin towers got hit yeah my, and yeah, so my aunt was supposed to be working on the 93rd floor of one of them and shit. had a bad feeling that day and tried to go to the airport to fly to florida for a janet jackson concert and from the airport <laughs> so saw crazy. all the chaos unfold and i got back home to connecticut and she was on my couch my parents couch in connecticut i was like holy oh my shit. god Oh my God, that's so insane. Um, our neighbor, she worked at a building like right outside the Twin Towers and like heard the first plane hit and she looked at her coworker and she's like, we need to get the hell out of here. Like, I don't know what the hell that was, but we need to leave. Yeah. And they left like right away. And, um, you know, but I, it, when that, when the plane went through the Twin Tower and that like big explosion came out the back of it, um, 
and then, you know, obviously watching it kind of fall, that's the, the terror that you saw in all those videos of 9-11. It, you know, people running from the rubble falling and very similar feel here. Yeah. It was really, really similar, sadly enough. And I don't like comparing a, a true world tragedy like 9-11 to, um, a, you know, a fictional show, but. I think what I'm trying to get at is it hit home. It made you, it, it really reminded hit us home. of this type of thing. And like, it was Watching hard to watch the panic and terror and death, um, surrounding this, you know, and, 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 and you know, on the show, having it come from a beloved character like Danny, it was really hard. So watching Cersei kind of, and Jamie kind of climb, try to climb their way through this rubble. It, you know, it, it made me sad. Um, as much as I hate Cersei and Jamie was, I was hoping Jamie would kill her, but <laughs> you know, he left Brienne and he is who he is, but I, I don't like seeing especially pregnant women trapped anywhere, no matter how terrible cersei is for sure her, her child is innocent yeah. so it was it was it was a hard moment to watch when she started breaking down breaking out and i think like i've been wondering what danny's motivation was for killing all these innocent people and everything that she decided to do at this in this episode this turn of fate um and i think part of it yeah think part of it may be that she just wanted to destroy mentally Cersei and torment the hell out of her before actually killing her. Like I was saying, she starts at the outskirts of King's Landing and street by street, she just is demolishing everything, getting closer and closer to the Red Keep until she starts, boom, like hitting the Red Keep a little bit, taking out the tower here, taking out the throne room there, getting closer and closer to Cersei, just tormenting her, just yeah. forcing her to watch as she destroys everything surrounding her and it gets closer and closer and the radius gets smaller and smaller and fire and blood creeps up nearer and nearer to the red keep and i think this is largely like she's telling cersei like you fucked you've took my best friend and like destroyed you know like you ruined you ruined it basically. And um, yeah. now I'm going to torture you. Uh, I think it was also a, a, a big, um, cause Danny even said it to, to Tyrion is your sister thinks our weakness or our mercy is our weakness. And she, Cersei was basically using the people of King's Landing as like a shield and Danny kind of called her like used the innocent lives and kind of called Cersei's bluff and was like, nothing is going to stop me. And she decided I, to uh, roast everybody. Yeah, Even though to, she'd already to, won. I know I, I have. So that's, that's, per, that's part of my top five. I, I think I know what's going on in Danny's mind at that moment. All right. Let's hear it. Um, I think she, I, I, I think that it didn't fulfill her the way she thought it was going to. I think she felt that they gave up too easy, that it was going to be more of a battle and more of a war. And when she heard the bells ring, she wasn't done. She, she came there to 
you know, instill fear. And because that's what she said to John, if I don't have love, I have fear and so be it basically. And when the bells rung, all she had really taken out was the golden company, the fleet and the scorpions. Mm -hmm. She really didn't have a chance to go after the red keep, like you were just saying. And so she was looking at this, you know, giant building in the distance and you could see her like kind of like an inner, inner <laughs> like battle in herself. And she even kind of cries. She starts to cry a little. And yeah, then, she like gulpingly gasps a couple times. Yeah, she goes, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what to do. <sighs> yeah, it's fucked. And she just, she just rips it and she's like, fuck this bitch. I'm going to wreak havoc on the city because fear is all I have. Fire and blood. I'm coming for you, Cersei. This is your fault, basically. Because she even said that to Tyrion. It's her fault. And he goes, it's not about whose fault it is. And so she was. She's she like the wife. She's like a wife beating husband. Look what you made me do. You know, <laughs> <laughs> look at all these innocent people you made me kill. Look what you, you know. Yeah. Uh. It, so I think that it was too anticlimactic for her when they surrendered. She wasn't done. It didn't feel victorious. She still felt awful. She still felt alone. And she, she Cersei like, hadn't suffered enough. So, like, yeah, it was, exactly. You know, she was, it was a double thing. Like, one, instilling massive amounts of fear, like you said, but also, like, torturing Cersei with anticipation and with just total destruction, <laughs> you know, like, just destroying yeah. everything that she thinks she controls, you know, like saying, you can't control any of this. You can't save anybody. You can't do anything. You are a failure, you know? Yeah. You thought that I wasn't going to come wreak havoc on, you thought on you the stood red a chance. You thought you had a because chance. Because you're filling it with innocent lives that you don't give a fuck about. Right. Well, I don't give a fuck about them either because you know what? They have no love for me. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna instill fear, and it's sad that Danny's character turned to be that she, way. Yeah, but I mean, like just last episode, she said that she was gonna end end the reign of tyranny, basically, so nobody had to live in fear of a tyrant again. And then in the following episode, she decides to embrace fear, which she said she wanted to eliminate last episode. Yeah, she snapped. She snapped. She completely snapped, and there's. No denying that what she did was terribly, terribly wrong. But, you know, like we've said a couple times already, um, the writing was kind of on the wall for her character that this was a possibility. And they went for it. And it was spectacularly Man, awful. Spectacularly. <laughs> it was so good. It was horrifically amazing. I mean, it was it was spectacular TV, but it was awful to watch. Yeah. And, you know, getting back to your number four, watching another tyrant, Cersei, break down and realize that she's about to die and she doesn't care about her. She wants her baby to live. And she's begging Jamie, please don't let me die because I want our baby to live. Our baby is innocent. You know, we may not be, but our baby is innocent. And he just grabs her and look at me. Ugh. 
I feel like in a weird way, this little Valencar theory was um, kind of fulfilled in a weird way. His hand around her throat when she dies, basically. Yeah. So not the way we thought it would play out, but they did die together. And I feel like there's a part of me that really wanted to see Cersei get like this is so awful to say. I can't believe I'm saying this, but like a more terrible death, like the way she dealt it out to Alaria and um, the shame lady. Septa Yunella. <laughs> Septa Yunella. <laughs> shame Septa. You know, <laughs> the shame Septa. Um, but I, I'm kind of glad we didn't get that. You know, mm-hmm. it, they just got, they, my neighbor said it the best. They got buried in their, sh- basically the shit that they created. Oh, that's it, great. That's so awesome. Yeah. Here, what was her actual, let me pull it. It was in a text. Fitting that Jamie and Cersei died the way they did with the world crashing down around them. Like, cause their stories have kind of been in a, or at least Cersei's at least has been kind of a spiral downwards for a while now. For sure. For sure. It was it was crazy, man. Like you know, like uh, they had this moment before where they told each other nothing else matters. I think it was after Marcella died, or after Tom and after uh, Joffrey died, after somebody died. Jamie had said this before, and just just it's just you and me. You know, nothing else matters, right? So we got that brought back that theme, and they're sitting there eye to eye, like embracing as we've seen in the background the keep just start collapsing and <laughs> the rubble just gets closer and closer it reminded me of in man of steel when lara l uh cal l superman's parents on krypton get killed standing there as the world is exploding and just yeah. gets closer and closer to them in the background totally. have anything else you want to add about jamie and cersei i think that's pretty much it just like a moment of twisted beauty amidst all the horror that's the rest of the episode and it's amazing to see the person who we thought was the big bad cersei just being dwarfed by the (laughs) might the terrible might of danny the new tyrant in town yeah, the new tyrant in town. Um, anything that we thought Cersei was capable of in terms of wildfire or destruction or devastation was, you know, shown to be nothing compared to what Danny did. And she outdid the, what the Mad King's most evil design. Yeah. I mean, those there, as we saw it, when she's blowing up the city, there's little bursts of wildfire blowing little up poofs of wildfire. yeah little poofs that are like nothing compared to the overall destruction I mean, granted cersei used most of the wildfire to blow up the that was, that was oh yeah she did find caches she found them and then put them all under Baylor, you know the sept of baylor mm. so there would have been more but you could just see that the the overlying destruction of the dragon fire was enough to Sorry, my mom is texting me like crazy. She just watched the episode. 
<laughs> my my phone's like bzz, bzz, bzz. she's like what the fuck oh my god it was so intense what the hell <laughs> i got a text from my sister you need to watch superstore which is like uh, this funny com- comedy apparently i'm like you haven't watched last night's episode of game of thrones have you because if you had you wouldn't be thinking about superstore <laughs> yeah. you need to go watch that so you don't risk being spoiled okay are we on my number four um yeah yeah you're number four definitely what do you got my number four is the burning of the iron fleet oh man all right i found this poetic justice because we lost Rhaegal last episode and it really shocked me i i know we talked about that last oh, yeah week, just out of nowhere like out of nowhere and so we get this image, these images of all of the scorpions, and they all have kind of like different heads on them. Like some have lions, some have eyes, some have krakens. And we see them on the boat. We see them up on the battlements, like up on the top of the wall. Yep. And we get this kind of wind picks up. And I loved that. Because anytime the wind picks up, there could be a dragon around, or oh, there could not yeah, be a dragon around. Oh, yeah, that's true. We get that one soldier with the red thing around, like the red mm-hmm. um, quilted fabric around his helmet, and he kind of like a gust goes over him, and he like kind of looks up. And <laughs> yeah, that was funny. So we get Euron on the ship, and he's looking out, and everybody's kind of looking out scanning the horizon and and dave actually called it he was like i hope she goes low she needs to go low because everyone's like looking up yeah and i've kind of figured it out also that it it takes so much time to turn and rotate those those ballistas the scorpions that when you're down at the water level and like interweaving throughout the ships it's they just can't keep up with you it's they like can't keep up yeah it's impossible yeah. so the closer you are the the more difficult it would be to hit you uh from at least from some pers- from one perspective <laughs> But she's yeah, still like approached from the front and everything. I was like, dude, why? Why are you doing that? I felt like she was kind of in a pickle there because behind them was King's Landing and there were scorpions right. all along the wall. So true, true. They, whether she approached from either side or the back or the front for the the ship's perspective, she was still in danger of these scorpions, no matter where she was. Cause she saw them on the walls when they beheaded Masande. So she knew that there were more out there other than just on the water. Way more. Yeah. So I feel that she didn't really have a choice of where she approached from. Cause she was in danger of these scorpions, no matter what. Yeah. I think you're right. So what I loved about it, though, is she, Euron is like, has his hand up and he's like looking out and all of a sudden he thinks he sees something. But she comes, she comes down in kind of the middle and the sun is kind of blocking their view. Oh. She comes right down where the sun is. Perfect. Um, And she's going super fast. Yeah, like I didn't know Drogon could go that fast. Yeah, he's booking he's it. He's mad too, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. And so she just misses Euron's ship and they're kind of firing and dodging these big scorpion bolts. And um, 
you know, she takes out a few ships and we see how easy it is. Like if they did not have these scorpions, that that fleet would have been blown up in 20 seconds. Oh, I mean, we got a little bit of that in Marine, um, how easy it was for her just to fly in and burn a ship up. And, you know, they're like you said, they're trying to rotate these these scorpions to get her. And now she's low. And so Dave kind of called it. I mean, she came in from above, but then she stayed low. Mm-hmm. And they all have their sails just, furled up too, worth mentioning, so they can rotate 360 degrees to yep. shoot those things. Yep. And so she she blasts Euron's big old ship uh. and he dives into the water. And I was like, damn, I knew he escaped. You know, it's yep. like we would have seen him go up in flames at that point if he was to die that way oh yeah we did not yeah i knew i never um, doubted that he was alive <laughs> at that point too yeah and so then we get up on the on the on the bannerment so my number four is the the fleet but it's just kind of like the fleet slash the scorpions get they bite the dust nice. because um of that horrible Rhaegal ma- murder and so now the 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 wall is trying to get their their stuff going and they're shooting at her and again um she's low so cuz they were all kind of like pointed upwards and so they start pointing down and right as they start pointing down she's she comes up she's at them on them already yeah and just just goes along the wall and just blasts the shit out of these things and i'm like yeah yeah go girl and i was like rooting for the tyrant at this time but yeah she wasn't the tyrant yet i know i know but it was like horrible when i was rooting for and i was like oh 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 no don't see that it's like time magazine hitler man of the year 1938 or something <laughs> <laughs> you fucked up time a couple of years later we're like oh we shouldn't have backed Ooh, that guy we should have not done that yeah so it's an it's it's a short number four but it was a moment of triumph triumphantness for danny getting vengeance for her murdered dragon and I wanted to see those ships go up in flames for so long. And we we hear that, you know, from Kyburn that all of the scorpions have been destroyed. All and so them. at that point, it's 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 a free-for-all for Danny. She has there's no way to ground Drogon. Mm-hmm. She can do whatever the there fuck she wants. There may be a way wants. to ground her if someone shoots an arrow up at her and they get a lucky shot, but those little tiny arrows are just going to bounce off his scales. So yeah. there's no way to, to to ground the dragon. Danny was in full dominatrix mode this episode, like Sansa was a few episodes ago with like the chain around her neck and shit and all the black yeah, leather. She was ready to rock. Yeah, Danny was ready to, ready to rock. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, hilarious. She was rocking. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my number four. It's short and sweet, but I, this this episode was really hard for me to pick a number um, uh, top five because of all of the cutting back and forth. Mm-hmm. Between the scenes. Trying to organize your notes and everything, yeah. Trying to organize my notes was really difficult, and I had a lot of, I mean, the whole, as, like I said, spectacularly horrible it was, the whole just massacre was unbelievable, and, you know... I hate to say it. It was really good. <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah, yeah, massacre, massacre. <laughs> I know. I feel like 
fire. The tyrant myself saying that, but um, yeah. so I just tried to kind of break up points of the of the battle that were that stood out to me a little bit. So that that was one of them. I loved I loved getting a little bit of revenge for our beloved Rhaegal. Nice, yeah, good call. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So what's your number three? My number three is Clegane Ball. Oh. Oh, man. Okay. Dude. This is my number two. All right. So let's collaborate. What did you think? Did it live up to the hype? I personally loved the set that they were on. It was like the stairway to hell. So cool, right? It was amazing with, I mean, drones like flying out in the background. Oh, like you man. see like. Oh yeah. How God. could you possibly make the set any more epic than that? Like it's like Obi-Wan versus uh, Anakin Skywalker on Mustafar, the lava planet. You know what I mean? Like what could you like? That's the most epic you could make it probably for the circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> so badass yeah i'm glad that they weren't like in an open field or anything they they were they were on this awesome stairwell and gregor had the higher ground right yeah i noted that too just like obi-wan in, <laughs> in mustafar yeah. it's over anakin i have the high ground you underestimate my power don't try it So that was, it was great. I I mean, I, it lived up to it. I knew, I, you know, I had gone back and forth, like maybe the hound will beat the mountain. Maybe the mountain will beat the hound and maybe they'll die killing each other somehow. And I, you know, I, I like how they both went out together. Mm -hmm. I thought that was cool. I wasn't sure that that was going to happen. I thought the mountain was going to kill the hound. If it was a fair fight, the hound would have won because I mean, he disarms the mountain and stabs his sword right through his gut. Like, yeah, he should have won through his skull. (laughs) Yeah. And like, Oh my God. Yeah. He beats him twice, essentially. Yeah. At least twice. (laughs) Um, So, I'd say the Clegane Bowl starts with Arya and the Hound walking through the the King's Landing streets together and and are entering King's Landing at all. First, they arrive at at, at the Stark forces, right? And oh, okay, we want to start up there. Yeah, might as well. Right. Just you know, um, they basically they did ask who they are, and she's like, "I'm Arya Stark. I'm here to kill Cersei." And the hound's like, think about it. <laughs> I love that line. So good. And the, the guy's like, well, I got to talk to my superiors. And hound's like, whatever, dude, do your thing. And they Go just they just ride forth, just ride off. So epic. And they're walking through the through the city together, just like the dynamic duo, like the tallest and shortest people around, <laughs> and uh, like hooded and everything. The hound looks so cool. And they managed to get all the way into the Red Keep. And this is when Arya first, like, interacts with that woman, that mother and child who yeah. just barely don't get into the Red Keep. And uh, it cuts to Arya and the Hound entering the map room, Cersei's map room that she had painted recently. And that place is destroyed. The Hound's been there a million times. And he's yeah. looking around like, what the hell? Like, this building is being trashed. And it's time to get serious. You know, the Hound gets a little bit serious with Arya here. 
He's like, go home, girl. You know, the fire will get her or one of the Dothraki or maybe that dragon will eat her. And we get, you know, it doesn't matter again. Yep. She's dead. Yep. And you'll be dead, too, if you don't get out of here. But Arya's still being hard-headed at this moment. I'm going to kill her, she says. And she's intent. And she she starts walking forward. And the hound, like, grabs her you know, and, like, turns her towards him. I like how he grabs, like, the back of her head. He's like, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> oh, like like the way he cradles it at the end? Yeah. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, so he- powerful. But it, before we get there, he's like, you think you wanted revenge a long time? You know, this is what I've been after all my life it's all i care about and and look at me and she's like trying to pull away from me look at me he yells at her and she looks at him and he's like you want to be like me <laughs> and Arya's realizing like no probably not actually like yeah i still have a I lot of life to wanna, live yeah. he's like basically saying like you want to be like me he's t- telling her you don't want to be like me like i am living a tortured existence this is like all i have you have more to look forward to than revenge. You know, you have a future and possibilities yeah. and you're young and everything. He's like, my entire life's leading to this moment. You know, like this is what I've worked for. You don't have to die here, you know? And uh, yeah, like you said, he cradles the back of her head and tells her, you come with me. You come with me. You die here. You die here. You know, and super like tender moment between the two of them. Yeah. We never you see can tell how much he loves her. Yeah, and we never see the hound have any type of like intimate moments with with anybody except for Sansa last episode and Arya this episode. You know, he holds hands with Sansa for a second and he you know, embraces Arya here and manages He loves the Starks. Yeah, he like well, they're like they represent honor, you know what I mean? And the way Ned was and their reputation. And that's something that Sandor has always appreciated. I mean, he hasn't lived up to it himself. He was too damaged and broken to be honorable for most of his life. But um, but he's he's experienced the polar opposite of that, which is his brother, who has no honor and tainted the image of, of knights for Sandor and like that what you know like Sansa was Sansa was obsessed with true knights and like the stories of the heroes and things like that and from Sandor's experience you know it's bullshit like you come from a bubble Sansa like your family is honorable people but knights aren't honorable always in the real world and so I've growing up the way he did with the influences that he had and the caliber of person that he was used to being around. I think that just innately he had a respect for the Starks that they were like these like angelic <laughs> people sort of the, that were like I agree. above the crowd, you know, in, in terms of chivalry and honor. So part of part of him being able to accept himself and like redeeming himself in his own eyes, I think part of that earn like he can earn that from sort of earning the respect of the Starks to some degree. Sort of similar to Theon, who like it took them forgiving him basically to for him to they have like a magnetic pull. Yeah, the they do. yeah, for sure. Yeah. And people who are, you know, not necessarily making the right steps, they can feel closer to to making the yeah. right steps by getting in with the Starks. At least they feel like yeah. if they earn the respect of the Starks, that means something, you know? I agree. That's pretty funny. 
So this super like tender moment between the two of them. And as they, he embraces her and convinces her <laughs> that she doesn't have to die here. And he walks off and she's like, Oh, like shook standing there. Right. And she turns Sandor. Yeah. And it, this is a powerful moment too, that it was like in the bathhouse with Jamie. I mentioned this on the live show too, that remember he's collapsing in heat stroke and, and like a, this medical condition that he's having, he's like an immune, like his, his autoimmune system is f- firing on all cylinders and he's like passing out and all this. And, and Brienne's like, the King, the Kingslayer, get the Kingslayer help, you know? And he's like, Jamie. Jamie. Yeah. So here, Arya calls Sandor by his first name. And I, just that in itself it's like Jamie earning the respect. True respect. Yeah, the respect of Brienne, this like true knight figure who now is giving him the respect of calling him by his first name. And I mean, has Arya, when she's talked about the hound, she's talked about the hound being on her list, right? She didn't refer to him as Sandor, maybe Sandor Clegane the hound, but never like colloquially and first person, you know, like f- terms like this has she referred to him. And at least from what I remember. So, you know, you get my drift that it's that moment totally. where, where, yeah, you know, it's you've earned the respect of that person to where they refer to you in a respectful manner. And uh, she thanks him, which I thought was really powerful. Like, thank you. You've given me back my life, potentially. Like, you've made me realize that, you know, I don't need to be here, basically. And also, thanks for, you know, follow, at least you following protecting through. Protecting me. Yeah, thank you for following, for, yeah, for protecting me and guiding me and helping me be a badass, but also, you know, letting me know that I don't have to have a death wish in the process, you know? Totally. Like, he taught her a lot. And this is one of those lessons that... You know, like a, like George Washington, he retreated on a number of occasions during the Revolutionary War because there's wisdom in the, the truth that if you live, you live to fight another day. You know what I mean? So pick your battles. You don't have to die. If you if you die, you're not helping anybody, basically. So yeah. this is an important lesson and uh, just a really powerful moment between the two of them. So as Cersei is being escorted down this tower it's being destroyed all around them so crazy oh my god (laughs) and the mountain covered like leans over cersei and kyburn as these chunks are just falling yeah and (laughs) he made a sound yeah somebody said that that's when his vow of silence was broken and his (laughs) his obligation to her ended (laughs) um so he protects them but as the dust settles and he stands up and Cersei and Kyburn get up, they turn down the stairs and we see Sandor Clegane. And Clegane Bowl is about to happen. It's about to does happen. Does he see your grace? He does. He says your grace. I, okay. Hilarious. I couldn't tell if it was him that said it or something yeah, else. And I was like, who said that? So it was funny. the hound. Your grace? And I mean, he's referred to her that as that for like... Up near 20 years at this point you know what i mean so like yeah, it's it's yeah. hilarious the fact yeah, that he, i was like yeah hell? for such a gruff dude for him to say your grace it's it's, yeah, it's, it's funny. funny especially in that moment yeah, you know like funny. the standoff is happening and yeah. your grace <laughs> so funny and then don't mind me while i kill your 
Yeah, four kings guard come down <laughs> or queens guard. Guard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First though, the the uh, the the rest of the queens guard come down and he cuts them down one Either. by one like Barristan yeah. Selmy, like so much butter. Carving a cake. <laughs> yeah, even today I could cut through the five of you like so much butter. Oh man. <laughs> And slices them down, and uh, the, we get a shot from like the from the mountain's perspective, right? As his Sandor's sword is embedded in the last one's neck, and he like <laughs> yanks it out, and the oh, guy yeah, like tumbles around and <laughs> tumbles down the stairs a little bit. Really awesome. And uh, hello, big brother, he says, <laughs> and it's like, oh my god! And the the mountain starts walking towards him. And Cersei pipes up, Sir Gregor, stay by my side. And she's like panicking. And uh, yeah. he he like turns and looks at her and you get this close up of his eyes his through the mask. Eyes. And it is all bloodshot and just looks fucked. And it's just awesome. He looks, he's giving her the middle finger yeah, with his if eyes. If looks could too. kill, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, don't tell me what to do, woman. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. And he turns back towards Sandor and starts to take a step. And Kyburn, the necromancer who thinks that he has control over Gregor, comes around. Obey your queen, Sir Gregor. But nope. Like that guy in oh Piss Alley. God. Remember that drunken comedian? Boom. <laughs> yeah, he grabs him by the neck and just throat slams him against the wall. And his like brain pops out of the side of his skull. Oh, does it? Yeah, oh, kind man. of. I, I mean, that. you can see his skull break. He, he smashes his head and then throws him down against like a pile of rubble next to Sandor. <laughs> and then it cuts to a shot looking at Sandor and you see Kyburn's body like just lying there. Laying <laughs> there. Uh, obvi- I think they were using like like a dummy at this for that shot. It didn't look oh. like the actual actor to me. And it's easier to just have a dead a dummy serving the place of the actress. It doesn't have to lie there. Sure. You know, because they spent like a long time filming I'm this sure they confrontation. Spent a long time. Yeah, so I thought it was funny. Like it cuts to the dummy lying there, and I was like, "I <laughs> look so dead." And then uh, the battle begins. Basically, after a couple seconds, Cersei decides to vacate the premises, and she walks and right Sandor past. Or, yeah, yeah that he doesn't even look at her when she walks by. Right, it's like I was like, "Don't let her go!" I like, know, like stab her or something. Cut her head like, off. Like, you can do it. Cut his fucking head off. Yeah. Like, fuck her. So funny. And that's not who his beef is with. It's with. Right. And the, the mountain, mountain is holding his position, and Sandor starts to approach and walk up the steps. And I was like, oh my God, this is so intense. And like you said, Drogon's flying around in the background. That was so apocalyptic. Yeah. It was like, epic. you see the mountain, and then, like, from left to right, you see, like, this blast of flame and then like this giant dragon yeah. fly by and it, they're on this stair that like oh just it, it's not leading to anywhere anymore because yeah, the towers crumbled the towers and, all collapse and it, it's got like a like a dark souls vibe to it where like you're just like in this destroyed environment like i've been metal. in this position it's so metal <laughs> i've totally had this fight before in dark souls on a stairway with a giant monster oh, really? just, yeah, like oh, you know similar to this <laughs> totally <laughs> That's awesome. 
fucking die. <laughs> fucking die. Uh, and so they they start fighting and oh man, just like oh, the the mountain is grunting as his sword is like cutting through these blocks of stone and at one point there are two blades connect in midair oh, and the, I love that. the dust flies off of them. Some and then don't we cut to like a different scene Yeah, it's cutting back too. and forth between Arya wandering through King's Landing trying to escape and the Hound and the Mountain Clegane Bull. Uh, and it's even like at certain moments, Arya hits the ground uh, and right at that moment it cuts to Sandor uh, as he hits the ground as the Mountain tosses him. I know. loved that little juxtaposition between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, because they had went their separate ways. They had been together all this time, like throughout the series, but yep. also throughout this episode, like yeah. they went through King's Landing together and it's just, it was great. Yeah. I liked pairing them together too. It was good. And originally they shot that scene with Arya running through the streets of King Landing, King's Landing. It was all as a one shot where they had like everything lined oh. up and it's like a giant four minute shot where she's like doing all this stuff and the camera's following her and looking at all the people. And there's just like thousands of moving pieces to keep and that need to be all put in the right place at the right time with extras running around. So they cut it up. They did. Yeah. After a when when they were editing the final episode, they got to the scene with the with Clegane Bowl, and they they ended up feeling that like these scenes just fit so well together that they decided to mm. cut up their one shot, which they spent so much time doing, to integrate it in with the um, with the mountain and the hound fight. Maybe that's why it flowed so well, though. Like Arya's moments, because it was all shot at once. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And it was. I felt like. We had the major Clegane bowl going on, but we had a character that we love and care about so much, like Arya running through this war. It's a fucking war zone. I mean, it was a war zone. Yeah. And we're concerned for her safety. And, you know, we have to have that kind of point of view, I feel. I I loved the whole point of view in this entire episode because I think they were saying this on... What's that? Like long video that they put out after the episodes. You mean the the game revealed, the one we've been talking about? Yes, game revealed. Okay, That's yeah, what it yeah, is. Yeah. Um they were saying that a lot of the times, I think it was DB Weiss that was saying a lot of the times in these types of these battles, we get the perspective of the the main characters, the heroes from above. And right. they really wanted to take us down to street level. level yeah where the carnage was actually happening where the suffering was happening where the decisions of these these people like Danny and Tyrion and John these types of people the decisions that they make these are the people that it's truly affected by kind of what Varys was all about in a right. way yeah and i like how they kept it there like we don't really see Danny again like after the bells ring yeah. We don't see her again. She's we don't see her to, point of view. Yeah, like as a character, she's lost. She's lost to us. We're no longer with her, basically. Uh, and yeah, like metaphorically and physically, as she she's straight up seven forty seven with a fi- like a flamethrower yeah. on it, you know. And she's not a human at that point. And you in, made the uh, like, nine eleven comparison earlier um, with the you know the towers falling, part of the keep, and everything like that, and the destruction with the. Um, of all these buildings falling around these people and they they drew another uh, historical comparison to um, I can't remember which city they kept mentioning but a, a city during World War II 
um, that was being oh. devastated by bombs, uh, you know, like mm. planes flying through and dropping bombs and, you know, things like that. So they were compa- saying it was interesting to have this type of um, modern type scenario where these just destroyed buildings um, placed over the top of like a medieval type scenario where you wouldn't expect to see it. So it's sort of modern, you know, style of a war landscape combined with an old medieval feel, which is like a whole new type of uh, thing sort of. So neat juxtaposition that they created there as well. Yeah. It was so much more chaotic because we could have gotten a lot of um, like bird's eye view from Danny's perspective and it would have been epic and awesome. Mm -hmm. But I loved that we were down in the chaos. One of the only times we did get that bird's eye view was that vision that we got from Bran's hallucination, um, his uh, one of his visions. Remember, we we sure did yeah, get that. We've been speculating about what is it, an ancient dragon? You know, like uh, from yep. before the dragons it was died. From the was future. It? So Bran has a, a vision in the future. Um, we so can we confirm. know that he can see the future. Yeah. So why didn't he warn anybody about this? <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of questions about what uh, they're using Bran for. Yeah, maybe we'll find out next maybe. week. Maybe there'll be something, you know, I guess we'll see. I have see. no idea. But, I uh, think he just... Yeah. I don't think he quite understands his visions right. yet. Yeah, for and sure. so they, he may not be confident in them. And for all we know, he, he, that was like during a blast of like little bits of visions. We may have not have, he may not have actually seen what ended up unfolding, you know. Or even realizes that, that it was the future in the first place. Right. So the they're fighting and it's chaos and Sandor basically ends up disarming Gregor, like I mentioned, and stabbing his sword right through his gut and like uh, pushes it in so deep. And there was some movie, I can't remember what it was, where somebody has to, like, I guess it's a couple of things. One where Beowulf like cuts his arm off even further just so he can reach into the hole to rip out the dragon's mm. heart. There's another one where somebody's like impaled on a on a stake like on a spear and he Ew. pulls it even closer just so he can stab the guy that's has impaled him basically so that's what Shit. this reminded me of like the hound pushes the sword even deeper but by doing so it puts him within striking range <laughs> of the mountain who just backhands him and sends him flying and in the game revealed they were showing like behind the scenes of this and they spent all day like one day with basically with Gregor the actor the mountain um, half half Thor Bjornsson who won world's strongest man this year mm, literally yes, just did. tossing <laughs> Sandor Clegane Rory uh, McCann around and they were talking about how like these are these are not like trained stunt people these are actually guys doing these stunts and um they're they're talking about taking pauses in between takes where they were all worried that rory mccann was dying like literally dying (laughs) and it shows him like like getting smashed up against the wall by half thor rory was like i mean sometimes we thought he was dying on the stairs in between takes literally (coughs) <coughs> for a big man you're very gentle <gasps> as big as you are you're pretty gentle yeah, you're pretty gentle <laughs> and that was so funny and uh i mean you know doing that all day you could see that this is oh, it was yeah. real like i was impressed it was probably exhausting oh 
he for was like the both of them. Yeah, I'm sure wiped him out both of them big time. And uh, yeah, it was just great, man. It was so good. Um, so so the hound gets starts getting just smashed around after that first backhand. He like is lying on the ground. And he's like shit. You know, <laughs> like, this is not good. <laughs> he's like. He almost kind of cries a little bit too. Yeah, it was like a laugh cry, you know. Like, yeah, how is like because there we he's lying on the ground and he looks up and we get this shot from it's like how is he still alive? Yeah, the sword is impaling the mountain and it's like backlit. And he's like hanging out there. Yeah, he's all he's backlit, just like, just like silhouette. <laughs> when you see this sword sticking out and he's just like <laughs> pulls the sword out and it's like oh, and Gregor's like shit, like this is not normal anymore, like as. You know, it's fucked. And he, at one point during this, he knocked out, knocked off the, the mountain's helmet, right? <laughs> and uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and reveals, we get to see finally what oh he looks like, you know, after all the anticipation. He looks like a rotten piece of flesh. So good, yeah. Like, I, they did an amazing job on his makeup. And uh, the hound, very <laughs> properly, yeah, that's you. That's what you've always been. I love that line. Like you may have looked differently, but inside on the inside, that's always what you've been a monster. Just rotten and yeah, just rotten to the core, man. Always been a monster. Yeah. Perfect way to put it. So that was pretty awesome. And so at this point, he's just tossing him around, smashing him against the walls, just trying to break him, you know? And he has him like, he's choking him up against the wall here and the, the hound pulls out a dagger from somewhere and just starts stabbing him all over the place in the neck oh, know, like, and in the, the neck and chest and the back. gut and everywhere and die he, you yeah, fucker fucking die <laughs> <laughs> and like it's like holy shit like none of this is having any effect on the mountain and if like he he he's just outnumbered basically like he's fighting against somebody who is immortal so as even though he's would have already won in a, like if it was a regular fight like the mountain may be slower than he would have been otherwise but he's also like so tough we it finally answered our question cuz i remember like a while back we had speculated um on one of our podcast episodes is he alive mm. or is he dead yeah what do and, you think well i mean he's clearly not a living person because no one can get i mean not even the white walkers like if they got stabbed in the brain, right. they so would he's, go out. So he's undead, it seems. He's undead. But he still had like inklings of his former memories. You know, like the hound yeah. was enough of a trigger to him to make him disobey Cersei. Mm -hmm. So like if he is undead, there are still remnants of Gregor Clegane in there. It's fucking creepy. I, I want to hear the, the showrunner's explanation of what his status is, because I, I could see it I going either way, honestly. Did they put that on Inside the Episode at all? I haven't had a chance to I watch Inside the Episode. I haven't seen Inside the Episode, the episode uh, at all this season oh, yet. Oh, okay. Um, we'll okay. Have to, I'll have to look, though. But yeah, it's crazy. So he he's like, fucking die! And he's stabbing him, and <laughs> at this point the mountain starts to transition to his staple move, which is to get your, his thumbs mm, in your eyes. I had to look away. I was looking away. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Uh, it's so brutal, <laughs> right? And he, he starts jamming his thumbs in 
the Sandor's eyes and I'm like freaking out because I love Sandor, you know, and this is horrible and blood, blood is starting to come out. And it's just like I thought we were going to get another right. It's just Oberyn head popping open like a duck egg. Yeah, red viper all over again, and um, somehow he gets a, his dagger right through the mountain's head, and it doesn't kill him, but it's enough to at least make him stumble back for a it second. It looked like it hurt him. Yeah, it's like he had like this look of kind of pain on his face, but it obviously didn't kill him. Yeah, dude, it's so insane. So the hound <laughs> like kind crazy. of slumps back to the ground and like blinks his eyes. And apparently the blood must have just been coming from his eyelid or something because his eye is still OK, at least his right eye. So, yeah, he can see the ha- the mountain sitting there and the mountains just like like reaches up and he's like getting ready to pull the thing out of his head and there's light shining through the cracks of this destroyed wall segment right behind the mountain and the hound is realizing that like you can't he like the, he, nothing he's doing is killing this guy he's stabbed him through the gut he stabbed him through the head he stabbed him in the neck and in the chest and in the you know everywhere and he's immortal, basically. So yeah. in the last ditch effort, he seems to realize that he thinks he has enough strength in him to tackle him through the wall behind him, which is showing signs of deterioration. Like I mentioned, light shining through cracks. And he lets out a war cry, uh, like Liana Mormont style. <laughs> growls like a hound that he is. and. I know. Lunges forward and tackles the mountain. So crazy. I'm right there with you and busts through the wall. And they just And he dies by fire. He braves the fire to to accomplish his his ultimate mission, which is to kill Yeah, Gregor. He braved the fire, you know, like to die in fire. He dies. I mean, I bet the, the impact, I bet the impact yeah. yeah, killed him before the fire did. But to to get that visual of the hound falling into a pit of fire sucks. It's like I I dubbed my number. This is my number two. My number two was the stairway to hell. Excellent, because they love it. I mean, I, it was a pun on stairway to heaven, obviously. But <laughs> thanks for they aren't going to heaven. They are dying in a pit of fire. Yeah. So I I loved. I loved that staircase so much. So I thought cool. it was so visually evocative. Impactful. And, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. I loved that as well. As, uh, you know, it's, it was heartbreaking to see the hound go out. But I mean, if he didn't kill the mountain, like, what the hell? How would they, you know? So, I mean, he did what he thought he had to do. I I don't think he needed to be there at all. But, you know, but but we got Clegane Bowl and he accomplished his we ultimate sure goal, did. hopefully. I mean, we don't... God, thank you, HBO, for giving us something that, like, we wanted ice spiders, we wanted elephants, we wanted... Yeah. We, we did get the Clegane Bowl. We did. We, we got Clegane Bowl in all its glory. Um yeah, amazingly done. Again, really sad, um, but you got to give the hound credit for for he went out the way he wanted to go yeah, out. Yeah, and he never gave in. It was his choice, you know. That was his choice, and that was his mission, and that the vengeance is what drove him for a long time. So he chose to do it, and I mean, this was you know, foreshadowed all the way back in season one, episode three, at the hand's tourney. 
Yes, when he it found sure when the mountain cut off that guy's head and went to try to, or the sorry, that horse's head and went to try to kill Sir Loras, and the hound stepped up and intervened on behalf of justice, and you know, made yeah. took the right step and um, fought the mountain and only stopped at King Robert's command. Uh, otherwise, he would have killed the mountain there. I'm pretty sure. The, I think the hound is a better fighter. Um, he well, he won. I mean, if yeah. if but then again, the, the mountain, mountain wasn't what he was. Who knows? He would have won. The, I mean, I'm wondering if the mountain was slowed down at all due to his undead status. If maybe he would have had more speed or tenacity. Um, if he was, I don't know. You know, could have changed the dynamic of the combat. But yeah, like you said, at least Kyburn said he wouldn't make him any weaker. He said it would make him much stronger. Yeah. So. Strong doesn't always equate to quickness, though. But he did seem pretty quick when he was handling all those sparrows and the red keep and everything. Ripped off that guy's head. Oh, yeah. right from under the jaw and everything. Oh. Yeah, I think I think he was the fighter that he was before. Um, maybe a little bit like less emotional and a little bit more calibrated, mm -hmm. but he seemed to move just fine. And even in this fight, yep. I if he was alive, the hound would have beat him twice. So yeah. in my mind, the hound won the Clegane bowl, Decisive even though they both died. Victory. Yeah, I agree. Yes. Oh man. So rest in nice. peace to Sandor Clegane. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. They didn't I know make he's it your, one of your favorites. Yeah. But you know, I'm proud of him on one level, Good. at least. <laughs> so, Good character. Yeah. So do we cover your number three yet? Not yet. All right. So let's move on to your number three. What do you got? Let it be fear. Oh man, let it be fear. All right. Yeah. So we get Danny and she's sitting by the fire and she's holding a collar. And then we find out that it's Masande's collar and it was her only possession when they crossed the narrow sea. Yeah. And you can tell that she is just not in a good mental state. She is dwelling very, really hard over the death of Masande. And Grey Worm is there with her brooding. And normally John is brooding. Worm. So if it's Danny that's brooding, you know, shit is fucked. Yeah, She's always yeah, in like well lit seriously. rooms and stuff like that. Yeah. And so she hands it to Grey Worm. And I think, you know, she wanted him to do what he wanted to do with it. And the fact that he was to a slave, the first thought in his mind was to burn it. Yeah, that was hardcore. So he tossed it in the fire and she kind of like looked at him like, oh, oh, yeah, it makes sense, you know. Mm -hmm. And they have a they have a minute and of silence. And the destruction of that collar, you could say, symbolizes like the death of innocence. You could say Masande represented the innocence um, in, in Danny. Yeah. And like... You know the source of good potentially. Um, so when when Masande, I'm not saying that Danny derived her good from Masande. I'm just saying that she may represent this, like this aspect of Danny. Yeah. Um, so when Masande dies and the collar is burned, it may signify that like that there's no turning back. Like that's the dark side moment. You know, any like the, any hope of. Of what those things that Misande represented, innocence and goodness, you know, it, it, we, it burned to ash. It certainly did. And so we, we get Jon Snow 
and she tells Cray Worm that it's okay that she wants to, you know, talk to him. Johnny boy. He walks in and she looks at John and she's like, I told you what would happen if you told your sister. I don't want it. (laughs) I I told told you this. (laughs) Yeah, I know. She's so like, I fucking told you, man. Yeah. But still, like, she can't expect him not to tell his family this. You know, it's just not fair. No, it's not fair. I sound sound like a broken record, I know. But from her perspective, like, if we, if you don't want it, then why tell people? I mean, I get what she's saying, but it's his, it's his to tell. It's not, it's not her decision. Well, she betrayed you, John. So she killed Varys as much as I did. And I thought that that was a really poignant line. It's like, oh, damn. You know, this was, this was a victory for Sansa. And now she knows what happens when people hear the truth about you. Before, like at the point where, you know, she betrayed your trust. She killed Varys as much as I did. This was a victory for her. Up until this point, I'm like, everything Danny's saying is true. And I'm on team Danny still, you know, Mm -hmm. but then she's like, now she knows what happens when people hear the truth about you. I kill them basically and yeah. i'm like okay that's not really cool like this is starting to transition in that's a direction that i'm not very comfortable with <laughs> you know like you can't even let people know the truth like you're just killing you you're killing people who find out the truth now you know yeah uh so we crazy. see that the screws the screws are loose now i mean they're not fully unhinged but the the hinges on the door are loose and wiggly right. she's <laughs> having her anakin skywalker moment here Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, like she's descending into darkness, uh, just, yes, she is oh, so fucked up. It's really sad. You know, I know she has these big tears in her eyes. She goes now she, you know, far more people in Westeros love you more than me, basically. Mm-hmm. And behind her is this big fire going. I didn't know if you noticed oh, yeah, that she's sitting by the fire. Yep. Well, I mean, it's like. We only see her face when she says that, and then the rest of the background is fire. Damn. There's like nothing else in the shot Symbolism, other than her yeah. face and the fire, the fire burning in the background. It's hardcore. And she, it, I feel for Danny here. Yeah. You know, she goes, I don't have love here. I like, I have fear. That's I all have I have. Fear. And this is John, not good. John's like, well, I love you. And he's looking at her straight in the eye when he says this. But then when he says, and you'll always be my queen, he looks away from her. Oh. He looks down like he breaks eye contact with her. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very telling. Uh, I mean, I I think because I felt like it was a little bit of a foreshadow because clearly after what she did that day, you know, that next morning, I don't think John has any respect or love for her after what what she did which after she did what burned king's landing okay i wasn't sure which thing you were talking about oh sorry um, yeah because yeah, he's his trust seems very heavily shaken after the Varys thing like even the next morning or when he gets when he, when he lands at king's landing and Tyrion's like the queen wants to strike immediately and he's like tomorrow morning at the earliest bro like he completely denies danny's orders there um yeah yeah well the, no, the all the army isn't there yet yeah exactly but that but like basically my Not point that they is it. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> but yeah you know what i'm saying i do and so i i thought that when he broke eye contact with her that that was um 
very telling, maybe a foreshadow into the next episode as to where his allegiance lies yeah. after what happened at King's Landing. It makes you, it lets you know that he's not comfortable with the situation looking down and being, but you'll always be my queen. You know, like it, it's not sitting right with him if he has to break eye contact and like assume like a submissive, like beaten dog position, you know, like. That's what it looks like. It looks like he's like a beaten dog, you know, where he's just like saying it because he has to, but it doesn't seem right to him. I don't think he feels that way. And so she, she stands up and she goes, is that all I am to you? You're queen. And I think she was looking for him to say like, you know, you're my lover. I want to be with you. And so they start kissing and so rough to watch. uh, It's like, you just told her you loved her. You just said that to her. But now it, you guys are kissing and now you're pulling away from but her. There's, he's, he's her nephew. So, I mean, like he could love her like family you know, at this point. I know. You know, what I I mean? know it's just so rough. I, got he, the vibe. I know he, he's trying to do it so hard and he's trying to kiss her and it just, it's just not it's working. It's not working. He just can't love her. And, and after everything that she's lost, I think this is just the last straw yeah. is the last yeah. thing that she's gripping onto is that. You know, that she had found love. I mean, and she she's lost all so much else. Like so many of the people that she saved, the Dothraki and Unsullied have been killed. A lot so many of them Missande's been killed. She's lost Viserion and Rhaegal, and now she's losing John. And it's it's like it's like King's Landing and the Seven Kingdoms as a whole. Winning that has become a Pyrrhic victory for Danny, and it's just a victory that she's won at too great a cost for her. And it's like when the yeah. when the bells ring, she is realizing that it costs too much, and she's at this point she's it's not even worth everything that she's lost. No, and she, she decides, wasn't satisfied with right, it. She's just like I'm going to destroy it all because I've lost everything that I cared about, and it's not even worth it. It wasn't even worth it. Yeah, she lost her best friend. She lost her children. Most of them. She lost John. She lost her claim to the throne. And it's just, it's a Pyrrhic victory. And she's not, her heart isn't in it anymore. Like the, the defeat has overwhelmed the joy of the victory. And she falls into a spiral that she will never escape at this point. You can't come back from this. No, not at all. So she, she looks at him and he's, pretty ashamed here i I feel and she goes all right then let it be fear fear. and when she said that i just got that horrible pit in my stomach Mm -hmm. like big time got nothing left to lose it's so sad, it's man. It's so sad. Like all of her potential and all, like the Misa moment and, you know, all of these things where she's done all of this good, but then nobody here knows about any of that. So she hasn't earned the love here and she just it doesn't have the spirit to do it all again. And, you know, and she's just overwhelmed with loss and with the defeat. Of every, you know, it's just, it's, it, yeah, it's so fucked up. It's so tragic. It's such a huge tragedy. It's like, next, it's like Shakespearean level tragedy, is what I was saying, saying on the live show last night. Just, it really is. The grandiose scale of the fall of this, Mm. this otherwise, this 
person who is like a legendary angelic savior type figure. And I know. And I, 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 I know. mentioned this on the show last night that she is the embodiment of Lucifer. Uh, oh shit! Like we've talked about it before, that Lucifer means light bringer, and that the dragons are Lucifers, and that Danny his is a Lucifer figure. Um, she bring you know, with carrying the torch. The the Lady of Lady Liberty, you know, is a Lucifer uh, in its strictest sense. But now she's adopted more of like the religious connotation of the character of Lucifer as opposed to just the definition of the word where she was this angelic savior type figure. And now she's fallen from grace and fallen um, from, you know, her purpose and her just path and her her righteous path in in a very luciferian type way um and so now she's like just like the full embodiment of the lucifer character like how crazy is that right it's it is it's so crazy it's sad it saddens me the scene saddened me and it gave me a horrible feeling about what was to come yeah me too when the way that she steps back from him you know, and, oh, yeah. and like retreats backwards and just like her face just like just changes and you can see she's just like, all right, then we're going with fear. It's on. You know, Game on. <laughs> so fucked up. Oh, yeah. man. And from this moment on, John just does not look comfortable about anything. Like when no. he's riding when up. When someone says that, he's like, uh oh. Yeah. Like he's riding up on the city uh, with Tyrion and Tyrion looks nervous and John looks like distraught as well um knowing what's about to happen like he think he was hoping along with Tyrion that she would stop when the bells were Surrender. rung and it's like yeah. it was like the crypt you know they kept well she even nods to Grey Worm when Tyrion asks her that in the throne room like if you hear the bells right. you need to stop mm-hmm. and she nods like do what he says yep. and she she just that's can't what that live internal up to battle it. was yeah so what's your number two? Oh right let's see my number two is Tyrion and Jamie saying goodbye. Oh, that was so sad. So sad, right? Oh, oh my man. God. They were like, Tyrion was like sobbing. Yeah, because I mean, they pretty much knew they're never going to see each other again. You know, I mean, if if Jamie makes it, odds are he's going to be killed in the city or escape with Cersei. Um, if if you know odds are Danny's going to want to kill Tyrion for having for him having released Jamie um i loved like the poetic nature of how Tyrion got to return the favor for Jamie helping him escape from King's Landing from the right? black, from the black cells yes. he was like i never thought i'd be able to return the favor he got all excited about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny though as he's approaching he's talking to the unsullied trying to speak <laughs> high valyrian or something and uh, i want to eat the skull keeper i <laughs> <laughs> drink to eat the skull keeper i want to eat the skull keeper i want to uh, see we speak the, the common tongue oh, good <laughs> I want to be alone with the prisoner. <laughs> Go get some rest. Yeah. Um, and he's he discovers that they weren't ordered by the queen herself, so he definitely outranks whoever gave them the order. So I possibly quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. So he uh he goes in there after they walk start walking away and 
oh my god, he's gonna free Jamie. He's like, but first he's like, how the fuck did they find you? Like, what did you? How are you? He's like, golden Hello, hand. I have a golden hand. <laughs> so Tyrion basically says what I'm thinking, what we're all thinking, which is like, you didn't take the freaking hand off, <laughs> you know? He oh, Jamie owns up to it. Cersei once called me the stupidest Lannister, not too long ago. That's true. It was when he was thinking that they were going to go fight the army of the dead. Exactly. In the map room. That's yep. the, the conversation when he left her. So obviously he's been thinking about that. Um, so Tyrion's like, what are you doing, man? You're going back to die with her. Like what the hell? And it's, Jamie is thinking somehow she could live. You've underestimated her before, he tells to Tyrion. And Tyrion's like, dude, she's going to freaking die. Unless her, you can convince her to change her mind. And uh, he's basically tells him, like, if you promise to try, I'll let you go. And he holds up the key. And so he. And Jamie's like, oh, OK, now we're talking. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, he, so he's like, listen, you got to try, like, if not for you, then for the million people in that city, million people, does Danny basically just killed a million people? I mean, that whole city that was insane? destroyed. I know. I know. It's awful. It's so much worse than the Mad King ever could have, ever could have done, even if he tried his hardest. Um, so man, a million people and, and Jamie's. You know, at this point, he doesn't give a shit, basically. He's like, I never really cared about them anyway. But we know he did because he killed the Mad King over to protect them, right? Um, so he's like, listen, do it for the freaking kid. You know, like, I know you care at least about the kid. Yeah, you care about one innocent at least. I just sent you the picture of Jamie's hand, by the way. Oh, thanks. I'll take a look, <laughs> look real quick. I texted um, it to you. Oh, shit. That's hilarious. Isn't that funny? Brutal. I did not notice it, though. That's good. Same oh, with the coffee cup. I, did, I don't notice those things my first my first watch through. I'm just so... Right. Like, I, I think I've story. said it before. I let my eyes go where they go, where they're meant to go the first watch. And then I really try to focus on... Other things, the second watch. Other things, the second watch. Yeah. So, so um, Jamie's like, the kid is the reason Cersei's never going to back down. Like, don't you get it? Like, of, she the, won't ever give an inch. Yeah. She, and he says all the worst things she's ever done, she's done for her children, you know, which is wild. Kind of true. Yeah. I mean, except for blowing up the sept, she, you know, on some level, maybe she convinced herself it was for Tommen, but she destroyed his life by doing that. So. <laughs> Yeah, he you fucking know. killed himself. <laughs> yeah, removed his will to live. You know, if you're doing something for your kid that results in them losing their will to live, you're not doing it right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> she she ought to know. That's an effing you know? failure yeah, as, she, for, as a parent. <laughs> yeah, and her dad was like that too, so she ought to know, man, you know? um, So, <laughs> Jamie's like, it's not impossible that she'll win. and. Tyrion's like, no, it's it is impossible. She's not going to. So they're arguing. He's like, well, two of the dragons are dead. She's even the odds. You know, the enemy's forces have been depleted. The city will, you know. And Tyrion's like, listen, I defended the city last time it was attacked. Listen to me. It's going to fall tomorrow. It's I know better than anybody. 
you know, and Jamie just doesn't even care. He's like, well, I guess I'll die tomorrow then, if not before. This is when he tells him to escape. You know, he gives him the option. He's like, listen, there's going to be a boat. Like, just get there, get her out. Just go, man. Just go, you know? And at first, Jamie's like, like what? Swim past, you know, sail past the Iron Fleet? And um, There's not going to be an Iron Fleet tomorrow morning when Danny's done with it. Right. And but Tyrion's like, listen, dude, you got to give me your word. Otherwise, I can't let you go. Like, just, just make the promise. I'll let you go, you know? And so he swears... You have my word. And this is when Tyrion starts telling him. I th- when first watch, I was like, Tyrion, you're giving away way too much strategic information. Like, he's like, if it works, give the order to ring all the bells and open the gates. That will be our, our signal that the city is surrendered. And I was thinking, oh, great. Jamie's going to tell Cersei they're going to ring the bells and trick Danny's forces into standing down. And then there's going to be like a sneak attack or something. Uh, Which could have very well been. And I mean, maybe that played. I personally don't think this, but I think we'll get into it a little bit because the bells is my number one. But yeah, I mean, me I could see why maybe a, a viewer would think that Danny was thinking it was a trick. So she just said, fuck it. I'm just going to keep going because I don't believe any of this bullshit. I can't believe that they're surrendering this early. Yeah, it's possible. So it could have very well played into. I don't personally think that now that I've watched it right. a couple a, a few times, but at first view, I could. Sure, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. But uh, also arguing against that is that her strategy changes. She doesn't. She she goes from killing the army to just indiscriminately killing everybody. Totally, absolutely. So that signifies like more than just like oh this could be a trick. It signifies like a whole shift in her. Oh yeah. Know, she, yeah, she she snapped. Yeah, she, she absolutely snapped. snapped. Totally. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> put a straight jacket on her. Snapped because she's not coming back from it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> snapped. She's lost like, her mind. <laughs> all caps, or maybe like partial caps, like random caps. Snap. I think of like a celery stick. Like uh, <laughs> the toothpaste is out of the tube. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so oh. so jamie's like <laughs> jamie's like I'll, I'll try and Tyrion starts unlocking the collar around his neck and he uh he's this is when he starts to chuckle and he's like i never thought i'd be able to repay the favor with him letting him go i know but then it's it's he he repeats remember ring the bells and open the gates and jamie's like Danny's going to kill you for this, man. You're going to die. But he's ever like his indomitable optimism wins out for Tyrion. He's like, well, if Daenerys can make it to the throne without wading through a river of blood, maybe she'll show mercy to the person who made that possible. You know, and it almost happened. It almost happened. So close. Um, So he also adds like plus tens of thousands of innocent lives in exchange for one not particularly innocent dwarf. <laughs> who did that remind you of? Um, who? Who? Tywin. Oh, with his Machiavellian... Killing people tens at a of wedding. thousands of people at war or a dozen at dinner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very, very, you know... Except in this case, it's not Machiavellian because Tyrion's... No, it just, it, w- it just reminded me of that. Right. He's choosing to give his own life, but it's the same concept, just to, you know, yeah. It just that when I said reminded me of Tywin, not from like the oh, yeah, I gotcha. uh, I gotcha. motive, but Tactic the wise. idea of it. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Sacrifice one to save thousands. 
Um, it's noble if it's you that you're sacrificing, <laughs> you know, for sure. Um, so this is the last time they're ever going to see each other and they both know it. At least Tyrion does, you know, and as he starts walking away, he starts to lose his shit. And he's like, if it weren't for you, I wouldn't have survived my childhood. Oh, <laughs> he's starting so to get, sad. Yeah. Super emotional and uh, super powerful performances by both of them as well. I'm glad they got this tender moment be- before being, um, you know, separated forever. They've had all these times where they get separated <laughs> and end up being back together, at least for a little bit. They got to hang out at Winterfell, which is like, as soon as that happened, you know, one of them was going to die at least. I know. Right? I know. Yeah. So he, Jamie's like, you would have survived, you know, you would have. But he, he's, he continues, you were the only one who didn't treat me like a monster. I know. You were the only one. Didn't treat me like a monster. You were all I had. And starts. Oh, God, uh, it's so sad. <laughs> right? Starts like totally so breaking sad. down. Yeah. Very, very <laughs> sad. And he, uh, at this point, like they embrace and he's just crying into his brother's shoulder. And they both know they're both likely dead. <laughs> and this is like the last time they're ever going to see each other. And then he just like gets up and <laughs> basically runs out, you know. It's so sad. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like Tyrion is going to be executed next episode. It's entirely possible. If he can't escape, like, he's a fucking dead man. I'm surprised he wasn't uh, he executed needs already. He to run now, or he's going to face the same fate as Varys, because I was surprised that he didn't get executed with Varys, and now he's freed his brother. Yeah. And Danny's on a warpath, <sighs> and she's fucking snapped, and she wants to kill people right now. Oh, yeah, big time. I'm wondering, how did Danny not find out before the battle that Jamie was missing and killed Tyrion as a result. Like it's a miracle to me that Tyrion even survived this long. I think she was. And he held his post, you know, like he was up at where he needed to be overseeing the battle with near Jon Snow and everything at the start. Like he didn't even abandon his post after committing this treasonous crime and (laughs) releasing the Kingslayer. I know. I think he's, he's made it to the last the last episode of the series. So if he's going to go out, <laughs> I'm, I don't want Tyrion to die, but I'm kind Me of neither. okay with him going in the next episode. Cause he's made it through the whole series. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, what Unscathed, I'm ready to see wherever the chips fall at this point. <laughs> yeah. I have my theories. So man, yeah. What a brutal scene as Tyrion cries. It's always, hard to see Tyrion cry you know there's been a couple times in this series where he, he's been so upset that he's like either cried or been on the verge of tears and he's the most relatable I think character from a humanistic yeah perspective. I agree so it really tugs on the heartstrings when you see him <laughs> yeah in like the other characters they have they have qualities that you can relate to but like you know, Tyrion is 
the most human in this weird world that we watch on the show. Yep. To me, like the most, the most relatable. Like us, like the most modern human yes. style of yes. thinker. Yes, sure. that's a perfect. He's Thank you like for a, helping me articulate yeah, that. <laughs> he's got like a civilized type of uh, sensibility to him that isn't necessarily common for medieval thought patterns. Yes, yes. I feel like, and many people can relate to Tyrion, not just like yeah. a few of us. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, maybe people relate to Danny more. I, I personally don't relate to Danny too much. Right. Tyrion is like I the most per- like, widely relatable character that exactly. everybody can get behind. So, when he gets emotional, it's hard to not feel that. I mean, and. I think a part of it comes from the fact that Peter Dinklage is, is actually a dwarf. Yeah, it just makes you life. sympathetic, like right off the bat to him. When he said, you know, like you were the only one that didn't treat me like a monster. You know, I, I can probably imagine his childhood was not full of acceptance and love like a lot of the kids get nowadays. You know, bullying is really frowned upon even in the young generation that we have now and back when Peter was probably growing up, it was probably awful. And um, definitely much more widespread and vicious. I'm sure at the time. Yeah. So when he says like phrases like that, I feel like they come from a place of truth. Right. There's been a couple scenes like that in this series, this Mm -hmm. one where it gets real and like, like on, you know, about that type of stuff. And then the other one where Tywin is telling him, you know, that he can't inherit Casterly Rock and he's talking about how he's a twisted monster and like how yeah. he wanted him to die and stuff like that, that he would have carried him trial. into the sea. And yeah, but like that one with Tywin, it's another one oh, where Tyrion God, like, looks awful. like he's about to cry, you know, and like it's yeah. so rough, man. It's so hard. So and rough. then when he's on trial, he's like, I've been trial my whole life for being a dwarf. Yeah. And it's like Peter Dinklage has physically lived as a dwarf right his whole life so it just and gives it this whole I, extra element of believability to what he's you know saying for sure and i love seeing that he is a successful man and he's very adamant about the roles that he takes as a dwarf right, to not exploit dwarfism you know yeah and i i love that he's kind of a you know trailblazer for that community and i love seeing it and I feel him in these moments when he talks about things from like child from Tyrion's childhood. Right. He relates it's to relatable to a, personally. I just kind of relate to those those moments of him saying stuff like that. Like Sure. You you had your support system when you were little. Right. And everybody does, whether you're bullied or not. So I think that's why he's so relatable. Definitely. So where are we? Was that the end of year number three? That was the end of... Or my number two or... Year number two. And we already covered your number two, right? That's right. All right. So now we have our number one. Yours is the Bells and mine is Danny Fallen. Okay. Yep. So mine is particularly just kind of the moment that there's that kind of standoff between the Danny forces and the Lannister forces and 
Mm-hmm. Mine starts the, before that. Okay, why don't we start where you are then? Okay, mine is basically just the progression of the descent of Danny in this episode. So we already talked about some of it. We'll skip the parts we talked about. We okay. talked about Grey Worm and her burning Missandei's collar and then the fear thing with, with John, let it be fear. Um, that could be like a reference to let them eat cake, Marie Antoinette. During the French Revolution, <laughs> just thought <of> that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then next we have the conversation in the throne room at Dragonstone, where Danny is talking about sacking the city, basically, and Tyrion is freaking out, trying to get her to stop. We covered the end of it, um, but we didn't really talk about the c- the scene in detail. So okay. Tyrion's saying the the people who live there, you know, about King's Landing, they're not, they're not your enemies, they're innocents, like the ones you liberated in Marine. And Danny's like, well, in Marine, the, the slaves turned on their masters and liberated the city themselves the moment I arrived. And Tyrion's like, they can't, they're they're hostages, they're scared. Anybody who resists Cersei, like they'll their families will be butchered. They know this. Like you can't expect them to stand up. They're hostages, he says. And Danny's like, well, yeah, they are hostages in a tyrant's grip. Whose fault is that? Mine. <laughs> and Tyrion's like becoming more and more He's like, agitated. It's not about whose fault it is. Right. Thousands of children will die if the city burns. And <sighs> uh She's. This is when she brings up the, you know, Cersei's tactics about how she uses her enemies' weaknesses against them, and she thinks that weakness that their weakness is mercy that they won't kill the people to get at Cersei, and um, but she's she's in Tyrion's like I beg you, my queen, but she's wrong. Cuts cuts him off. <laughs> mercy is our strength, and this is fucking crazy, like so Machiavellian and like like. Hitlerian and and everything like that. Our mercy. (laughs) Yeah, our mercy towards future generations who will never again be held hostage by a tyrant. Ready the unsullied, and she's ready to just sacrifice all these people and end all of these lines of houses and families and you know, for future generations that she's partially snuffing out by doing this. Um, Like, she's talking about these future generations, but she's preventing you know, a large portion of these future generations from ever existing, which is potentially, which is fucked. Right. And yeah. yeah, So she's like ready. The unsullied tonight you sail for King's landing to join the army, the Northern armies and Tyrion's just becoming more and more desperate, trying to think of anything to help, you know, and to prevent this. And he's like, Cersei's followers will abandon her if they know the war is lost. Just give them the chance, you know. If the city surrenders, they'll ring the bells and raise the gates, please. If you hear them ringing the bells, call off the attack. And just desperately begging to Daenerys. And Danny pauses for a minute and then nods to Torgo Nudo, to Grey Worm, like you said. And like, yep, do that. And she's like, wait for me outside the city. You'll know when it's time. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get the signal. Oh, dun, man. Dun, dun. And as, as Grey Worm leaves, Tyrion is kind of like, he like bows his head and he there's this look on his face like he's realizing he fucked up by backing her and not listening to Varys. I mean, oh God, he listened to Varys's first opinion, which is that Danny was the right one. You know, <laughs> oh, God, it's sure so did. horrible. 
And as Tyrion turns around to leave, we learn that his brother was stopped trying to get past Danny's, you know, lines. It seems he hasn't abandoned Cersei after all. I think this really surprises Tyrion. Yeah, he seems shocked. Like, he thought that everything was cool, that he was up there with Brienne and that, like, you know. They were happy and in love. He was past Cersei, but you're never past your your biological twin that you're in love with, I guess. You know, because he got triggered. That's a, yeah. He, he got triggered. <laughs> triggered. And, yeah, hardcore. And so uh, he, he, you know, Tyrion's reacting to this in shock. And we get ominous dragon music as as, Cer- as Cersei. I almost called Danny Cersei. She's... <laughs> Well, yeah. they're both mad queens, so yeah. And okay. so, as Danny tells him, the next time you fail me will be the last time you fail me. And Tyrion's like, "Oh my god! Like this, this shit is crazy. What is happening? You know, like everything was going so well. It's almost like when Cersei said, "No one walks away from me. No one walks away from me. Yeah, kind of similar, definitely. And uh, we get ominous ominous dragon music as then it cuts to like something else i don't remember what it is but next we're seeing Tyrion and john being ferried to the mainland on a little dinghy and Tyrion does not look happy about this and neither does john and D- davos is waiting for them on shore and that's when we learn the rear guard should be there by daybreak and Tyrion, even though he's, he says Danny wants to attack now, John's not having it. He's like, daybreak at the earliest. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. This is when Dav- uh, Tyrion asks Davos for a favor because he says, you're, you're the greatest smuggler alive, aren't you? Did he try to get the alive, keys? Is that what he tried to get? I think he was trying to get Jamie to King's Landing or the boat, the dinghy. Oh, Oh, okay. That makes more sense. I was, I was wondering how he got the flipping key. Yeah, well, he can, you know, he can, he's the hand of the king. He, if he asks for something, it gets delivered. You know what I mean? That's true. Um, so he can get stuff like that. But I was thinking either Davos was smuggling Jamie to King's Landing or that he was smuggling the dinghy to mm. the ex- exfiltration point or both. Both, probably. Yeah. So, so Davos's response is funny. I'm not going to like this favor, am I? <laughs> Love that guy's voice, man. So good. I know. So this is when um, D- Danny attacks the fleet. We already talked about that. Harry Strickland is leading up, heading up the Golden Company outside the gates. We get which a, are fucking worthless. Yeah, yeah we we get a rising shot over <laughs> Harry sorry. Strickland's. Oh, it's. <laughs> It's all good. Uh, we get a rising shot over Harry Strickland's shoulder, revealing Danny's army and John's army, which mir- mimics the shot rising over John's shoulder, revealing the Battle of the Bastards. Yeah, the Bolton enemy forces. They mention that and uh, show them side by side in the game revealed, which I highly recommend watching to anybody that it was hasn't. Good. There's a shot that pulls up behind John and reveals the Bolton army for the first time in Battle of the Bastards. We do the same thing, but from behind the leader of the mercenary group. What we need to understand as an audience is that these people have come here for blood. Yeah, and as soon as we start talking about the battle here, we're going to get into some more game revealed stuff. Um, We'll we'll get there in a second. (laughs) So um, 
Tyrion's posted up with John on a little rocky outcropping behind their forces. And Tyrion is dead serious about this plan with the bells. He's like reaffor- reaffirming the plan to John. He's, he, you know, if you hear the bells ring, they've surrendered. Call off your men. Um, like he is serious. So much repetition of hearing the bells ring, they've surrendered. Hearing the bells ring, ring the bells, ring it's the like, bells. Get down to the crypts. Exactly. It reminded me of the crypts. And so, like, the more, every time they mention the bells, I was like, oh, God, that's, that's going to be when it goes wrong is with the bells. Something is going to go wrong. That's going to be the moment of truth. And I don't have a good feeling about it. Um, so yeah. it was like the first time he mentioned, like, the bells to Danny. I was wondering if she would ignore the stand down, basically, because she was already talking about let it, letting it be fear. And I was like, oh, my God, like, is she going to just ignore the stand down? So Cersei is in the red keep clueless, um, <laughs> just like watching, not realizing what danger she's in and everything like that. We get Eleanor, who's the mother with the child and Arya and the hound pass them on the streets as they're rushing to the red keep. And Eleanor tries to follow quickly behind them. And Arya kind of like looks back at them. Yeah, and re- sees them. They recognize each other at this point for the first time. Uh, this and they must remember each other because obviously when they run into each other, these are significant people to Arya who she tries to save. So, um, Jamie's trapped outside the Red Keep, same as the the girl and the mother. And Cersei's alone in her tower, just like Danny was alone in her map room. I no- just noticed a parallel how they're alone, both alone. Yeah, yeah. and then Danny attacks the ships and everything. And we get more ominous music, ominous dragon music as Danny is destroying the fleet. The music stuck out to me. It was very foreboding for yes, sure, which it sure was hinting that Danny is, is falling. Yeah, it was like ominous dragon music, like something not good with dragons was going to happen. <laughs> you know, so the, the music was very telling there as well. Everything was building up to this bells moment, um, which is approaching. So Danny just blows through the wall here. And well, first everybody's standing there in anticipation and they start hearing you can hear this. Yeah, explosions in the background and things collapsing and these big bangs and, and Harry Strickland's like Like, oh shit, like what, what is going is on? Yeah. And then out of nowhere, boom, the wall explodes. And this is the part part where we need to mention one of the most important characters in this whole episode which is the character of the city itself, which we learn. It's being destroyed. It's being destroyed, but we learn more about it on the game revealed. This is not Dubrovnik where they've shot all the other Flea Bottom and King's Landing nope, style scenes. it's in a parking lot. It's in a parking lot in, was it Belfast? Yeah, And Belfast. geez, dude, like they rebuilt like 17 streets and alleys and stuff from Dubrovnik, Croatia to the T. Like, like these, this looks like legit Dubrovnik. I'd never even guessed that this was a full replica of this area of the city. And amazingly, they designed it so that it could be, it could appear in multiple stages of destruction. 
So when they yeah they built like the destruction inside the non-destruction. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of time up our sleeve that we could take weeks to change the set over into a destructed stage. So Tom Martin, our construction manager, came up with a genius idea of building the set in its destroyed stage first, and then cladding it so that it was perfect to begin with. No crew member that wasn't there during the build process had any idea that the destroyed version was sitting underneath waiting to be revealed. They built the destructed city part first and then just added the pieces on top to make it look fully intact. So then they filmed all of, they shot all of the action with the city intact at first. And then when Danny starts really blowing shit up, you know, the actors leave, they they take off the pieces of this set that, you know, from up top here and lay it on the ground down there and reveal the the way the set is really designed to be totally trashed. And inside all of these buildings, they're just rigged with propane sets to shoot flames out of the windows and stuff like the the scale of what they accomplished here. 650 people. It's unreal. Yeah, like 650 people, I think they said on set each day in the Dubrovnik recreation, or maybe that was just extras. I can't remember, but just a massive, massive production with just like, it's unbelievable. Like you can't even fathom all of the effort that went into creating this Dubrovnik recreation. I love all the detail of the, of the set too, because like, it wasn't just like new stones. They they took the time to like age, age the everything. Stones. And yeah, they made their own custom frescoes. Like outside of one building, there's like a D and a D a for D and a Dave D. and Dan. Yeah. But like inside of this like fancy ornate stone looking fresco carving, um, like, oh my God, just we'll link to the game revealed because it is just incredible. You need to watch it to see everything that went into making this happen. So all the actors are on set and they don't know that it's the set is really destroyed under the set. So they come back to work the next day and the set, it looks totally different. And they're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Like, how did this even happen? Yeah, there's a clip from Lena Hetty and she's talking about how she, her, she and Nikolai Coster Waldo were remarking earlier that day that none of these people will ever in their lives be on a, another set as thoroughly intricate and top-down, you know, intense as this one. Like, this is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be working on a set like this. So now they have this this um, set in Dubrovnik that they'll be able to use for all kinds of stuff. All, all kinds of different productions will be able to have, um, a med- you know, like a medieval-style um, Dubrovnik replica-style city to shoot productions in. It's, yeah, it's going to be a great asset cool. for filming in, in um, Ireland in the future. It's pretty awesome, yeah. And I know that they interviewed Peter Dinklage, and he said it was so weird, like, walking to like on set because behind, like they would go down a hallway, and behind it's, like, oh, all yeah, scaffolding. Yeah. You go into the building, and it looks like a, like a gorgeous stone structure from Dubrovnik, and inside it's just a hollow structure with it's scaffolding. Like and, scaffolding. Yeah, it's yeah, so it's funny. crazy. So um, that wall is just destroyed, and ha- uh, Harry I Strickland's loved that moment. yeah, so good. And Harry Strickland's horse like rolls on its back, and that was really dies. hard for me to watch. Totally hard to watch, but they, wow, like what a amazingly trained horse they must have used for that. Like I was impressed. I've always wondered. I'm not. I'm not too versed. I know, like I'm versed in horses, but I'm not too versed in like how they get the horses to fall down because it's not like very good for them to fall like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course. Um, on their sides, like hard because of the way their rib cages are. So it always is a little bit bothersome to me when I see them like 
even in Battle of the Bastards, you see like them like kind of wrench their neck down to like get them to fall over. And I, I don't I don't know much about it, but I know the anatomy of a horse. Yeah, it's <laughs> not good for sure. It's not I don't like, like it either. the best thing for the animal. So I will tell you something about that horse, though. That is the same horse Arya rides off on. Right, I thought I saw you mention that in their chat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so white horses, um, they don't have, like, markings the way, like, darker horses do. Like, they'll have, like, the little socks and, like, the little stars or blazes going down their face. And white horses tend to not have that. They'll have, like, it's very rare to find a completely white horse like that. Mm. Which is why I noticed that it was kind of the same animal. Right, right. Usually they're speckled or they have dapples or they have a little hints of gray here and there because there's really no such thing as a white horse. Behold, all white horses are a pale They're horse. actually born black. Oh, all white horses are actually born black. They're black as, and then they get gray and then they turn white as they get older. But like I said, a lot of the times they have speckles or dapples. Um, the the muzzle on the horse there's some markings on the muzzle that they have different skin colors horses can have black skin or they can have white skin and there's hmm. some black and white skin on the muzzle and it's it matched i i looked for it so you know um, it's the same horse it's the same horse that's cool and like i said it's rare beautiful horse it's rare to find a purely white horse like that so mm -hmm. um it was used in both the 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 pale rider Arya. Yeah, behold a pale horse. Um, death anybody? Bill Cooper, <laughs> William Cooper. Um, yeah, man. It's also a biblical um reference. Oh yeah, pale horse, the pale rider. Um, so yeah, so it's always hard for me to kind of watch the horses fall like that. I I feel like Definitely. it's very unnatural for them. It's the, I, I'm sure they do I, it I, safely. I don't like the, the falling either at all, but I did like the way this one just kind of like rolled onto its back. It was really <laughs> interesting to to see it. Like it got blown over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what it looked like. It got blown over. Oh, beautiful horse though. Anyways, I totally digressed. It's all good. All good. So Kyburn goes to see Cersei and Cersei still is not getting the picture here. She's like, all we need is one good shot. But um, all the scorpions are destroyed. Girlfriend. Yeah. Well, the Iron Fleet will hold Blackwater Bay. Euron killed one um, of her dragons. They're can kill on another. <laughs> and the gates have been breached. The Golden Company. They're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, our men will fight harder than sellswords ever could. They'll defend yes, their queen to the, to the last man. And then they all just, okay. like, drop their swords. <laughs> See how that Whatever plays out. Say. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so Grey Worm and John enter the breach through the wall, and they an alternate version of The Light of the Seven is playing, which I really liked. I noted that. And, Very uh, dark. Yeah, and so John and Grey Worm and the Northmen and the Unsullied all walk in like expendable style you know like all these badass action heroes walking in and um they they square off against the lannister men and Tyrion is eyeing the bell tower hoping that it'll start to to ring but actually first they they're like squared off and the the lannister leader looks like all nervous and he's like looking around at his people and he's looking back at 
John and Grey Worm, and he ends up deciding to toss his sword. Because he knows. Yeah, they're He fucked. knows that this is a bullshit fight. And like, yeah, it's, there's no way. It's bu- bullshit, yeah. And it's like, uh, it reminded me of Torrin Stark, you know, like the king who knelt. Like, you, oh, yeah. saving his people. You know, you gotta, if you're gonna be roasted by a dragon, just kneel. You know, <laughs> like, just kneel, dude. Don't kill your people for no reason. Let them live to fight another day. You know, the fact that Torrin, Torrin Stark knelt on that one day is the reason that Jon Snow is around to potentially take out Danny next week and prevent a new mad ruler. So, I mean, like you got to live to fight another day, right? You do. So they all start dropping their swords and Tyrion's like, yes, like looking up to the bell tower and, and there's an ominous foreshadowing shot of Danny riding down on her dragon over the civilians and they're all running and she doesn't fire yet, but she goes and lands on a tower on the wall. That was such a foreshadow. Such a though. foreshadow, really ominous. And like there's this amazing shot of of Drogon sitting on the tower and he's like growling and he like he's inching forward, like it just just itching to fight just to strike and I love that shot of Drogon on the tower it's the most imposing me too oh yeah it's just so imposing and so terrifying and the graphics and he just looks vicious and the way he's just like crawling over the edge of that tower it's just so good amazing and so they they start throwing their swords down and people start shouting all over the place just ring the bells ring the bells bells. tell the queen to ring the bells you know and ring the bloody bells yeah all of the eyes are on the bells and jamie rushes to get to the red keep somehow he's still rushing to try to get over there and there's this oh this shot of danny perched on drogon and it's like it's like going behind her rotating around her as as she scans towards towards the red keep on drogon's back and God, it's beautiful, but it's also just so ominous. And um, she's eyeing the Red Keep in the distance. And Cersei, at this point, is watching down in horror as people are yelling, ring the bells, and you can hear it from her position. Yes, you can. And I was thinking that she was, you know, not going to do it, not going to do it, but she had no say. Like, they just surrendered. No, they went up and rang their own damn bells. Yeah, exactly. And so the bells start ringing and John is looking, you know, relieved and Tyrion's like, thank fuck the bells, they'll, they'll stop you know, and Grey Worm, like all the spears go upwards and everybody looking is looking relaxed and like relieved, but then it cuts over to Danny, and this is like one of my all-time... She's like on her face. Yeah, just streaked across her. And this is one of my all-time favorite performances from this show. You can just see her. She's like, nothing is played out the way she wants to. She's not happy with this. Um, And she's just descending into fury as like you can see her face twitching and her mouth curling downwards. And just like, like we talked about this gasping that she does like a, like it's like a, um, a guttural gulping gasp as she because uh, she knows uh, you know like <laughs> like freaks out and um, it's just so insane like Amelia Clark here just sold it so well and they talked about it also on the game revealed that 
as the actress is doing this, she's sitting on like a mechanical bull, basically. Yes, she's just in front of a giant green screen. And she's envisioning all of this in her mind and can't see any of it. So it's just like you really you're really acting. You know, there's not like you're not she's not on a set. She's sitting on a green hunk of fucking leather, basically, and looking at it's a green like a mechanical ball yeah. that she's writing with a green screen around her. She's totally. she's basically in a big garage, yeah, if you like, will. Yeah, it's just like an empty warehouse, basically, and and so like she's warehouse, really that's the word conju- I was <laughs> she's really like conjuring this this spirit and this feeling and this. Uh, they they said that it was like so far from the way that Danny's character has been so far that it was probably difficult for, for Amelia Clark to even reach this point to like get there as Danny to this place, which was so desperate and just so lost. And just, she, she descends into fury as she lets out these guttural exclamations and essentially spurs Drogon into flight. And this is your point. Like you, your your part is with the bells. Uh, so why don't you take over from here? And we'll you know I'll, I'll jump in when necessary. You know, for me, it, it was just this is my number one because it's the downfall of Daenerys Targaryen as we know her. Yeah, and I I just feel that the I, we talked about a little bit earlier, so I don't need to spend too much time you know going over my number one, but. I just feel like it was too easy for her. Mm-hmm. She was looking for a fight and what she got was a surrender and it didn't sit well with her. And as she said to John, that all she had was fear and she wanted to prove Cersei's point that it was her fault for bringing all these innocent lives into the red keep. Right. Because she thought that that was going to be her Achilles heel. And she basically just said, fuck it all. I'm just burning it all. Just like what her dad said, burn them all. Burn them all. Oh my God. And I was thinking like, I'm wondering why as she starts destroying everything with Drogon and I'm wondering is part of it just to terrorize Cersei and her tower just seeing everything destroyed I think destroyed, it's to terrorize everybody knowing that because she'll be next. now it's just fear that's all she has right and I, yeah totally and I think that she wanted Cersei to like I think she wanted to destroy Cersei mentally so that when she died she would die sobbing and screaming weak and afraid yeah I think that that was important to Danny. I agree, but I think it was bigger than that. I think she's going to rule as a tyrant. If she can't rule as a a queen that is loved like she did in Essos, Mm -hmm. then she's going to rule as a queen that is feared because she is blinded by the fact that her destiny has been shaken by John, Mm -hmm. and this is the way to take it before basically anyone else can overthrow her to do so to put john in her place you know what they say like in the dark night right you either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become you the go. villain <laughs> yeah there you go it's as simple as that i was thinking and that so, when, we watched, when i was watching it as awful as that was i mean it was so bad i looked at dave i was like because they had like this stare off like cersei's looking at the dragon and danny's looking yeah, at the and keep oh, and flapping his wings and they kept going back and forth and i'm like do it, do it, go for her, fucking burner, burner. Because I was thinking to myself that she was thinking to go get Cersei. Right. I was thinking she was going to fly to the Red Keep to for to accept Cersei's and surrender. Burn the whole thing. And I was thinking, no, well, why would you even burn, burn it? it? I was thinking just accept her terms of surrender. You know, roast her alive and live in that beautiful castle. Well, <laughs> I felt, I felt like when my when I initially watched it, 
because she said, let it be fear that if she had destroyed this like huge, this huge castle, show how powerful she is and it would instill fear and it would also kill Cersei. And we'd get to see her go up in flames. And that was the way I was hoping Cersei would go out. But instead she got to go out romantically crush which pisses me off <laughs> <laughs> but um i i felt i was so excited i was like do it do it i remember saying to dave i'm like she's gonna do it she's gonna do it and he's like oh my god and then we started seeing <laughs> the people yeah oh we get <laughs> these shots like, from the ground looking up and we're I was like, like oh, oh no. god oh no oh, god. no 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 yeah, no no no, no. <laughs> and then my heart sank i was like oh my god oh god yeah she's flying she starts like not flying directly towards the keep she starts meandering a little bit and i'm like fuck 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 what is she doing what is she doing deciding where she was gonna burn first yeah and And like she flies past this dome and there's this (sighs) one shot with these people all running and she just starts drogon just starts blasting (sighs) down with fire and it just cuts right through this building and roasts all these civvies all these civilians it's just like fuck dude like she's doing it she's it's really happening i couldn't believe it I, I couldn't in the moment, but then when the show was over, I remember looking at Dave and Dave said it too. He was like, she's a Targaryen. And I said, oh God. It, I guess it's been like in our face this whole time. But this is so much worse than any of the other Targaryens. Like, I know. Like, this I is know. like taking Targaryen to a new extreme. <laughs> like, she, the war was over. She won. And then she, she starts won. to decide killing innocent people for no fucking reason, except that she just snaps and loses her shit. Oh, oh my so God. Fucked. She's just it's lost so, so much that it's the victory was worthless because she'd lost everything that would have made the, the victory good. You know, it's like, uh, it, it's, it reminds me again of that. That quote that Robert Baratheon said to Cersei all those years ago, seven kingdoms couldn't fill the hole that Lyanna left behind. And this is the same type thing. Like she's here. She's got the seven kingdoms finally under her control and they just can't fill the hole hole in her heart. Yeah. The hole that that, um, you know, is left the gaping hole left behind with the absence of Missandei and Rhaegal and Viserion and John and the love of the people just in general. And I think that it, like I mentioned that losing John was just the icing on the cake. It was, it was just it was. too much. All of that was just too much for her to handle. It just, it's like um, the, the Joker movie that's coming out. It keeps coming back to the Joker. It's just like one bad day can turn some, like a sane, she had good a few person. bad days though. Well, yeah. Yeah. But like, She's had a few. you know, all it takes is that one really, really bad day. Uh, the, the, for her, it was losing Rhaegal and Missandei and John essentially all back to back. And someday, it, sometimes it's just that one thing that one yeah. day that just gives I feel you like it was a culmination of her entire story though i mean she's sold off she's raped she loses she finally falls in love which is totally like but Stockholm it could just syndrome. as easily end with her overcoming these things instead but that's not game of thrones right exactly it's that's not game yeah. of thrones and i'm the go i'm the quote ramsey here if you think this has a happy ending we aren't paying attention because <laughs> if you think this gets has a happy ending, you could be roasted by dragon fire quicker than <laughs> and you know, turn to ash quicker than your hopes so, of a happy ending. As much as I hate it, as much as I hate what she did, 
I love it from a story perspective. Yeah, and I know, here. I know exactly. the internet's divided. I, I, I looked at Dave and I said, I was kind of losing a little bit of faith this season <sighs> with the episodes. I was trying to stay optimistic because I love the show so much and I loved what I was seeing, but there were like, I, we talked about this last, last uh, podcast, but you know, it wasn't quite living up to my expectations. And as much as I hate to admit that, it's the truth. Right. And to be honest, this episode reinstilled it for me. Nice. It ignited, no pun intended. Too soon. Too soon, Rachel. Too soon. um, (laughs) It ignited my love for this show again that no character is safe. There's no black and white characters. (sighs) Everyone has, every human being has. Good and a breaking evil point. and a breaking point. Yeah. And we are seeing it at Game of Thrones Targaryen with a dragon level. This, and man, this episode. You you can't deny how amazing the show is. It's so good. Whether you like it or not, everything that went into this episode from the behind the scenes to the acting to the CGI just to the it was emotional and that's what i want in a good tv show i want to feel emotion Mm -hmm. whether it's good or bad i want to feel it and i felt it here i felt it in battle of winterfell or the long night i felt it there too but this is what the show has really been about we've always had the looming dead undead people looming in the background of the show Mm -hmm. we dealt with them in season or episode three to me this was the heart of the show the heart of the show coming to a climax and it delivered for me so it delivered me too i god the dramatic like the the idea that the hero like the the hero of the show who who is here to defend life against the darkness with the dragon's fireman flesh mother you know the idea that she could be the bad guy like it's so powerful the fact that they had the balls it was just blurred lines in general i think they went through this and the um behind the scenes stuff is like john's moral compass doesn't apply here because now he's watching Lannister soldiers escort civilians to safety and his people are trying to rape women. So his morals don't apply here. They don't apply to everybody. And the world just got flipped upside down on our heads. And I couldn't be more happy with as kind of let down and disappointed. I've been a few times. I'm not saying I disliked this whole season, but I've been a little disappointed more than I expected. This reaffirmed it for me that I love why I love the show. So I'll much. be interested to see what the ratings are for this episode. Cause we had the second worst rated episode of all time. And now the worst rated episode of all time with episodes three and four. Mm. Um, so now I wonder what this, you know, if, if this will help bring anybody back into the fold or what, I'm not really sure. I'm, I've I also people- seen really negative reactions to this too. <laughs> I hope people step away from the fact that Danny was supposed to be this goddess, hero, mother of all, and look at it from a story perspective yeah. and 
recall what we know about her and look at it from an objective viewpoint before they cast their vote because I hate it. I hate seeing Danny like this, but I love it from a writing perspective. Definitely. It's not... If you want traditional, go watch something else. Right. It's like the end of Avengers Infinity War, which I'm not going to spoil in case anybody hasn't seen it. But it's I like have that, not seen it. It's the same thing where it's just like so unexpected. And I mean, like, even though you may have people may have seen the Danny thing coming, like we never expected that it would play out this horrifically. No. You know, or no. like actually play out like that. You know what I mean? Like, I thought maybe she would like knock the whole tower down and whoever was kind of around would be an unfortunate casualty, but deliberately, deliberately killing innocents. Yeah, it's insane. Is where it gets mental for me. Right. And, and it, it's, it's oh, man. beautiful. It's horribly beautiful. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like I mentioned, you know, she lost everything she held dear along the way fighting what everything that she was fighting for in the first place and now the site of king's landing which cost her her children and her best friend and her advisors and john and you know jorah just seeing king's landing and seeing the red keep here just throws her into a rage family her family built the red keep magor the cruel built the red keep yeah yeah well there you go i mean she's looking at her heritage killed everybody that helped build it to hide its secrets well, there you go. I mean, how much more poetic can you get than that? <laughs> yeah. So as Tyrion realizes that Danny is going rogue and killing people for no reason, he looks horrified. John, who already was looking nervous too, realizes as, as he realizes what's happening, he starts freaking out. Grey Worm, on the other hand, looks elated as he realizes what's happening and his spear goes from up. It's a free-for-all. He drops his spear down, pointing towards the Lannisters again, and the Lannister troops are like, no, 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 please, no, and nope. Grey Worm tosses his spear up, whips it right at that guy, at their leader, killing him instantly, and it's like Everything just hits the fan again in that moment. And it, it, John's world is rocked as everyone, everyone around him begins fighting and he's standing there in shock and it all goes slow-mo for him. I love it. Yeah, and Grey Worm is just looking mad as fuck too, like as he's just slaughtering people and John starts telling people to stop and to hold back. Grey Worm looks back and hears it and sees it and he's mad. I think we're going to get a John and Grey Worm fight next week. Ooh, shit. Yeah. Somebody suggested oh that God. on the live show last night. I think it's probably going to happen. I think John's going to have to go through Grey Worm to try to get Danny. Because um, Danny, <laughs> like, what she's done is unforgivable at this point, and she needs to be removed, um, unfortunately. So Grey Worm is just like a killing machine, and they described him on the Game Revealed as being an angel of death, which I thought was crazy. <laughs> and he's just, like, singular in his purpose and just looks like he he wouldn't rather be anywhere in the world except with Masande. And he's just slaughtering people left and right. We get a crazy montage of brutal deaths where people like this one guy is like cleaved in two, like, like Beric Dondarrion by the hound. And then like this other guy's hands like blow off and this other dude's face oh, gets my blown God, apart. I know. And like, there's just like. The Beric Dondarrion guy was intense. Yeah, that was so awesome. And, yeah, that was so good. And just shit is hitting the fan. And it, it's at this point when Cersei like starts to lose her composure as she's watching everything from above, but she's seeing just all these people being disintegrated and the screams and the cries and the horror. And it's <sighs> like Cersei put all these people here because she thought Danny wouldn't do this. 
But now Danny is doing this and it's horrifying Cersei and it's crazy. It's scary as a viewer seeing Cersei, who's the Ice Queen, going from being, you know, like tough and in charge to losing her shit and becoming terrified of what she's seeing. Like if Cersei is scared, then we should all be terrified. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. And uh, she starts losing her composure a bit. And then um, Tyrion, it cuts back to him and he's just beside himself in total disbelief and there's this shot looking through a tunnel of a crowd running along and one person from the crowd runs along from the side and cuts and runs into this tunnel right as drogon comes through the flames and all those people in the background get roasted and the fire follows this one guy into the tunnel and just engulfs him aaron Rodgers, by the way (laughs) okay yeah because they said the quarterback I'm pretty sure I know that he's in it and he was like helping people and then he ran and I, I rewound it a couple of times. I think it's him. It's that gotta gets be. Roasted. Yeah. Cause they mention it on, uh, they would, they would want to give somebody significant like that, like, like a good death, you know? So I'm sure it was him, but they mentioned it on game reveal. They're like, Oh, keep your eye out for Aaron Rodgers." And I was like, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. That sounds familiar. So yeah. I mean, he runs into that tunnel and just gets obliterated and lit up engulfed by that flame ball and like ah like his hands go flying up in the air it was awesome and so um civilians are starting to get killed left and right and like nearly raped and shit and women are being butchered and this kid is like leaning up against the column like (gasps) with blood smeared all over her face and oh my god so powerful like just we're seeing like like all of this, I hated that the horrors of like a city being sacked. There's at this like point. another little girl like sitting around all these dead bodies, like, and ah! she's just like, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. <sighs> and we're getting like mute, like typical Game of Thrones music with the addition of like a techno style bass in the mix, going, right, and it's like giving you this like a heartbeat, yeah, this uneasy like feeling of like just like repeated like boom boom thumping yeah like heartbeat with like a techno bending note vibe and And, uh, like we see like this woman being just having her throat slit and like the the even the northmen are like engaging in like horrible behavior at this point like what you'd expect the dothraki to do you know um and we get all these like such powerful shots like there's this other amazing shot with this girl on the street and she like turns around and these people run into her and she bangs off of them and falls to the ground and right as she falls to the ground drogon comes sweeping through and just evaporates everybody just that shot by itself was incredible yeah. Like just how many angles this girl was getting screwed from. <laughs> she can't she can't run through without getting knocked over. And then the dragon just like finishes her off. It was just like our that girl, that shot of that girl just being bounced off of these people and falling and if being evaporated symbolizes our dreams and hopes for Daenerys just being destroyed and trampled into the dust and then roasted into nothing. You know, I thought that was a great, great shot sim- <laughs> symbolizing that basically. 
And nobody can believe that Danny is doing this, you know, like at least not John and no one Tyrion. Can. Yeah. I mean, Grey Worm How doesn't seem to care. How could anyone thought this? Um, well, I think but he's Grey lost War- I as well little... at this point. Like he's, he basically, the actor, Jacob Anderson, I think it is, he put it really well on, on Game Revealed. With the death of Missandei and everything happened, he's essentially rev- reverted psychologically back into like the robotic, non-human type of of creature that he was as an unsullied before being freed and before being humanized by the, the, um, um, influence of Missande who taught him to feel again and to be human now that she's gone. And it's like, he's lost all of this progress that he's made. probably similarly to the way that Brienne has lost all of her progress. And like all these people are reverting. Jamie has lost so much progress on his redemption arc and gone back to square one. And, you know, Danny has lost all of the progress that she's made. And this is just like an episode of, of reversion, you know? Um, I know we had the, it was kind of like character expansion and now it's contracting. Yeah. And just everything, like you've said, being upturned and turned on its head. Like we get this shot, as they point out also in Game Revealed, which I thought was really poignant. There's a shot of a Lannister soldier desperately trying to lead people to safety and get them safe. And it's pointing out, they pointed out how like suddenly you're, the people who have been our enemies were rooting for them. And suddenly the hero is the enemy. And like, it's just like everything is upturned in horrific fashion. And like, it's just horrifying. And so John sees this lady who's like about to be raped by a Northman and he's not having it follows the guy into the aisle and pulls him off of her. And the guy goes to attack John. He just got like, you know, impales him with long claw <laughs> Yeah. And he's just like, find somewhere to hide, you know, like get out of here. And, and yeah, and Drogon <laughs> is just indiscriminately roasting anything and everything beneath him. And he flies past and destroys the throne room and blows out the Lannister thing from behind the, the stained glass window behind the um the throne and flies around the front and just like destroys the like gothic cathedral style buttress looking structure, um, which I think is the throne room at the front of the red keep at what percentage of this is even standing still like is the throne even intact after this i think it's intact the way it was in the vision at the house of the undying i mean yeah it's hard to tell we're gonna have to take a close look at the house I of think undying the ceiling is blown out and i mean danny it seemed to me that she destroyed much more of it than was destroyed in that vision we'll have to take a closer look and see well we only had a picture of the throne room in that vision we didn't have a picture of the entire castle yeah. So yeah. it'd be telling where where the throne room sits and that castle is all reliant on what she burned and what she didn't burn. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, well we'll, we'll it, look the closer. structures the structure there's still some structure left if I you know maybe I mean the way. whole fucking thing collapses on Jamie and Cersei. You know, like is there any structure left? We part of it does. I mean that castle's massive and that little catacomb, it's not the hole underneath of the castle where they are. So Yeah, I mean we just don't know. We'll have to wait and see what remains. I'm so excited. Yeah, I, I know, wait. right? And um <laughs> so Drogon is just trashing it and he just like there's one point where he blows like a giant hole through one of the towers and just comes flying right through the flames and just cuts off cuts this tower in half and it falls off and slides down into the water behind Jamie and Euron as they're fighting which is crazy 
And John, um, we can start to see from Cersei's view up at the top that wildfire is exploding, like oh, caches of wildfire that. exploding. Oh and so John, and down on the ground level, starts seeing the wildfire exploding with the regular fire, and he realizes they need to get the fuck out of there. He's like, "We need to fall back, <laughs> fall back behind the wall, you know, get out of the city. We need to get out." And it's just crazy, and. Um, yeah, it's just like it's nuts, man. Like, it there was that this whole period of time where John was in slow motion and like just pro- struggling to process what was happening. I loved that, and he didn't come out of it until he saw that woman who was like almost raped and it, like he heard her screaming yeah, it and that snapped him back it. into it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that pretty much covers it for the descent of Danny and that whole scene. Um, anything else you want to add about that before we move on to notes? Oh, man. Other than just initial shock, I felt like it was so Game of Thrones. It was so ridiculous. Game of Thrones. It was ridiculous. I feel you. I totally feel you. Whether you love it or you don't, it's the that nature of the Thrones show. Right there. So that was Game of I, Thrones right there. I mean, I hated it when they beheaded Ned Stark, but it's what made me love the show. Right. So I... I mean, yeah, and there's, take it or leave it. There's just something so powerful about something so tragic as as seeing somebody with so I much love potential that they went fall, there. You know, yeah, they went there with the show, and I love that. Yeah. I hate, I hate it because I'm a human being, and watching innocent lives being slaughtered is not pleasant. But I love that they went there with the show and have stayed true to to that since season one they beheaded the main character yeah like and now the main character or one of the main characters lost her marbles yep and has a dragon ultimate tragedy man it was so powerful (laughs) crazy that's all i have to say nice yeah and i mean like yeah there's like there was another part where he cut off another one of the towers at the red keep and just like lightsaber style, just whoop, sliced right through it with his yeah. fire and everything. It was insane. I didn't know that dragon fire could melt stone like that, but I, I, well, Heron Hall. I was going to say, then I remembered that it's happened before. So. Yeah. Destroyed Heron Hall, melted it with the black Heron and his sons and still inside the tallest castle in the kingdom. Oh, uh. So uh, let's jump to notes. But first, season four of Sirenicide, featuring me and Archmaester Stitches, gets closer every day. So let's take a quick break to check out the series trailer. My name is Matthew Fennis, and something terrible has happened to me. An event that has sent me traveling down a road I was never meant to be on. This is my story, and the story of countless others. This is a story of what lies in the shadows of Morston, Texas. Sirenicide is a serialized horror drama based in the wicked world woven in and around Morston, Texas. The criminal factions and dark government agencies are just the start of the malevolence that roams the streets of this macabre city. The tales in Sirenicide tap into the fear and lore that envelop what most would consider to be fiction. How much more is out there? Is every monster real? Hmm, most tales are based on some facts. The production plays host to a plethora of popular personalities from other nightmarish podcasts. Oh, 
It's Lena. Lena Klein. Just a number now. That's it. Four, four, seven. I bet you believe in yellow eyes now, huh, boy? Thanks to the research team here at the Laughlin Institute, we have finally found the answer to beating disease entirely. What have I done? Kate, Kate, help me, please. <laughs> That's not me. His body is accepting death. Evil has reigned unchecked in this city for far too long. The main cast of Sirenicide's creepy, courageous, and curious characters evolve with the overarching story, but they also chronicle some amazing, self-contained, standalone tales. It's vile. Eddie, vile. Reporting live, I'm Margaret Sharp. Back to you, Dave. An operating theater. Well, more of a stage to showcase our talents to our clients. Look at me, please. We'll climb this mountain together. The original music serves the episode's atmosphere in a way that embraces and enhances each scene. So uncover the dark secrets, evil murders, supernatural experiences, and mysterious doctors awaiting in this modern epic. Binge the show for free right now on your favorite podcast platform or at sirenicide.com. I have... The Battle of the Kraken and the Lion. Battle of the Kraken and the Lion. Jamie and Euron. Oh, yeah. That's that's about where we are, huh? Yeah, I have Euron wants to, wants to fight Jamie because why not? <laughs> he swims to shore and finds Jamie in all the chaos. Yep. And they're going to go at it. And it was great. Jamie's on point. He's like, we need to get the queen out of here thinking that maybe Euron is like still on on the team you know but he's just a wild card oh my god he's like nope I'm here to murder you yeah we need to get the queen out of King's Landing listen that's the sound of a city dying it's over <laughs> well maybe for you and he's like if you kill another king before you die they'll sing about you forever and Jamie tells him, you're no king. But he's like, oh, but I am. Does that mean he married Cersei? What do you think? Um, I think because he wears the salt throne crown. I think he's the that, king of the Iron Islands. I don't think Islands. Cersei recognizes the king of the Iron Islands as a king. I, if he's saying, you're, I'm a king, I think that he married Cersei. Oh, shit. I didn't even think about that. Because Cersei's not going <laughs> to allow. She wants all seven kingdoms. She's not going to let 
pike be its own kingdom that's you know well not yet i mean <laughs> i mean she the, was waiting for the war she kept saying to him when the war is won when the war is won yeah i mean i think she was letting him think that because she needed him as an ally but he's saying and, here um, he is a king so i mean a king not the king well he says i am he doesn't say he's not the king you know, I think I think he's the king. I think they got married potentially, because I mean, what Oof. I mean, if he was the king of the Iron Islands, he would have been the king of the Iron Islands the last time Jamie saw him. But here he's saying, "Nope, I'm a king now." You know, interesting. He says, "If you kill another king, yeah." And Jamie says, "You're no king." He says, "Oh, but I am." And I fucked the queen. And, like consummated the marriage. Yeah, oh, fuck. maybe. And I fucked the queen. Well, we'll never know yeah. because I mean, they're all dead. <laughs> if, if she tells Euron, I'm pregnant with your child, maybe they got married following that because that's what you do. You know, like if. That's what Rhaegar and Lyanna did. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, yeah, who knows? But <laughs> it's just really intense, you know. So he's he's talking about how he fucked the queen and everything. And he's like, oh, I'll tell you what, if I win, if I win, I'll bring your head to Cersei so you can kiss her he's one last time. Psychopath. Yeah. I'm like, you can't see it, but I'm like emulating him with my eyes all wide and crazy as, as I'm saying this. And so um, <laughs> that's what like sets Jamie off. He's like, ah, and like comes swinging with his sword with the left. <laughs> Just and not they go a chance. At it. I mean, oh, they, yeah. they, then they drop their weapons and they start beating the shit out of each other with their fists. Jamie backhands him. He with hits the... him in the throat and Euron's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like two episodes ago of Barry. That was amazing. Fuck. And then Euron like stabs him in the side. Dude, and holy I was like, shit. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Euron is like crawling, trying to reach this blade that's on the ground. And Jamie's like pulling him by his feet just so he's out of reach. But then he like, they break the trope where you like, you see the bad guy reaching for the weapon and he never quite can reach it. But he reaches it and rolls over and stabs Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy, Jamie on the side. Oh my God. Oh, I was like, God. oh my God. I freaked out. I know. What? Me too. I was like, how, how can this guy take out the Kingslayer. Yeah. I was not convinced that Jamie was going to die, but it Dude. looked like a mortal wound. And then he rolls over on his back and he's like, Ugh, you know, like, I know. Oh I thought he was God. dying. And then he gets up. Yeah. He I sees like, his oh sword God. and rolls over and goes to it. I love your arm. He's like, <laughs> yeah, Oh, he's still fighting. <laughs> so he hops up to fight him. Aren't we done and with as this? Jamie grabs his sword, he stabs him again from the other side. Oh, man. T double well, stabbage. Gut, gut wounds can take a long time yeah, to bleed out. Totally. So it's not, I mean, while we see people get stabbed with a spear in the gut and they die instantly in the show, and Jamie oh. Lannister managed to like go through the entire Red Keep with two <laughs> gut wounds. Yeah, twice. I'll let it go because. In reality, gut wounds take a long they can, time. Yeah. They can take a long time for you to die. So it's not unrealistic. Agreed. And um, he he stabs him the first time and twists it and then pulls out the blade, <sighs> which are two things you don't want to do. You want to like not twist it, obviously, but then you also you don't want to remove it in case yeah. you like unplugs an artery that it could be holding mm. kind of shut with the pressure. Um, so you want to leave it in there until you get to the hospital, basically, you know, but he pulls it out and uh, so stabs him again for the second time. And Jamie like knocks him off and 
throws him back against the rock and just impales him with his sword and twists it like the oh, whole sword. Twist. And you can hear it in, in your arms like, oh, like you can hear I think it. Hurts. He loved like I think it was in the behind the scenes, like he got to experience death. So he was like relishing. Yeah, in he's the just experience. Of yeah, it. like Cersei said, like, you're not boring, are you? He's always searching for some new experience. And like they said that, yeah, he even had a smile on his face as he was dying, as he was realizing. I'm the man who killed Jamie Lannister. <laughs> yeah, he's like another king for you as he realizes that he's dying. Blood is pouring out. <laughs> but I got you. <laughs> I got you. I got you. So you're on to say that, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, totally. man, that's just so Euron. It was great. And then as he's l- l- dying there, I'm the man who killed Jamie Lannister. Yes. Ah, and he dies just, with a smile on his yeah, face. Yeah, reveling in that. And As much as I hate that character, his death was badass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he was wild. <laughs> it, was, it was the comical relief that, as sick as it was... <laughs> Sure. Yeah, something to lighten the moment just a little bit. Yeah, and interestingly, it's like payback for Pike all those years ago during the Greyjoy Rebellion when um, he Euron orchestrated the burning of the Lannister fleet, and then Jaime came through the breach and started slaughtering Lannisters left and right. Remember, it was glorious. I was killing your family. (laughs) It was so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of like payback for Pike. Um, Jay, that after everything that happens, it's Euron Greyjoy that deals Jamie his death blow. But nope, mm-hmm. not technically, because the Red Keep falls on his head and kills. <laughs> it's uh, it's Drogon that kills Jamie. Technically, what do we have left? Arya escaping King's Landing. We um, have one more little bit of Kyburn telling Cersei. We oh, might yeah, have covered no, this. No, we haven't. That's an important part too. We're not. It's not safe any longer. The Red Keep is the safest place in the city. Well, uh, the Unsullied have reached the Red Keep gates. <laughs> so we better run. Yeah, and th- this is her Janice Slint moment. Um, yeah, she's delusional. Yeah, she's, she is unwilling to accept the reality that the Red Keep has fallen. She's sitting there like, the Red Keep uh, has the never... The chandeliers are shaking in the room. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's exactly. going down. This is the moment. No, all this stuff is happening. Um, and he's, one by one, she's, he's saying, you know, that, that, like, she's like, well, the scorpions, we need one good shot. And he's like, the scorpions are gone. He's like, the iron... She's like the Iron Fleet, and he's like, "Ah, oh, it's burning." All these things, and it's it's just like Janice Slint was on top of the the wall, and he's denying reality. Giants don't exist. As he's looking down, and there's giants oh, yeah. breaching the wall. You know, this is t- they're just stories that we would tell the children. Yeah, exactly. It's total parallel with with um, between Cersei and Janice Slint, which I thought was really cool. Um, you know, like you, I just never would have seen it seen it coming i guess but i mean it makes perfect sense she just can't accept it she's been delusional about so many things that you know it's just an amazing moment like wow right yeah for sure so where are we next um now we're in aria's world oh yeah now we have aria trying to escape king's landing she's just running through she's getting blindsided by people like 
that amazing one shot that they orchestrated where the camera's following her and it's panning around and see, you're seeing all these burned people everywhere. And this guy runs up to Arya and he's like, have you seen my wife? Alana! And he's freaking out. And, and we had just passed her and she was all like blood out. Oh, is that what was happening? Oh, yes. Man. There was like a, a woman leaning like, against over. the wall, right? Yeah. Cause she was, yeah. yeah. He runs back past Arya to her and the camera pans around Arya and is facing back watching him interact with this woman. I, I wasn't sure like what her status was, if she was wounded or if she was just oh, like, she was bled the fuck out. Dying. She was pale as fuck. Damn. Yeah. She was done. She was dead. I mean like dead, dead. Brutal. So I'm um, just amazing orchestration of how they pulled off this shot here, following Arya around, getting angles of all the she important gets, stuff. Like, bombarded. Trampled. She runs into the crowd and trampled. Oh, and then man. we get the, the mom helps like, her Take up. my hand. Get up. Eleanor. I think her name is. Yes, Eleanor. Oh man, and yeah, they she they get separated, and and then Drogon flies overhead, and they're all like, yeah. they all duck, and oh my god, and then we actually cut back over to John, and that's when we get him saying like, we need to fall back, fall back, we fall got back, to fall back, fall back, get out of the city, we need to fall back right now, and then um, what's next with Arya waking up in the rubble? No, we get her, she gets like, we keep thinking that she's getting hit with stuff and she like pulls around this corner and she's like (gasps) breathing and all of a sudden she opens her eyes and she sees all these like women and children. And she looks up and she's like, you guys, we cannot stay here. You have to keep moving. The tower looks like it's falling right on top of her. Yeah. Yeah. And she just barely gets inside this door, I guess. Yeah. And they're like, well, we can't. Everyone out there is dead. She, and she yeah. goes, if you stay here, you're going to die. She sees Eleanor and she feels like obligated to try to save her, I guess. So she pulls her up and she says, follow me. And oh God, so sad. So sad. You know, and so she's like, we need to run. And so they get out into like this main thoroughfare and the Dothraki are just like riding through with their through. Eric's just destroying and everything. Eleanor gets trampled. Oh, yeah. She falls and, and gets hit. Arya gets like kind of knocked off to the side. But I think it was really hard to tell like camera angle wise, but I'm pretty sure she gets trampled. I couldn't tell if she got trampled or if she just fell on her face and was in shock. But either way, I she's face down. I think she got down. trampled because she can't walk. Right. Arya goes like and grabbing her and dragging yeah, her. And she finally arm she over her shoulder. Take her. Take her. And she tries to grab the girl to come with her. But the girl screams at her and won't leave. And at the last <laughs> second, as Drogon is swooping through, Arya ducks behind the building, just like John was ducking behind structures at the courtyard. And I think the screams that we hear are not Arya's, but they're the the mother and the daughter. Yeah, for sure. I'm not, I mean, maybe they were all screaming, but Probably. I got that vibe. <laughs> I mean, we heard that girl shriek and refuse to leave. And yeah, I mean, Arya dives behind that corner and is just, she tried, she tried flames. to save them. She tried. she tried to save the little girl. And you know what? Um, then we get to the scene where Arya, where I totally thought she was dead. Yeah, me too. I did too. It, it like, it, it, it totally it cuts to li- her just lying there sprawled across this the stairs she looks pretty fucked up all too fucked up. i mean blood like, everywhere just covered in dust and then there's a big boom and she like opens up and i was like oh my god i know oh my god and she is now in slow motion mode where the ash is just falling all around her mm. just like we saw it's falling in the red beautiful I, I know i feel like such a crazy person like seeing how beautiful this episode was it's gorgeous it's true right and especially in this part too she's looking around and the this ash 
ash is falling like snow, and we're seeing roasted bodies lying she's in situ. Coughing and yeah, and she's she coughing looks like out crazy. And sees the two bodies of the the mom and, and the daughter. It's very remindful of Pompeii. We have those casts because when when um oh you yeah know, when the lava hit yeah well not the lava not the lava but the ash rained down and first you get a pyroclastic flow and the noxious gases which knocked out and killed a lot of people and they their bodies were in the streets and as the snow as the ash piled down on top of their bodies you know like 20 30 feet of ash buried them and encapsulated them and bacteria that was on the surface of the bodies and things like that as when they died resulted in the bodies decomposing while the ash was covering them so when people were excavating pompeii they began to find these little hollow cavities and they realized oh, eventually that they were cavities where bodies, bodies had been because they would find bones inside the cavities so when they would find these hollow cavities they started injecting them with plaster and then excavating around them oh shit and, i didn't even know that yeah so when you see these these casts of bodies from like there's a famous dog and there's just like this like a a woman lying like huddling with her babe you know like Ugh. you know and it's it's it was a, a, an homage to 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 pompeii it's the opposite like ash buried the bodies and you had hollow cavities which were then casts but it was you know it's evokes the same feeling ash falling from the sky these bodies burnt and clustered God. and lying as they died, um, just like Pompeii. So eerie. It makes me sad. I yeah. mean, as a mom, like sure. after watching Arya see the them embracing each other, I wanted nothing more than to like go wake Justin up and just give him like this really big hug. And right, it she was holding like this little, ironically, a white, a white horse in her hand. Who was? The little girl. Oh, snap. The one. Oh, man, I didn't notice that. Yeah. I mean, it was white. Uh, You see it. You see it kind of throughout the the episode, but it was burned. The one that the the girl that Aria was trying to save. Yeah. When they're like hugging each other all burnt. There's like little. So she probably saw it as as like she's trying to save the girl you know and then yeah. she sees the white horse and she's yes. like oh my god like it's a sign, it's a sign. Like, yeah that's what so if it was bran like warging into the horse <laughs> i saw somebody saying that actually that, oh, that horse was bran they said i think it was somebody in oh our god. live chat last night um oh, that's bad. but it's amazing Arya is like in shell shock mode the way that john was every slow motion everything and seeing the bodies i, know I and commented thing. in our rewatch uh messenger like that horse <laughs> okay let's let's be real horses are flight animals oh right there's fire there's all no around. way it would have been anywhere near there no it would have been so no. long gone it would even it if been it in was the riverlands at this point it would still be trying to get out oh, it would yeah. just be sitting there like sniffing around looking for hay right like it would be frantic so it probably is so i felt like that's what made me think of Bran. Only way that there would possibly be a horse there is if it's Bran going to send yeah. somebody in to rescue Arya, basically. Exactly. Exactly. And it is the same horse that Harry Strickland was riding, even though it's a different horse. Yeah, like, it, yeah that one's dead. <laughs> yeah. Man, um, when she sees that horse, though, it's what a beautiful sequence of I shots. That. I loved that whole sequence. Yeah, we get oh this one God. shot as she's approaching it, and the sun is shining in the background, and we get the <sighs> gleaming rays of the sun. And the horse's ears. Yeah, and the, it's like, like shining off the horse and, and shining <sighs> through the ash as it's falling, and it's like gleaming off the ash. It was so beautiful. Oh, my God. And she so reaches out to touch the horse and like takes its, and she's like, takes its uh, bit you know, in her hand, and yeah. 
man. She's shushing it quietly. And then she and just, just, boom, books it. Flying, riding through the that carnage. That is a phenomenal horse, by the way. Oh yeah! Like confirmation-wise, I don't, I don't know, like what breed it is. I would love to know. I have my gorgeous thoughts, but I'm like obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a great looking horse. Great looking horse. And that final shot of Arya fleeing the city, riding through the street with just flames coming from everywhere, and just like dragon fires, like napalm, like it catches you, and it just you just keep burning and burning. It just keeps burning. Yeah, and so there's just flames coming out all these windows, just flying out of piles of rubble everywhere. Like man, what a shot! It was. This episode is a feat of filmmaking, in my opinion. Uh, completely incredible what they did with the set and the like the destructed and intact sets were like oh my god it's just amazing um that's all i have for notes i think how about you anything else you want to add um no i think i'm good i'm just before i forget i'm turning off my house alarm because the past couple weeks that we've podcasted i've set our alarm off going back into the house (laughs) okay do it up oh what we never mentioned varus he always hated the bells Oh my God! Yes, they ring for horror. For horror, dead, king. dead kings, a city under siege. He always had a bad feeling about the bells, and then he dies in the episode called "The Bells," which is pretty crazy. Oh yeah, you know, and like he, he, his attitude towards the bells in general just has foreshadowed this moment where the bells were like the pivotal moment of, of you know, it was it was the moment where we learned what was going to happen, how mm. it was going to play out. It all revolved around what happened when these bells ring. And so uh, I thought it was particularly poignant back in season two, episode nine, before the Battle of the Blackwater Bay, that Tyrion is talking with Varys and Varys laments about his feelings towards the bells. I love it. So how are you feeling about where we are at this point in this season? I know you've said that you um, it's turning around for you a little bit, huh? That's good. Yeah, I mean, I'm not disappointed. Like, it's hard to say that I'm disappointed in the past episodes, but... I felt like a little lost where the se- the season was going mm-hmm. and this kind of turned it around for me. Nice. Awesome. How about you? I yeah, I I I thought this was a really strong episode in a in a strong season. So, I mean, I've all the criticisms that I've heard, I've at least been able to rationalize with with plot points that I feel validate the director's decisions. So sure. if, if anybody, you know, wants to throw some criticisms at, at me and I might be able to help you maybe feel a little bit better about them <laughs> by rationalizing them to some extent. <laughs> but um, yeah, I thought it, I really liked this episode. The extent, like the, the scope of the tragedy made it just amazing. So I'm I'm yeah. feeling good about where we are right now, and I'm really looking forward to see what happens next episode. Sad. It's, it's the last episode. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm sad that it's the last one. It's crazy. I'm going to be, I'm in Vegas Thursday through Sunday, oh, so shit. I'll be back just in time to watch nice. with my husband. Perfect. So, unfortunately, I was trying to get to a live show, you guys, but unfortunately, that's not going to happen. I was going to try to get oh, to the- Oh, damn finale but i'm not sure we can make that happen yeah, so it's all good we can always go I live love, we can do our do something live you know we'll do something yeah, live. <laughs> i love listening to the lives you guys do such a good job thanks um, i usually listen to them during the week when i'm working so nice glad you've been enjoying it yeah all right, all right. so stick with us guys we'll be right back after a short break 
Make sure to check out the new Game of Thrones rap album, The Iron Throne of Microphones, by Purpose from the rap group Tragic Allies. Just go to tragicallies.bandcamp.com to get the album for free today. This track is called The Long Night. Fear. Fear is from the winter. Fear is when the snows fall a hundred feet deep. And for the long night when the sun hides for years and you come to meet grief. Where children are born and live and die all in darkness. Where an infant, a dead body, or a carcass can turn into a white walking heartless creature with arctic features and blue eyes who rise upon the touch of the Night King with new lives. Fear does not care about who dies as long as they do. All the tales you were told were lies when you were a youth become true. One after the other, you hear stories of mothers who smothered their babies to their chest while shedding tears so cold they froze to their cheeks as they wept. So yes, be afraid, but not of grumpkins and snocks, but of ice spiders as big as sharks and ice dragons whose breath can rip apart a wall 700 feet tall and watch it dissolve into ruins. As an army of whites that walk the long night are constantly moving. Generals riding dead horses, pursuing humans in all life forms and an all night swarm. It doesn't matter if you're from Flea Bottom or someone who's high born. Death awaits you. It makes you uncomfortably horrified. Because even though you were born to die, you should not be glorified. So now the maesters pray and cry for the return of Azora High. The prince that was promised and sworn to rise. He who is said to abolish the white walkers and not let the night linger. The champion reborn to wake the dragons from stone and reforge the sword called Lightbringer. We ask the sightseer, is it false hope or is it prophecy? Come the time we all shall see. But for the sake of the realm, we call to thee. Azora High, Azora High, save us all before we die. Ravens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lady Stancha of House Hall. The episode proved that chaos is not a ladder. It's a city of innocence burned. A <sighs> Shakespearean ending for Cersei. A jump to light speed for character arcs faster than getting <laughs> back from beyond the wall to deliver that message. And some of the most brilliant characters, Tyrion and Varys, were robbed of their cunning and prowess that we've enjoyed the entire series. I mean, I guess it makes sense with all that she's been through for Danny to go mad after losing her voices of reason, Jorah and Masande. Did D&D intentionally do this as the ultimate plot twist? Possibly. I'll accept that. But as for what happened with the other characters, it seemed off. I'm trying to have really high hopes that the finale will be an incredible unrushed ending that ties it all together. (laughs) Looking forward to Aegon and Arya's arc. I'll be satisfied if the Starks are on the throne and that the Northmen kill the Unsullied and Dothraki. (laughs) Whoa. John has never wanted anything. He, He was appointed but did an exceptional job in every position. Having Arya as a hand to the king would be also fitting. Ah, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, Arya as hand, that'd be neat. (laughs) 
Lord Christopher of House Cavero. I'm still dealing with what I saw. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's going to take some time to process that, brother. Hopefully by next week, you'll be settled a little bit. It's going to be rough. Yeah. Lord Spencer of House Brownlee. It's a gift that says, thanks. I hate it. <laughs> oh, man. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I didn't like the episode, man. Hope I, if that's what you're talking episode, about. Yeah. Or do you hate the that Danny's twist? Yeah. Um, I'd be curious. Yeah. Because I could see it being possible where you don't like what she did, but you like the episode. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of where I am. You know, yeah, but, me too. like we hate what Danny did, but it makes it the story like so intense, you know? Lord Joey of House Pool, I am still at a loss for words. Yeah, me too. Yeah, except for that whole four or five hours we just recorded. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) You have a lot of words. (laughs) Yeah, apparently. Lord Ansh of House Agarwal, and if I mispronounce your name, please let me know. Love that name. That's a cool name, man. Yeah, it is. I love the cinematography. But writing wasn't to the point. Clegane Bowl was the best thing. And Arya getting stampeded. Oh, yeah. Arya getting trampled. That was pretty brutal. Yeah. Lady Joanne Marie of House Abernathy. I like the music mix when Jamie and Cersei die. The Reigns of Castamere yes. and the Light of Seven. Yeah. Oh, man. So good. I, I was going to ask you about that. I, did I? I don't remember if I talked to but I mentioned that to you already. How about that, though? The way that they're combined and they fit together perfectly. It was and, awesome. Yeah. So good. During the ending credits was... Did like, you also notice that in the beginning credits, the very first thing we see on that like wheel thing is a dragon burning down a castle? <laughs> Dude, yeah, you you pointed that out in our group yeah. chat. Oh, I my like God. noticed it, but apparently it's been there the whole time. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> they totally showed us exactly what's going to happen. It does look like the Red Keep too. I mean, I know you it remember you mentioned that, but I'd have to agree. Yeah, Lady Heather of House Hildebrand. I'm very conflicted. The spectacle was great, and it was very cinematic, and I was entertained by that. But I can't help. I can't help but feel disappointed and sad. I feel like GRRM promised us a lot of things that we were expecting to get, and now we've been cheated. He sold us a fantasy. He sold us magic, mysticism, and prophecies. He sold us an ancient magical race. He sold us face-changing stone men, dragons hidden in the walls and under castles, and we bought it with wide-eyed anticipation. What we received was a political period piece with a few short-lived dragons. Some people were raised from the dead and a witchy fire starter woman. I want the magic back. I'm not really looking forward to next week. Sorry, lady Heather, to hear that. I know she's been a fan for a long time, too. So it's really disappointing to see people who have been, uh, you know, historical backers of the series uh, feeling let down by this. I hope we get that all in the books, though. I'm I'm confident that we'll get a lot of that in the books. Yeah, it sounds like from what what you've written, Heather, that you're going to really like the books. The books are going to be the way to go for you, for sure, I think. And me too. I'm, I can't wait for the books. They're like a million times the show. The show is amazing yeah. too, obviously, you know, <laughs> for, yeah. but, but just to show you how good the books are. Lady Becca of House Baston. Poor characterization. Clumsy and rushed. Bitterly disappointed. Ugh. Again, yeah. sorry to hear that. We have a divided audience this yeah. week again. Fans are definitely divided over the episode. Hopefully, we were able to break things down in a way that helped some of you guys appreciate it a little more, maybe. Yeah. With any luck. 
Lord Axel of House Erickson. Finally, Danny is revealed to everyone to be the Mad Queen. Her actions, mainly in Essos, heavily foreshadowed this, but not that many fans seem to have noticed. Perfect ending to the Cleganes. Very sad, but also epic. Beautiful ending for Cersei and Jamie. Mm. I would not have wanted it any other way. Really sad, actually. Yeah, I was surprised how uh, impactful that was as well. Really sad. Mm-hmm. I'm also happy to see Arya human again. Her lady cringe of house badassery period was painful to get through for me. <laughs> Episode three should have had these types of losses for it to have been at least remotely okay. Sad to lose Varys, too. He was right. Hashtag Varys did nothing wrong. I wonder what that bloody wizard said to him when he was castrated. (laughs) Technically, it wasn't the wizard. It was the voice from the flames after the wizard castrated him and put his parts in the fire. But uh, I want to know what that voice said, too, (laughs) for sure. Me, too. And I don't think Danny actually crossed the line. With anything that she did in Wessos, in Wessos, in Essos, in Wessos. <laughs> but I feel that some of the things that she said and some of the things that she would have done if she hadn't had advisors tempering her uh, did foreshadow heavily this as well. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's what really happened. She lost all of her advisors. Barristan was gone. Jorah was gone. Everybody was gone. That has been like a, an advisor. I mean, Grey Worm was never really an advisor. He's just the muscle, you know? I mean, he's more mm-hmm. than that. He's, he's a person and a, a loved, uh, you know, um, assistant as well. But he was never really an advisor. He was more just in control of the military. But now everybody's gone. And the last person that is there, Tyrion, she's lost confidence in. So any of his statements or ideas or suggestions, their value is much less now for mm-hmm. her. So she was basically just left with her Targaryen tendencies and nothing to temper her or hold her back. And uh, this is the way that it was always going to go if that was the case, I guess, right? Yeah. Pretty hardcore. Lord Ryan of House Cortez. This season needed to be 10 episodes. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the plot <laughs> character developments are too rushed. Ah, I no arguments hmm. here. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I would have loved, loved 10 episodes. Yeah, exactly. Lord Brian of House <sighs> Edwards. This fight was dark was the dark souls of Game of Thrones scenes. Yes. There you go, Duncan. Yeah, I literally <laughs> said souls. that earlier that I had the same feeling um walking up that stairs, walking up those stairs for uh the Clegane Bowl. And uh yeah, man. That's <laughs> so badass. Glad you noticed it too. <laughs> Lady Melissa of House Phelps caught Drogon in the background. Nice. Yeah, there were times where he was lurking, like we got one time with Arya, a big one. It was intense. Lady Evgenia of House Lazarova. I'm still sitting on the sofa and don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's been half an hour. Oh, yeah, we were like that, too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I had to run upstairs and broadcast, but I was mentally like that. You can see when we started, <laughs> I was just like, I don't even know what the word is. We couldn't go to bed. We were yeah. like wired. Lady Cherami Jobert. Let me know if I butchered your name. Sorry about that if I did. Cool looking name, though. I always believed that Daenerys would go full Targaryen. I felt Arya's character was betrayed for cheap plot twists, and it all felt like Michael <laughs> Bay produced this episode. <laughs> I read all the books starting with book three and reread them to refresh myself when book five was coming out. 
Hopefully, George R. R. Martin won't die before he finishes them. I don't think he will. I think we'll get them all. I can see why he turned down a cameo. <laughs> don't go the Stephen King route. Since he got hit by that van, he sucked. I can't wait to hear what Star Wars fans think of what these guys are going to do to their precious. Oh, yeah, Dave and Dan with their Star Wars series that they're going to be doing for um, Disney slash Lucasfilm. Yeah. I, bet, I bet people are worried now. I know people are already worried enough about Star Wars with Kathleen Kennedy and Ryan Johnson and the people who the, who they've considered to have butchered this <laughs> the movies already. So, uh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> I mean, I was looking forward to. <laughs> Dave and Dan doing Star Wars and I still am I think they'll be able to give like a, gr- a level of gravity that's been absent in previous Star Wars movies but apparently Benioff also wrote <laughs> X-Men Wolver- X-Men Origins Wolverine <laughs> which was just terrible like the ending of it it's horrible so I guess we should be a little bit worried for sure what for what they do when they don't have something to adapt yeah. I mean, they, we'll they did have something to adapt for Wolverine, though, and they still butchered it. Woof. Lady Angelica of House Garcia Decker. It's a gif that says, here's the simple truth. You let me down. Oh, sorry you feel that way, Lady Angelica. She's been a listener for a long time, too, and I know she's a yeah. huge fan of the series. So disappointed to hear that the fans are so divided. I guess it's inevitable with such a huge show, though. People have such high expectations and... That just sucks. Lord Pete of House Clark. George R.R. Martin's Game of Thrones is said to be inspired by Robert Frost's poem, Fire and Ice, from 1923. I love this poem. Yeah, I didn't know about this. This is pretty awesome. It foreshadows Danny's actions. Here is the text. Some say the world will end in fire. Some say in ice. From what I've tasted of desire, I hold with those who favor fire. But if I had to perish twice, I think I know enough of hate to say that for destruction ice is also great and would suffice. I love that poem. Yeah, it's pretty great. I'll have to look more into it. Yeah. Lady Kelsey of House Carlson. First order of business. They zoomed in and made a big deal out of Varys removing his rings. Why? Like you said, I think uh, they were payment for his little birds. I think so, too. Now for my review. I knew it. I knew she was going mad, and I knew that Sansa was right to distrust her. I knew she was one bad day from becoming unhinged. When she attacked the innocents, though, I was teary-eyed. Her whole mission in Essos is counter to this behavior, and she seemed to want to protect and avenge uh, to protect the average person. Why burn them all when you just lost a great portion of your army, ensuring they live? Given all the information we've had up to this point, though, this all makes sense. It seems that the House of Undying, we're trying to prevent this future. Show her what taking the dragons meant and what toll they would take. I've given up on predictions at this point. I'll finish with this. Between Bran and his magic and Arya and her magic, this could have went a ton of different ways. And I'm surprised that the story, at the story, they decided to tell when it could have been plenty surprising with more fun twists. Next week will be one for the history books and I'm nervous for it. Definitely will be one for the history books. And I think we're all a bit nervous. (laughs) Yeah. Sir Matthew of House Rep. 
This is definitely going to go down as the most controversial episode of any TV show in history, and I loved it. Varys went down fighting, trying to get the truth out about John to the great houses, even trying to prevent the destruction that was to come by working with a kitchen maid to poison Danny. Why else would the maid be so nervous of the unsullied? Why else would Varys care so much if Danny was eating? What else could he mean when he told the maid, we will try again at dinner? Nailed it. We, yep. we agree. Sandor versus Gregor was everything I would have wanted. The epic background on the ruined staircase, the reveal of Gregor and all his undead glory, Sandor turning the tables and pushing him into the flames to end it all. Dude, that's a great point because Sandor was, was, or the Hound was basically created when the mm -hmm. mountain pushed him into the fire. And now the, the mountain meets his end with the Hound pushing him into the fire. Epic, dude. Great call on that. Davos really shouldn't have been on the front lines with John and Grey Worm. Yeah, we didn't really mention. I was surprised to see him alive at the Me end. Too. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, Davos is still alive. Sad, Danny went down this path and Jamie fell back into his old self-destructive pattern of dependence with Cersei. But I couldn't have imagined a different fate for either of them. Good point. Yeah, same here. I mean, he said it from the beginning. We entered the world together. We'll leave it together, right? Yeah. Lady Sarah of House Larkham, what an awesome, explosive, epic, intense episode. <laughs> this episode referenced certain key moments in the series. I always hated the bells. They ring for horror. A dead king, a city under siege. Varys to Tyrion, season two, episode nine. Nailed it. John killing one of his own soldiers to save a girl who the soldier was going to kill or rape. Yeah, that was Flashback brutal. to Sansa being attacked by the creepy guys when Marcella was being shipped off to Dorne in season two. Mm, good parallel. Bran's vision of a dragon flying over King's Landing in season four, episode two, cut to Drogon flying over King's Landing. The only criticism of this episode, I would have liked it a bit if Danny and Drogon were in danger of being shot out of the sky. That was a bit lackluster. I felt like we were in the crowd running from from a dragon and that made it more intense for me. Yeah, that Loved was awesome. Loved that Kyburn was killed by his own creation. Oh. Yes, like Frankenstein. Yeah, and so was the mountain, killed by his own creation as well. Mm-hmm. I knew from the beginning of the episode that Varys was a goner, but it didn't make it any less sad. Over the rewatch, I had only started to like the Hound, and that was the perfect death for him and the mountain. Even though I hated Cersei for most of the series, it was sad her saying, I want our baby to live. Yes, that was awful. Very sad. Lady Laurie of House Perkins, I think I'm still in shock processing everything. I felt like Danny's turn to madness wasn't developed very well. This is a storytelling problem, but it should have been developed last season, not just within the past two episodes. She had the battle won, the throne was hers, and she murdered innocents for no reason at all. I just keep asking myself, why? I think we found some pretty good reasons. Well, not mm -hmm. justifiable reasons, but reasons that explain her motivation. <laughs> Just to clarify that, I wanted Cersei to go out in a more epic way, but at least her and Jamie died together. Yeah, that's true. Um, goodbye, Lord Varys. You were a great character. You will be missed. I know Arya's journey to the White Horse meant something truly deep and meaningful, but they spent too much time on it for my taste. And maybe I'm tired, but it went over my head. <laughs> the mountain and the hound was awesome great fight visually i love how they went out together and kyburn's death was epic 
Bye, Euron. Didn't ever really <laughs> like you. But where was Yara? I, kn- I just knew she'd show up. Guess I was wrong about that one. I think we're going to see John kill Danny. It seems mm. only right in the end. How he's going to kill Drogon, however, I haven't a clue. If she gets her hands on Sansa, Sansa is dead. Yeah, so is Tyrion, which saddens me because I've been rooting for them to rule together for years. Yeah, they got to watch out for Danny. Yeah. Everybody Be involved careful, with that. Everyone thing. does. <laughs> yeah. Note, I should really stop predicting anything because I've been wrong all season long about everything. <laughs> the music, y'all, holy shit, was everything. Bravo again. Visually, I liked it. As an episode, I liked it. I'm not sure I like where the storyline was headed or how we got there, but this is it. One more episode and we are done forever. I'm hoping mm. we can all enjoy the ride, no matter how bumpy. Thanks again to Game of Microphones for, giving, for getting us through. You are welcome, and thank you for yes. joining us for the ride. It's been crazy. Lord Ty of House John, this season could have been helped greatly by doing 10 episodes. Yep. <laughs> it would have added just enough depth to the developments to help make sense. The storytelling could use a few tweaks as well. Why have Cersei's only defenses the scorpions and the soldiers why not have a few catapults firing some wildfire it would have made cersei look a little bit more ruthless there are still ways that they could have made danny go mad those that have a problem with danny going mad and saying it came out of nowhere haven't been (laughs) paying attention to her at all I still love this season, just like I've loved every other one. But I agree, it needs more time. I feel you, Me brother. Too. I feel you, Lady Steph K of House Cooper. Everyone says Sansa was right to distrust Danny, but perhaps it was that distrust that was partially responsible for pushing her over the edge. That's a great point. I think that, that mm-hmm. there's definitely some merit to that. Despite fighting hard, like if she hadn't worried about Sansa, she wouldn't have. You know, tried to John make John suppress his uh, his identity. That would have avoided the way everything played out potentially. Um, despite fighting hard and giving much to fight the White Walkers, she got zero percent appreciation from the North because let's be honest, they can be assholes to outsiders. <laughs> <laughs> Danny's lost so many people and has no support, and then John half pulled the rug out from under her, and everyone's saying, "See." I told you she was crazy. I mean, burning up a city mostly full of innocence is a bit much, but saying it came from nowhere is not really cool. Also, Danny did say she was going to break the wheel, and well, she definitely broke something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she did. Absolutely. (laughs) Lord Stephen of House Carndall. Better than episode three, but that's not saying much. Character assassinations galore. Damn, yeah. Sorry you feel that way, man. I know he was definitely upset after episode three, too. It was really disappointed yeah. with that. Bummer. Lady Lucy of House Jane says, I'm broken. Two of my most favorite people died tonight, Varys and Sandor. While I love that they both went out fighting for what they believed in, I'm still broken. And that's a great point, too. They both went out fighting for what they believed in yes you know backing down for nobody and doing what they thought was right i gotta respect that yes absolutely lord chris of house say well fast forward past the extremely unrealistic firing of what two or three giant bolts at the dragon (laughs) (laughs) after showing them slaughter one dragon easily they took it all away the quick descent wouldn't do shit 
There was like a hundred ships with giant ballistas. Mm -hmm. Then not one was fired from the walls of King's Landing. However, after all that bullshit, (laughs) old mad queen popped up for her barbecue session. (laughs) Goosebump sadness and racing heartbeats. Big time. Tyrion, John, and Grey Worm's realization was hard to watch. Grey Worm loyal as ever, but still knowing it was wrong. Unfortunately, I'm on the worst season episode camp, but that's, that was GOT. Without all the unrealistic, non-use of extremely effective ballistas. <laughs> oh, and what the hell is, was the mountain? Yeah, good <laughs> oh, question. Well. Love the Kyburn death. Yes, me too. Yeah. Lord Jamo of House Maxwell just finally finished watching here in Scotland, and we've lost and we've lost another Scot, sad face, Rory McCann, Sandor, to add to Ian Glenn, Jorah, last week. Thankfully, Daniel Portman, Podrick, is still going. <laughs> I get why some folk think things are being rushed, but I loved the pace of the episode. It was true edge of the seat stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I also like that things aren't being tied up neatly with pretty bows on top. I want to be left with questions and theories we can discuss forever, and so we can t- continue to get podcast episodes <laughs> to keep us going through the long night when it all ends next week. That's good points, man. Very good points. Yes, you'll get you'll get more episodes. We promise. Oh yeah, Lady Shelley Adele of House Milney, and again, if I mispronounce your name, let me know. She has a meme here. It says season one, Danny Burns, Mary Master. <laughs> season two, Danny Burns, the house of the undying. Season three, Danny Burns, Astapor. <laughs> season four, Danny crucifies the, ma- the, the masters, the masters of Marine. Season five, Danny Burns, Miranese nobleman. <laughs> season six, Danny Burns, the Vias Dothrak. Season seven, Danny Burns, the wagon train. Season eight. Danny Burns King's Landing Game of Thrones fans. It's a picture of Pikachu going, oh. <laughs> yeah, we should have seen it coming. Yes, yeah, we basically. should have. That's funny. Nice. I love that. <laughs> Lord Mohammed of House Tusif. I really liked the episode. It showed what Daenerys should have done in the first place. Of course, I do think she shouldn't have killed the people of the city and should have stopped after the bells rang. But I guess this was the way she'd become the, quote, Mad Queen. Her anger, in a way, was justified. Tyrion failed her multiple times. Her nephew slash lover is a threat to her legitimacy on the throne. Varys, a man who thought that she'd be a good queen, turned against her and supported Jon. Her entire life was wasted on a mission for the throne which she probably wouldn't have even wanted. One of her dragons was killed. She fought a war she had no idea about and almost and lost almost half of her army and a dragon. Sansa was being a total bitch to her. She felt she was surrounded by enemies, even when she was amongst her own people. I guess she finally considered what Elena Tyrell told her. Be a dragon. Great, a dragon. great points, man. Good to hear from you, Mohammed. Thank you for writing. Lady Stacy of House Rio. Rilo. I hope I'm not pr- pronouncing that wrong. Loved it. <laughs> yeah. So good. Lady Mary Patricia of House Diarigo. Maybe this whole episode will make more sense after next week. John and Tyrion should have helped her find the love she craved. Varys's death was epic and he didn't even scream. Wow, that's a great point. Mm. Didn't even scream. Silent. As opposed to Mary Ma- Mazdur or all these other people who've shrieked as the fire has engulfed them. 
Yeah, Varus, man. Stoic. Oh, statu- statuesque. Yeah, you got to respect him, man. Clegane Bowl. Epic. Not sure why Arya was even there except to thank Sandor. <laughs> yeah, well, she gave up, which is like 99% of the way there. <laughs> Jamie yeah. should have killed Cersei. <laughs> that would have been crazy. Yes. Oh, man. I've traveled to a bunch of random places and random countries. But as a Midwestern guy, I recently have been falling in love with what the more rugged parts of America have to offer to all of us before they're gone. Team Age Productions and Powers Media House presents Beautiful America, a musical documentary series with all original content. Explore the southwest of America and indulge in some places you've heard of and plenty more that you certainly have not. Cooking under the stars and below freezing temps of Death Valley. 4K drone footage of one of the most insane monoliths on Earth. Driving in abandoned mines, cliffs, canyons, and wild times. Check it out. Team Age Productions on Facebook and YouTube. That's T-E-A-M-A-G-E Productions. Beautiful America. Lady Alicia of House Stout. Things I deemed noteworthy. Number one, Danny sitting on her throne at Dragonstone mirrored the scene with the Mad King saying, burn them all. They are sitting in the exact same position with lights, torches on each side. Great catch. Remember what Elena tells Danny back in season seven? You're a dragon. Yes. Be a dragon. Number two, we finally see Bran's vision with Drogon flying over the burning city. Number three, how on earth did Jamie survive the stabbing <laughs> by Euron? <laughs> it can take a long time yeah. to bleed out from a stomach wound. And it's possible that it, you know, didn't t- totally destroy some vital organs. Maybe it just like just, <laughs> just missed it. Yeah. <laughs> His liver. Number four, Cersei's death was completely unsatisfying to me. I have to kind of agree. I was hoping for a little bit more drama, but it was emotional and sad. Mm. So I'll, I'll give it that. Yeah, it was, for, it was totally opposite of everything that I wanted, but I ended up liking it. Exactly. Mm. That's all, Good way that's to all I can say, you know. But Kyburn's death was amazing. I was really hoping Cersei would stay in the tower at the Red Keep while Danny burned her to a crisp. Oh. Me too. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> Number five, I'm still pissed that Jamie got with Brienne only to dump her and run to Cersei. Dick. Total dick move. But yeah, let's be honest. He's got a strong addiction to Cersei. <laughs> That's true. Like, he really did. He, he, when he was with yeah. Brienne, he was in it. You know, he thought that he was where he should be. But then yeah. as soon as he learned that Cersei was in danger, it's like a, a switch just flipped in his brain. And he was just like, just freaked out, you know? Yeah. Just like Danny freaked out. Number six, loved the Clegane Bowl. Now that was 100% completely satisfying. Awesome. Glad people are at least liking that. After the hound stabbed the mountain and he didn't die, my first thought was fire will kill him. Which is amazing because, well, fire burned the hound by the hands of the mountain. Damn. After that, I had a feeling they would both go down. Number seven. So there's magically a white horse standing around after a big battle. <laughs> yeah, I thought that too. Somebody but it sent could, us a message. That, yeah, they said Bran sent an Uber for Arya. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Arya is amazing. I feel that she may come back to kill Danny. 
Ooh, could, be. could be. Green eyes. Could be. Oh, does Danny have green eyes? Yes, she does. I never noticed. Well, in, the sh- in the show, she does. Nice. In the books, she has purple eyes. Right, right. Yeah, because I, I never like notice anybody's eyes except for your eyes, which are like extremely blue. And I've I know. edited, <laughs> they can get edited very blue. hours of video with it. Uh, so I noticed that. And like this one. In- I've always had blue eyes. <laughs> Arya's coming for you. Better, better get out of California quick. <laughs> um she, uh, her, Amelia Clark and my son actually have the same color eyes. They kind of change, but they ha- they like have a brown center and they're kind of like greenish, bluish, hazily. Nice. Yeah. Of, mine, change. mine change from green and blue back and forth too. It's, it's weird. Mine are just blue. Really blue. Yeah. Super like ridiculously <laughs> blue. I, I don't think blue. I've ever seen eyes as blue as yours. Yeah. They're just dark blue. It's crazy. If you want to see Rachel's blue eyes, gaze into the ocean of her eyes. You can join <laughs> us on YouTube. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> Thanks for writing, Lady Alicia. Always good yes. to hear from you. Hopefully we'll have the episode out faster this week for you. For everybody. Yes. Lady Laney of House Micelle. Cinematically, it was beautiful in my opinion, but it seemed rushed and unsatisfying. Cersei has been the one to hate from the beginning, seeing every flaw, love, hatred, betrayal from her, and then to just be crushed by the castle. (laughs) I was really looking forward to some form of justice that involved at least one of the Stark children. Another thing that stood out as odd to me was Arya. We've been accustomed to her not backing down, and when she left Clegane's side, I thought she was on her way to find Cersei, and then I see her outside? It threw me off. I'm really hoping there's more to why her character did that than what we got. I think that she realized with the Hound that, you know, like, she she wasn't meant to die there, basically. Hopefully. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the reason. In, in uh, the game revealed, uh, Maisie Williams said something about her her deciding to to live a a new life essentially Mm. um so it could be that she's made like a moral like decision here like a character decision that will i'm I'm assuming we'll find out more about it next week yeah good to hear from you laney lord christian doll of house Pedersen. i was a bit conflicted about this episode some amazing parts and some parts were meh Clegane Bowl, epic, best part of the episode easily. Nice. The hound stabbing away at the mountain while laughing like a crazy man. <laughs> yeah. What an image. <laughs> the end of the fight with them descending into the fires of the city was perfect. Cersei and Jamie deaths, a bit disappointing after his whole redemption arc. He just <laughs> went down the hole again and died for no reason at all. Uh, it's, it's, it's like it, somebody mentioned re- really recently, it, it, Matt, it's like he has an addiction to, uh, to yeah. Cersei. It's just like a heroin addiction, man. Like yeah. I've had friends who have you know, battled heroin addictions and they can be fine for years. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're just like. Pops back up. Yeah, it's horrible. I really thought he went to King's Landing to kill her so the old prophecy would come true, but instead they got crushed by boulders. At least I think they're dead. <laughs> it would be weird twist if not. Yeah. We never got the, the Valencar prophecy on the show, though, so. Nope. Danny, we were set up to believe this was going to be a battle with somewhat even odds after the death of Rhaegal, but really it was just a dragon barbecue party. <laughs> Drogon and Tanny are truly mentally connected. They're channeling her, channeling her father, burn them all, and Drogon channeling Danny's madness and fury. 
I predict either Arya or John will kill her in the last episode. I think John will die as well, perhaps by the flames of a furious dragon, just having lost his mother. Ooh. That would leave a vacuum for Sansa to swoop in, pick up the pieces, and take the place as the ruler of the Seven Kingdoms. She'd still have to deal with Drogon in that scenario, though. Yeah. (laughs) Unless Drogon's just like, fuck the Seven Kingdoms, I'm going to old Valyria. I'm leaving. <laughs> he goes back to Valyria. Um, I keep forgetting to mention, I wanted to say that this whole disaster that was like a dragon fire holocaust um, yeah. is the way that I kept thinking about Sad. it watching the TV show. And I kept forgetting to write it down and mention it. So dragon fire holocaust, I'm putting it out there now. Yeah. Arya, a bit disappointed, would have loved to see a bit more badassery from her. Anything really, fighting off some Lannister troops back to back with the Hound oh. or fighting slash killing Jamie to get Cersei would have been cool. But then again, I guess this is some sort of redemption arc for her back to being a human being with emotions and feelings instead of being a cold hearted killer. We saw a human side of her trying to save the mother and daughter who were pushed back from the gate so Arya and the Hound could get through. I don't know. More badassery would have been nice. Maybe next episode. Oh, yeah, Thanks that's for the true. Great podcast, guys. Thank you. That's true. I didn't realize Arya must have felt guilty for being the reason that they didn't make it through the gate. Um, yeah. Although they, they were like pretty far back. They, they got seemed to have gotten closer than they would have otherwise with uh, the addition of Arya and the Hound pushing through. They kind of like drafted off of them and like, <laughs> you know, got close behind them. Thank you for writing, Lord Christian. Sir Patrick of Hindsight. In case it isn't clear yet, a lot of the central theme of this story is that revenge isn't cool. I think symbolically, Sandor has passed on the gift of life to, to Arya. I agree. That pale mare at the end represents the last bit of hope that is left after Pandora's box has been opened. Ooh. The faceless men started off by bringing the gift of mercy to Valyrian slaves. Then they moved on to relieving their suffering by killing the masters. There is speculation that the faceless men caused the doom of Valyria. Arya must know that only she can stop Danny. She's like Bruce Wayne, watching the destruction of Gotham under Superman. But Sandor has instilled in her that vengeance is not the answer. A true faceless man takes no personal joy or triumph in the act of killing. Damn, goosebumps. Danny represents everything that Arya could have become, but she has continued down that path. Not that Arya will likely be the one to kill the Mad Queen, but she may well trade places with Jon this round, distracting the dragon long enough for him to strike the killing blow. Ooh. Ooh, I like that. (laughs) Yeah. I I was looking forward to Sir Patrick's uh, feedback on this episode for sure. Yeah. During the live episode, I was like, what does Sir Patrick think? (laughs) (laughs) Varys died as he lived, gaslighting the monarch, driving wedges between allies and manipulating Tyrion. (laughs) (laughs) I can't help but see the parallels slash contrasts between Theon's last stand with his spear and Grey Worm's fall into villainy. Ooh, that's interesting, too. And the way that you mentioned Arya becoming human again, maybe it was the last commenter, sort of uh, mirrored oppositely what what happened with Grey Worm. He had become more human over time as Arya had become more robotic and killer. And then at the last minute, they both reverted. And Arya is now becoming more human more drastically. And Grey Worm is like reverted into robot killer mode. So that's an interesting opposites there. 
It only just now dawned on me that the episode aired on Mother's Day. Those cheeky bastards. Yeah, with, with <laughs> Eleanor, the mother who has tried to be saved but ended up getting roasted. They had to kill Tywin on Father's Day and then they killed Eleanor and Cersei. And, and Cersei, yeah, a mother, pregnant Cersei. On Mother's Day, yeah. <laughs> yep. Cersei called it last episode. So much for the Breaker of Chains. Damn. Cersei's right about something? Wow. Seriously, though, it vexes me to no end how everyone just lets Varys do this shady shit and keep making excuses for his ass. Jon doesn't want the throne, but what he wants doesn't matter. But But what he wants doesn't matter. He's a war hero who draws people to him. Nobody else notices that he's describing Robert. He makes a show of telling Danny she's making a mistake. So it's okay for him to wage a campaign against her and have children try to poison her. <laughs> he sees her looking isolated and alone. So instead of trying to offer her words of comfort or advice, he starts making moves against her. You're all just somehow cool with all this? His plan for allying himself with Danny was to deliver a Lannister to act as her advisor. Are you still buying that? She's been burning people alive for years, and suddenly Mr. For the Realm is worried about her state of mind? He took advantage of her vulnerable state after she saved his silver-haired ass from the army of the dead. That was the most dangerous man in the Seven Kingdoms. Good riddance. Jesus fuckballs. Ooh. Spicy. He adds, when Varys shows Tyrion the wizard in the box, he puts on all of his rings, opens the box and says, hello, old friend. Now he takes off all of his rings and tells Tyrion, goodbye, old friend. Wow. Very interesting. Very interesting. Lady Carlin of House Worderman. Hi, Duncan and Rachel. Although my adrenaline was coursing through my body during the long night episode, tonight's episode took me on a journey and I loved every minute of every minute of it. So I thought I would share some of my thoughts about tonight's episode. I apologize if this is too lengthy, so feel free to edit if you read it on the podcast. First, Varys was called the master of whispers for a reason. So we knew he was going to spread information about John. Oh, yeah. By the way, at what point exactly does a secret end and information start? <laughs> does labeling it as information val- validate, justify, or rationalize his needs to resume his role as the Master of Whispers? I loved his touching but necessary goodbye with Tyrion, my first emotional moment of the episode. Mm. But I wish we received more information about the voice from the fire and what it said to Varys when he was castrated. Did it relate at all to his death? Do we or will we find out in the books? Possibly. Hope so. I did not see that fight between Euron and Jamie happening. Maybe Sir Patrick of Hindsight did, though. (laughs) (laughs) Theirs makes sense when you think about it. Although Euron's last line was fitting, it could have been written better or cut cut completely. (laughs) And dang, Euron did some damage to Jamie, so I'm surprised he was able to be physically mobile as he was as he was and actually get to Cersei. I guess that's just the power of love. Cue song by Huey Lewis on the news. <laughs> <laughs> if I were to rank my top five of this episode, I would definitely rank my number one was the goodbye between Jamie and Tyrion. I cried mer- more during this scene than I did in Jorah's death and the funeral scenes. Yeah, that was rough. There were that was rough. Big time. Their relationship has been one of the most touching male relationships I have seen on television. And as we know with GOT lore, we as the audience anticipated that this would be their goodbye. And I cannot think of another way to improve on this scene. 
I did catch myself giggling, however, because the scene did slightly remind me of the scene between Pocahontas and John Smith in the tent after he killed Kokuum <laughs> <laughs> and was also a prisoner in a tent. My best friend and I actually had to stop the scene to sing the chorus of their duet chorus from the movie, <laughs> If I Never Knew You. I loved every minute of that scene. <laughs> stop the scene to, to sing that. That's great. Shout out again to Ramin Javadi. In my opinion, his music from this season has topped everything else he has written so far on the show. The musical climax of everyone waiting for Danny to show at King's Landing was great. And I think it complements the music at the end of season eight, episode two, very well. Mm. Also, thoughts on the use of multiple slow-mo scenes and the lens flares. I could have done without them, but they did make the episode feel grandiose and cinematic. I love slow-mo and lens flares. Me, <laughs> I love them. Because they don't use them very often yeah, in the show, so when they do, I like them. Really made it stand out, you know? Yeah, I liked it. Also, Clegamble was everything I wanted it to be, and I think it is an interesting and poetic parallel to have both Clegane and Lannister siblings going out together. Anywho, with one episode left, I am interested in hearing your predictions for the finale. As a psychologist myself, I look forward to processing this season with my clients, although none of them <laughs> have brought it up yet. And in the meantime, I look forward to processing with you and the GOM network. Thanks again. For all that you do, Lady Carlin of House Werderman. Great to hear Thanks from you. Thanks for writing in. Yeah, love your love your email. And uh, cool that we have a psychologist who values our opinions. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> that validates us, at least it makes us seem We're a, validated. a little not crazy. <laughs> We're validated. <laughs> Lord Ty of House Gorman. Really good episode, but I'm not happy about it. I was really wishing something happened to keep Danny from going full Mad Queen. It seemed like... An in-the-moment decision by her, but we should have seen this coming because she now has total tunnel vision about the throne and getting it at any cost. She even refers to it as hers multiple times after finding out it's actually John's. Denial. A few interesting things I've heard. Do you think Bran sent Arya that horse to help her escape the carnage? Yeah. Otherwise, don't you think it would have panicked and ran off in the midst of things? No, Rachel thinks that. <laughs> yeah. Also, Jon Snow has a lot of pressure on him right now. May he reestablish the Night's Watch, bringing the Targaryen family full circle with Danny playing the Mad Queen and Jon taking the place of Aemon? <laughs> That'd be crazy. He has to do something. I don't know if he'll kill her because of honor and he loves her, but obviously he won't support Danny's rampage. Maybe she'll burn him like the Mad King did his grandpa? He is part Stark after all. Thoughts? We're down to one final episode. Ah! Good questions, man. I feel like John's going to have to kill Danny. Drogon's going to be an issue. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Craziness. Lady K from House Shaw. Both Leanna and Arya have so many similarities. They have, they both have had to prove themselves when a lot of people doubted their power, and they both are physically small compared to the other characters. Arya and Leanna have another similarity in this episode. Both were in the air being choked and then stabbing a major character and then stabbing a major character. Are you stabbed a major character? In I, this? I think this is from last episode. Now that now we're uh, thinking about it. Oh, okay. Both were in air being choked and then stabbing a major character. The death of the two characters were game changers as well. Obviously the night, 
The Night King's death is a major game changer, but the giant could have done a lot more damage inside the walls if he wasn't stopped. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Great points. Uh, yeah. Both Arya and Lyanna <laughs> prove their worth in this moment. Oh my god. The mountain looks like a like a fucked up version of the bird box creatures. <laughs> I don't remember seeing the bird box creatures. Hmm. They're pretty fucked up looking. Yeah, I'm going to have to rewatch that because I don't even remember seeing them. It's funny. Thank you for uh, your feedback, yes, Lady thank K. You. Great to hear from you. Lord John of House Shanky. Just a theory of mine. Remembering the wheel that Daenerys wanted to break. Remembering Robert Baratheon's rebellion to overthrow the Mad King after Lyanna Stark was kidnapped. What if history is repeating itself? If true, then here is my prediction. Arya is kidnapped by Daenerys' forces. Gendry leads a rebellion allied with Sansa and Robin Aaron to get her back. Like father, like son, a Baratheon's love for a Stark girl. What we do for love, the things we do for love. Tyrion follows his brother's legacy and becomes not the Kingslayer, but the new Queenslayer. <laughs> Maybe history is trying to repeat itself in similar ways, and that's the meaning of the spirals and the wheel. Bran's wheelchair, <laughs> the, the rise of fire, the decline of ice, the rise of ice, the decline of fire, and on and on it goes. Very interesting. Yes. If we had five more episodes, I could see it happening. <laughs> totally. Lady Joe from Detroit. Hi. Hello. I've heard people complain about how Jamie and Cersei died, but we super fans kind of knew right. In season five, Bronn asked Jamie how he would like to die. Jamie's reply, in the arms of the woman I love. Great call. And it's referenced in the books. Jamie's saying, I can't die while Cersei lives. Ooh. Thank you for all you do, Joe from Detroit. Great points, Joe. And also, like we mentioned, uh, we entered this world together. We'll leave it together. They, that was always in the cards for them. So, you know, if if one prophecy or one thing came true that sort of makes sense, it's that, I guess, you know. <laughs> Sir Mihai of Math and Science, Guardian of the Tensors and Friend of the Lambdas. Seven blessings. Me again with my musings. First episode three has been only ice. This has been only fire. The song will enter its final stanza next episode. Even from the beginning of the episode, I realized Danny will snap. They quoted the every time a Targaryen is born, gods toss a coin and the whole world watches, as well as Viserys's you don't want to wake the dragon quotes in the recap before the show started. Yeah, totally gave it away. Then Viserys mentioned the coin several times, and yes, we know how it landed for John, but that's for later. Just as I predicted last week, losing Missande and the second dragon, and seeing that John is a little cold towards her, mostly freaked out that she's his aunt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely screwed up Danny's mind state. So, since there's no love for her, she chooses fear, just like Cersei chose violence at the start of last season. Oh, great connection, yes. dude. I choose violence with the mountain. That is an excellent connection. And yes. she's talking there with the mountain who's undead and John's undead. And Danny's telling John that. Yeah. Crazy, man. Good catch. Um, King's Landing is doomed and the efforts of Varys only resulted in a toasted spider. Letters and poison using little birds to find out if Danny eats the poison food are all for naught. Danny finally learns to attack the ships from the side. The scorpions are too slow to load. 
wasn't it Braun saying these things are too slow to load and thus a stupid weapon? I don't remember anything about that, actually. I don't remember that. Tyrion waits for the bells to ring, looks at them so many times. We even hear cries of ring the bells, ring the bells. When they finally do, we see Danny stop for a second and then she snaps. When Bran was walking towards north of the wall... He saw one dragon flying over King's Landing, only one. And we see that in this episode as the dragon starts flying and burning all around. It's also the signal to the Unsullied that they can start attacking again. Grey Worm backstabs a Lannister soldier and everyone starts attacking, except John. He tries to stop it, receiving a dark look from Grey Worm, and then grudgingly has to fight as some Lannisters are attacking him. <laughs> During this fight, we see Davos trying to get people to safety. Maybe that's what Tyrion wanted him to smuggle out, not the other two Lannisters. <laughs> that's hilarious. Then some ten, min- 10 minutes later, we see a few Lannister soldiers doing the same. It's a turn of the wheel to see the bad guys being the good ones this time. Now King's Landing is a full ruin since Danny snapped. Another section of the episode is the Lion... The Lion Brothers. Tyrion was once saved from prison by Jaime and sent to Essos. Now he does the same for his brother and makes us tear up, admitting that Jaime was the only one not treating him like a monster his entire life. Unfortunately, Jaime gets to Cersei too late. First, he's late to the gate. Then he's delayed by Euron and almost killed. Euron starts bragging that he killed the Kingslayer as he dies. (laughs) When he finally gets to Cersei, all is lost. They're trapped in the cellars and they die with him wrapping his hands around her neck. Though not choking the life out of her as the Valonqar prophecy ends. But close enough. <laughs> Jamie should have stayed with Brienne and kept his oaths. He didn't, and now he pays his debts by dying. Ooh, a Lannister always pays his debts. The Hound snaps Arya out of her vengeance quest, but in the way of getting out of the city, she gets a scar in the same place as Sandor and now hates a different queen. (laughs) We've seen Arya in almost surely dead situations several times, but she escapes always because she might still have some part to play. The soundtrack, man. Almost everything in the is darker versions of soundtrack from previous episodes. Yeah, like the Dark Dragon yes. music. Oh, man. The North Remembers plays in the, dark, in the darkest theme ever once Arya sees all the burning people and yes. all the destruction while she finds the white horse. And at the end, we hear a darker version of the Light of the Seven superimposed over a darker Reigns of Castamere. A few more notes. Kyburn is killed by his creation. Frankenstein hills, kills his creator. Clegane Bull could have ended only one way, with both of them dying by gravity and fire. There's no other way an undead can die. <laughs> <laughs> Loved Tyrion, speaking Valyrian in such a bad way, <laughs> calling Jamie a skull keeper and trying to eat him. <laughs> Good thing Unsullied learnt the common tongue. Euron learns that a golden hand packs quite a punch. That's true. One more note. Danny's dragon fire sets up wildfire explosions. She's doing what her father didn't manage to. She burned them all. Except Arya. She has wife armor. <laughs> A stronger version of plot armor. One that results in divorce if Arya dies. <laughs> good, good point. I think in the next episode, we will see three people mad at Danny. Arya, after seeing the results of the destruction. John, after realizing he should have pressed his claim or at least reined Danny in. And Tyrion, once he realizes he shouldn't have betrayed Varys, he backed the wrong Targaryen. One of them will kill Danny. I'm giving this a prediction a 10 to 1 odds. <laughs> I have a few more predictions for the next episode, but I'll come back with them later after I review a few more scenes from the past. Great to hear from you, Sir Mihai. Yes, thank you guys. Yeah. 
Thanks. We love your feedback. Yeah. Thank you so much to everybody who's participating in our show. We love it and love to give you guys a voice as well. All right. That's our show. Episode 118. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Yes. Thanks, everybody. And a huge thank you to Lady Rachel for being awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And also a major thanks to John Bailey, the epic voice guy from the Emmy nominated Honest Trailers for announcing our show. If you like what we've been doing and would like to donate or subscribe to support us, now is the perfect time. We have an investor who's offered to match three times any donations that people make. So if you appreciate the content we've been providing for the entire rewatch and during season eight, you know, and you want to hear more from us, we'd love to stick around and keep podcasting. Now is the perfect time to donate. You can always go to paypal.me slash podcast or patreon.com slash podcast to donate an amount of your choosing. There are links to both at gameofmicrophones.com. And thank you in advance. Doing some online shopping? Go to gameofmicrophones.com and click on our link to Amazon. As an Amazon associate, we learn. We, we learn from qualifying purchases. <laughs> we earn from qualifying purchases. That's right. And any contribution you make helps. You can help secure the continued existence of Game of Microphones. Really, if everybody would just consider donating a single dollar, that would be enough to keep us around for a good long time. Yes. Um, I mean, we're planning on staying around anyway, but <laughs> we need the funding to, to, to do it <laughs> effectively. We'd like to thank our patrons, Sir Matthew of House Rep, Lady Lucy of House Roberts, Lady Candace of House Twos, Lady Terry of House Theodore, Lord Jeff of House Allen, Sirenicide, Lord John of House Grills, Luke the Low Duke, Lord Jeremiah of House Carpenter, Lord Robert of House Missyveg, Lady Jen from Tarot Spirit, Lord Corey Eugene of House Coon, and Lord Calvin of House Cook. We love you guys and appreciate your patronage. Thank you so much. Seven blessings. And make sure to check out Sirenicide, the serialized horror drama podcast featuring me and Archmaster Stitches. Season four is approaching, so go to Sirenicide, download it wherever you get your podcasts, and get caught up while you still can. We also want to give a huge thanks to Lady Lisa of House Sky. She has been amazing behind the scenes, getting our website, gameofmicrophones.com, up and running. She's an extremely skilled artist, and you need to check out her amazingly illustrated book, The People You May See, available now on amazon.com. It's prime eligible, too, so you'll get it in a couple of days. And I will tell you, your child will not be disappointed. You can check all of her work out at fineartsbylisa.com. She's also on Instagram and Facebook slash fineartsbylisa. Next episode, we'll be covering the Game of Thrones series finale. Oh my God. What the fuck? What the fuck? (laughs) Give it a watch and send us your thoughts. We'd love to read them on air. We'll also be going live immediately after the episode airs. So make sure to join us for that as well. We'll have a stacked group this weekend i'm sure for that unfortunately yeah. lady rachel won't be able to join us i will be in las vegas <laughs> we'll forgive her though we'll forgive her <laughs> yeah. so if you guys want to call us you can always call us at 813-563-3739 that's 813 joffrey if you would like to write in you can email us at ravens at gameofmicrophones.com check out our facebook page at facebook.com slash gompodcast Imslap. Oh. 
You can also listen to Game of Microphones on YouTube, BitChute, and Steam It. Just search for Game of Microphones to find our channel. Likes, comments, and shares are greatly appreciated. We're also on Instagram, Twitter, Gab, and Minds at GOM Podcast. And we're on Tumblr, too, at Game of Microphones. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening. She shouldn't be alone. You're worried for her. I admire your empathy. Aren't you worried for her? I'm worried for all of us. They say every time a Targaryen is born, the gods toss a coin and the whole world holds its breath. We're not much for riddles where I'm from. We both know what she's about to do. That's her decision to make. She is our queen. Men decide where power resides, whether or not they know it. What do you want? All I've ever wanted. The right ruler on the Iron Throne. I still don't know how her coin has landed, but I'm quite certain about yours. John John would have just had sex with her. We could have avoided this whole carnage. <laughs> well, you know, to put it simply, yeah, but it's it, it's just that it goes final deeper. devastating emotional blow of losing who you think is your soulmate, you know, that mm. just made her feel hopeless and desperate. I know, you know, some of the most like hopeless points in my existence have been as a result of losing a relationship like that or something like that. So it makes perfect sense that that's the trigger point that, that would send someone over the edge, you know, (laughs) someone that danced close to it. Yeah, exactly. For a long time. Exactly. Who's, who's has a hereditary history of madness, (laughs) you know, like the Joker said, sometimes it just takes a little push. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, I instantly got that they were trying to poison her because he's sitting there like sending out ravens so that John's the true heir to the Iron Throne. Yep. And they're talking about eating and she's not eating and he seemed disappointed in that. And we know that while Varys may care for Danny to an extent, um, I don't think he really cared about her like eating. No, <laughs> you know no. What I he mean? basically told Tyrion last episode. Tyrion was like, well, "What happens to her?" When yeah. they were discussing, we're uh, gonna fucking kill her. Yeah, we're basically, gonna her. he's like, "You know what?" And happens, poison man. is a woman's weapon, yeah. but it's also a eunuch's weapon as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I just had this terrible feeling that Danny, we weren't really gonna like Danny very much at the end of this. Well, you pretty much nailed that. The name the spider is so fitting for Varys because his spidey senses are off the charts. Like he yeah. knew before anybody else that Danny was gonna go wild. He he sees the value in John even before knowing he's a Targaryen. Um <laughs> while everybody else is still figuring it out, he steps ahead with his spidey sense on point. <laughs> his little fingers out. Hidden inside of his uh his sleeves doing that. Yeah, his his big sleeves. Yeah, so she looks a hot mess. She looks so fucked. Her hair is all fucked she up. She looks like a woods she, witch. Can you hear Justin 
Um, only I heard it's, him for a second, but okay. it's not a big it deal. Sounds like there is a banshee in our house. Uh, <laughs> I'd expect oh no God. less. Oh my God, he's doing it right. Yeah. Then. Well, why do you think Sansa told you? What do you think that she hoped to gain? She trusts and me. And like, well, she trusts me. You know, yeah, she trusts you. She trusted you to spread secrets that could destroy me. And Tyrion's like, he's like, oh, good point. <laughs> and you did not let her down. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man, it's so true. He got played like a fiddle. Yeah, he sure did. I'm noticing at this point she looks super disheveled and just mad. Yeah, uh, she turns good. around like her freaking eye sockets look like ten feet into her brain. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah. And we see John reacting to Danny he, burning. He doesn't look very pleased. Yeah, he with does this. not look thrilled. He looks nervous as as well. Um, and the quote popped through my head: "Man who passes the sentence should swing the sword." Mm. And I don't know if having is having your own child murder somebody for you. Is that considered swinging the sword? He gets blocked outside the gates for the Red Keep when they close him and he's waving his golden hand trying to get the guard's attention, but to no avail. So he's... He's, he's like, soldier! Yeah, yeah, soldier! <laughs> and nobody's looking. For once in her life, Cersei cares about somebody other than herself as she realizes no, that... she's like, you're hurt. Yeah, he's fucked. <laughs> Euron thinks he got him, you know, and if the tower hadn't collapsed on his head he probably would have <laughs> right yeah and just just goes along the wall and just blasts the shit out of these things and i'm like yeah yeah go girl and i was like rooting for the tyrant at this time but yeah we, was she wasn't so a tyrant yet to, i know i know but it was like horrible when i was rooting for her and i was like oh 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 no don't do that it's like time magazine hitler man of the year 1938 or something <laughs> <laughs> you fucked up time a couple of years later we're like oh we shouldn't have backed Ooh, that guy we should have not done that yeah so what's your number three my number three is clicking ball oh. <laughs> oh yeah it was so much more chaotic because we could have gotten a lot of um, like bird's eye view from Danny's perspective and it would have been epic and awesome. Mm -hmm. But I loved that we were down in the chaos. One of the only times we did get that bird's eye view was that vision that we got from Bran's hallucination. Um, his, uh, one of his visions. Remember we, we sure did yeah, get that. We've been speculating about what is it? An ancient dragon, you know, like, uh, from yep. before the dragons it was died. From the was future. It? So Bran has a, a vision in the future. Um, we, so can we know confirm. that he can see the future. Yeah. So why didn't he warn anybody about this? <laughs> I have a lot of questions about what uh, they're using Bran for. Yeah. Maybe we'll find out. And Grey Worm is there with her brooding, and normally John is brooding. Worm. So if it's Danny that's brooding, you know shit is fucked. Yeah, She's always yeah, in like well lit seriously. rooms and stuff like that. 